What can I do to make it up to you? I can barely move my mouth because of the bruises. And welcome to our special anniversary show, Sneaky Dragon, episode 6,000. 6,000? That's right. It's the 6,000th episode. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Tell me that we haven't uh, hidden a whole bunch of secret episodes around the internet that you'll have to... No, it's only 350. Well, we have hidden secret episodes around dollar stores. That's true. You have dropped the sound card uh, <laughs> around different dollar stores. Yeah. I'm Ian Boothby. I'm David Dedrick. And you're uh, the people who basically wrote this episode, or at least half of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been asking for a while for you to give us questions. Uh, we have so many questions. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and we're going to answer them as honestly and as well as we possibly can. Sure. Uh, before we get started on this uh, endeavor, is there anything that you want to tell the nice people uh, before we dive deep into this uh, big pool? Well, do you want to talk a little bit about an update on your sure, circumstances? Because sure, I think sure, that's sure. something that... Okay, yeah, all right, here we go. So, um, last time we met, I'm not sure how much I told you, uh, but uh, uh, we had an insurance guy come by the house. Now, I rent a house. Yep. I rent two floors of a house. There's yes. someone who's living on the very top. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I rent two floors of a house, and uh, the, the, we had an insurance guy uh, do this random inspection and uh, basically say that uh, there's a, a hot water tank that needs to drain that it doesn't drain okay. because it's an old house and it doesn't have that, and that's a new thing that needs to happen. And he also said that the... Uh, um, uh, the fuse box or you know whatever that is that panel that's there uh needs to be changed somehow so that's got to be altered or moved or some was it too too low a voltage for the house or uh, was it... i'm not quite sure what the okay. reason was but it was something that they said the, they uh it, it needed to be changed so they uh so the building manager brought in a couple of people to get estimates yep and uh, and then brought in another insurance person yep. and uh, another insurance person. And apparently all the insurance people know each other. So you can't get more than one insurance person because they all know each other. And they all said, no, we can't insure this unless this all gets fixed. Wow. And the fixes, the owners of the house decided weren't worth it. So they're going to uh, just uh, they're gonna stop the house, uh, basically, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. sell it. Uh, probably knock it down. That's the uh, that's the idea. So uh, so we found it, it was a bit of a drag because you know um, we uh, we had to, you know all those people coming by. It was like a lot of early mornings and people checking stuff out and us hoping that that would not be the case. And then uh, and then you know get like a text from the building manager saying that uh, I'd like to come by tomorrow to talk about this and just trying to get from them. Well, what way is it going? Mm-hmm. And it's like we'll talk tomorrow. I was like, can't do that. So we had other stuff to do that day anyway, like we're doing our corporate taxes. It was a busy day. Mm-hmm. Then get back home, and uh, and he sits us he sits us down, and uh, well, we sit him down. It was weird too. Actually, it was like <laughs> we offered him a seat, and he went, "Oh, like a boss." I'm like, well, okay, are we joking? Because it's fun, or are we? Yeah. No, we're not. Because fuck. Okay, read the room. Uh, anyway, uh, so he yeah, he told he told us that uh, well, what the owners want to do is they want to offer you like you, you if you move out because it's we're recording this now it's like middle of August. Yes, you move out at the end of September, we're going to give you two months uh, rent, and uh, we 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 know that you know the uh, tenancy uh, agreement uh, is uh, now it's changed like in the last two months. Mm-hmm. You get f- if they're going to knock down the house or shut a house down, yeah. you get four months. Yeah. So we went, oh well, no, we're going to do going to go with the four months. Yeah. And he went, okay, well if you do that, then you'll get four months and then one month's rent. So basically, while he's saying we're going to give you two months rent, they're not going to 
give us two months rent. Yeah, yeah. They were going to give us an extra month's rent. Anyway, so uh, so uh, here here's where things stand though. Right now, it's like they uh, they have the insurance will end at the end of August. Yeah. on the house, mm-hmm. uh, and so they want us uh, they want us out. You know, but but they were. They were offering us to stay in September, yeah. Even though that wouldn't be that wouldn't be insured, yeah. But uh, they were offering us to stay through September, and then uh, uh, you know now here's the weird bit as well. The mm-hmm. people who are above us, yeah, they haven't told them yet. Oh, they're on vacation. Okay, they're coming back on the twenty eighth. So you know there was a little bit of a suggestion at one point, like if you guys could be out by the end of August, that would be really great. Uh, and I went like, so you're going to tell those folks who are coming back from vacation they got three days to move. <laughs> to find a house and move. And he was like, oh, yeah, I guess that doesn't make sense. So like, no, none of that makes sense at all. Mm. So. Because the thing is, is that. <clears throat> okay, go ahead. The insurance has nothing to do with you. This is an excellent, this is an excellent point, Dave. And one that I agree with you on. Uh, so, there, yeah, his argument to us, like it was our problem, was. Yeah, yeah. But the house won't be insured. That's the problem. The insurance yeah, yeah. runs out at the end of August. You can say, well, to- we have contents insurance, so our insurance is fine. That's right. We do have, yeah, we have renter's insurance. We have, mm-hmm. We've got all that. It, it, it's, it's trying to find a nice way of saying, this is not a me problem. Yeah, yeah. This is a you problem. Yeah. But the, but the other problem is because we're going to be trying to get a new place. Yeah. We want to have a good recommendation. Right now, we have a good recommendation yeah, from yeah. them because we're really sure, good tenants. Sure. So you don't want to act like a jerk, but you mm-hmm. but you got to like stand up for your rights. Sure you do. So uh, so yeah, they're they're we're getting like a lot of uh, we're getting pressure and a lot of it just seems dodgy. Like he said uh, that, and I've written notes to myself and mailed them to my wife and and everything of like everything that happened at the. You mean uh, email the them, or you actually yeah. physically mailed them? Yeah, with I, a no, stamp? no, I've, I, okay. yeah, I emailed them. Okay. Uh, so it's just got a date on it, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, of of like everything that happened in the meeting, and he agreed when we we're in the meeting that uh, yeah, we we leave on the thirty first of December because you get four months' notice. So September, October, November, December. Yeah, that's that's it. And he was like, yeah, that's right. That's four months. And he even laughed and went like, yeah, you know what? If it was two months ago. You would only get two months, but they all changed it. I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they did. <laughs> and so, this is why. And that's of this why. Kind of bullshit. Because of this. Because this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the but the implication that he keeps pushing on us is, but of course you can't stay here because it's not insured. It doesn't that, matter. I I understand what you're saying, <laughs> and if if the world was on its axis and everything was right, yeah, that wouldn't matter. Yeah, that would matter. But, you know, sometimes building people try to make you do... See, this is the thing. So so we've agreed to the thing that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we, I mean, we, friendly, we, we, we asked him, like, you know, if you see any uh, new places, please let us know. Yeah. Like, we thought maybe he could help us because he's also, like, an agent with Remax. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe you've got some other rental properties. Yeah. And so he showed up, like, a handful of, like, Xerox Craigslist ads. Ugh. And it was just, like, all seriously bullshit. Like, yeah, he's yeah. now... Showing us places like way, way in the suburbs, mm. you know, in basement suites. And it's like, no, look, we just want the same thing we kind of have here, you know, or better would be lovely. Yeah, but yeah. like, you know, part of a house, if not a house. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 you know, a, a little bit of yard and, you know, uh, allow a cat. That's what we need. And he keeps sending us stuff that is, is not that at all. But yeah, my, my, my feeling right now is we've agreed to something. But I, I've just got this thing in my stomach that they're going to try and pull some shit. Mm-hmm. 
and we're going on two trips, two business trips in the next little while to New York and then mm. to Madrid. Yeah. And I just feel like they're going to try and pull some shit while we're gone. Mm-hmm. Like we have uh, uh, my sister-in-law, Pia's sister, Vicky, looking after the place. And I'm just, I'm just, uh, it's just hard to leave when you just feel like someone's going to try and pull a fast one on you yeah. to cover their butts. And that's what it, that's what it feels like is going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to like keep an eye out of like how that could be or what that could be. Yeah. Not quite sure, but yeah, I don't feel a hundred percent safe with right now, and that's a bit of a drag. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, right now the goal is we're gonna look, uh, just you know, do the light scan around and see if there's any places you know that that turn up. But we're gonna try come November to then hardcore look for a place. Yeah, then do a slow move out in December, hopefully. Sure, sure. You know, best month to move. <laughs> Who's busy at that time of the year? Well, then also you get the everyone. Everyone has to be you know a charitable. <laughs> like oh, well, that's these poor people they're losing their home on uh, Christmas. That's a good point. You're that's right. right. You're yeah, right. yeah, that's a good point. Ding diddling, ding diddling. <laughs> and also, hey, quite a few people on vacation. Yeah. So uh, you know, got a little time. I don't. Know. Uh, I, I, I when I when I heard the September thing, it really was like made my heart sink. It was just like oh, that's just too soon. Oh yeah. To find anything that's like in any way good. And 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 here's the thing. Like I know people want to uh, show sympathy, mm-hmm. uh, but like anytime you mention then like you know oh yeah we got to move out of the house and we're trying to find something in Vancouver and you get from people oh good luck. <laughs> it's like all right. Like I get I get where you're going. Yeah yeah. But, you know, you don't want to say, like, yeah, the doctor says, uh, yeah, I got this disease. It's called this. Ugh. Oh, boy. (laughs) That's not good. Oh, brother. I don't like that. I might as well well say goodbye to you now. Let me tell you some stories of people of mine that died horribly from that. (laughs) I got a big bunch of them in my back pocket. (laughs) Yeah, the the other situation that's uh, the reason we want to, like, delay it till, aside from the fact that why not, because we've got four months, Mm -hmm. and we've got, like, fairly reasonable rent at this place, so why move to a place with more rent, which yeah. is what it's going to be, mm. even if they're saying to you, you know, hey, we're giving you a month's rent. Yeah, but there's also moving fees in that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that that's not, it's not great. It's better to have the less rent here. But like, we don't, uh, we've got uh, books coming out. We've got a whole bunch of other stuff coming out. And we don't really know where we're standing right now as far as how sales on any of these things are going. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what our situation is. And we will, by that point, generally know what our situation is. So... It'd be better to do it later when we know what type of place to rent and what place kind of place we could afford. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, ugh. Three, but three words for you. Yeah. Oscar the Grudge. Mm. This is a, this is a idea. You're saying Carol Spindley will be dying soon. We might be able <laughs> to get like Spinney? his place. Carol Spindley. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. That is a nice place that he has. Oh, I have not seen it. Oh, there's a documentary about him. It was on Netflix. And, uh, yeah, he had a nice, nice kind of, like a kind of, um, what would you call it? Like an executive estate kind oh, of place? Oh, very nice. Like an acreage with a house on oh, it. I'm very sorry like for that. mocking him at this point and like mm-hmm. uh, prophesizing his de- demise. <laughs> that seems like bad luck on yeah, my part. That's very silly. Shame, on, shame on me twice on that mm-hmm. uh, for both Oscar and Big Bird. I hope he lives a good, long, healthy, hearty life. Yes. Good on him. I'm sure he has many, many years in front of him I'm sure. I'm sure he does. He's fine. <laughs> you know what? He had one of those jobs where he's walking around. It's true. He that's did. a good job. Yeah. <laughs> Carrying a heavy object all yeah, the time. Yeah. That's good for you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and then he needs to rest. He gets in the garbage can and you just take a little nap. Who knows? <laughs> it's fine. That's great. I'd be interested to see the back of Oscar's garbage can, see how that all works. I've always pictured it kind of like Snoopy's doghouse. Being? Like, just what, being of infinite capacity inside. Oh, I that just we mean don't... in the real world. Oh, in the real because world. Because Oscar's oh, okay. trash can is a real thing that you could actually yeah. enter oh, okay, if you need yeah. to and see how the puppetry works there. Mm, for sure. Does it have a back? That'd be the question. Oh, how would you get in? 
You think he just crams himself into that little garbage can and like just sticks his hand out, out of it? That'd be terrible. <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible? Poor guy. Now he's like an older fella and they just yeah. shove him in the garbage can well, and like make I, him do his best. I just didn't say it doesn't have a bottom. Or it does have a bottom. I don't think it has a bottom and he sits inside a garbage can. Okay. But I think he could just reach up through a garbage can without Right. Much There's a hole issue. in the back, you assume, right? No, no. Through the bottom. Through the bottom? Yeah. Well, you think it like goes down really, really deep and he's got a ladder he's like precariously stepping yeah, on? Yeah. The more precarious, you the better. You think they dug a hole in <laughs> no, the studio? They, they don't want to have to dig, dig a hole. Instead of, the, instead of cutting have, a hole in the back of the can, which would be infinitely easy, whole, put a couple of gym mats is, down. The whole thing is raised for the puppeteers, though. It's not just him. Everyone, Everything's up in the air. So puppeteers can be standing behind it. Do you think all their... of Sesame Street is, is, is up? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I don't. I do. Yeah, I think it's all. lots of elements of it are, ele- are raised so that the puppets, puppeteers can hide. Wow, I don't, I don't think so, and I think that I think we could find that out pretty easily. So we'll find yeah. that out at some point. You'll be surprised when you do. Anyway, what I'm saying is, if you live in Vancouver, yeah, and you know a nice place, uh, come uh, November, uh, let me know, and uh, might move into it with Pia, and we might have a secret roommate. We'll see. Yeah, that's all. Can't okay. say anything besides secret roommate. Okay, I see. No, I'm not having a baby. No, no, I know. Okay, it's not that. Yeah, yeah. Or a, or a pet. It's just like there's an actual person we know who may be looking for like another uh, like uh, suite that we may uh, oh, I see. decide to split a little rent with. Yeah. Is this person related to you? No. By okay. No. Yeah. Hmm. But it is someone you know. So we will get into that discussion oh, I, off my I already know the answer. Very good. It is <laughs> Carol Spindley. <laughs> Spinny. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Spindly. He's a very thin man. He is very thin. Spindly. Yeah. Some people say he became Slender Man. <gasps> is that what happened? Yep. There was a body found on his property. A murdered person. Well, eventually, that's going to happen to everybody, it wasn't, right? It had nothing to do with him. Just someone decided to dump a body yeah, on his property. That's weird. I feel you had to mention that. Well, you seemed kind of suspicious. No, no. I just you're no. Like, I was I was the opposite of suspicious. I was going like, you're eventually, like if you have a property, eventually, yeah. a murdered body will show up on it. <laughs> okay. I have something to look forward yep. to. All right. Finally. And you know what? Leave it there for Halloween. Good idea. Really make it spooky for the kids. <laughs> Smelly. Yep. All right. Questions. We've got questions. questions. We've got miles and miles of questions. Questions. Time for questions, everyone. Oh, by the way, do yeah. people have a chance to win valuable prizes? Oh, they do have t- a chance to win valuable prizes. In fact, I'm holding two of the valuable prizes in my... I'm actually holding them. I'm, I'm reaching to a bag and, and fondling one. We have the mug here. Let me okay. just take it out of the... It's pretty nice looking, right? Seems un- yeah, it seems unnecessary to take it out of the bag for safety purposes. Listen, listen. That's the mug there, everyone. Dave is actually just tapping his face right I now. was not tapping. He's got that I porcelain made smile. Porcelain. And then we also have... We also have the... Tote, a tote bag. The tote bag here, and I'll, I'll unfold it on mic. Yeah, if you want to tote anything. Which also has a sneaky dragon thing on it. Yep. Just, people will be calling you Tote of Tote it's, Hall. It's a little, maybe it's a little embarrassing. Mr. Tote's Wild Ride. People will be like, why do you have a dragon on your sure. bag? will be like, oh, I like this a, podcast. Grab a comic from back here. And there'll be a po- podcast. What a nerd. Yep. Uh, let's see. Oh, Ian's <laughs> reach, reaching oh, deep into... Oh, no. Oh, everything's going wrong. <laughs> What's Very professional. There you go. Hey, well, we'll find you a comic book. Thank, thank you for that bit. Okay. All right, guys. Let's oh, so at the end of this, we will draw Ooh. randomly from the. We will draw randomly pants. from the raffle pants. Yes, we will certainly. Our bulging raffle pants, bulging with names. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant. Okay. Well, and let's, also a big supper. So um, we're going to start. These are these actually weren't questions that were sent to us, but they were suggestions that were sent to us for a show we did back in February sometime. Okay. I don't know what it was. Did we do like a topic show that we were gonna we we awarded people for 
Like we drew, we drew a topic. I don't remember this. I don't at know. All. Well, uh, it sounds like it's Valentine's Day. Maybe it was some no, uh, romantic thing. Okay. Well, let, let us know what's going on. So I, I'm not too sure what it was because it's what it was. It was. It was a. Okay, six, here's six my months thing. ago. <laughs> uh, first person who responds with "What the hell that was?" Yeah, let's, let's wins uh, a prize. Oh, okay. You can decide on the prize. Okay. Um, but but Lane. Hi said, Lane. Hi Lane. Lane sent us some some questions for that contest. Oh. And I like them so much. I was like, oh, I'm gonna fold them into the to the list the sure, sure, Q and A sure, show. Sure, so so I did. And then he also sent us some questions uh, today, actually, like Very last good. minute. Thank you, Lane. All right. Just under he just shoved them under the door. All right. He dropped them through the transom in our office doorway. But just drop them off at my house. It's uninsured. <laughs> right. uh, so here's his first question. Due to long simmering resentments, mm-hmm. Sneaky Dragon breaks up. Mm-hmm. Do we have long simmering resentments? Oh, I, no, I think he was doing a hypothetical. Okay. Man, I hate it when you don't get that hypothetical. <laughs> that just drives me fucking nuts. <laughs> but, but you both... It has since the beginning of the show that, that you don't get hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. I do get hypotenuses, though. I hate your fucking puns so much. <laughs> anyway, what's the question? <laughs> Gee, this is taking a turn. Lane, what are you doing? But you both still want to podcast. Do we? Okay. If you're, if you're each flying solo, yeah. what sort of podcast would you create? Banter, interview, narrative, a weekly exploration of why the other guy sucks, etc. Okay. Uh, I, would, uh, I would do a podcast about why people uh, quit doing the things they love. And way and uh, and 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 uh, how you can stop that? Because that's basically what I do with this uh, uh, thing I have on Facebook called No And yeah. about improv. Sure. Which is I'm very curious as to uh, why people start doing things like specifically in that case improv, but like why people stop uh, and uh, and what can be done to stop that stoppage? Because I sure. think a greater variety of people in uh, the arts is uh, is is better, and uh, quite often. Uh, things that uh, are uh, sort of uh, rut, ruts that yep. uh, things get into uh, stop people from doing things. And uh, that would probably be what I'd cover, but not just in improv, but in other things as well. Why do people stop uh, the idea of like going into medicine? Why would you give up doing that? Why would you, you know, uh, stop uh, living in a big city? Why would you do that? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. you don't want to be in a band anymore. Why not? Yeah. And so on. How about yourself? That's a good, that's a good show, actually. Um, I would start a show called 12 Rules. On how to live. I thought you were going to say, like, because the how the number 12 rules. Just the number absolutely 12, ru- number 12 <laughs> rules. Uh, no, I would do, um, I probably, I would probably want to do like a music one. I'd be like, well, Ian's not here to, to, to hate music. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I'll just do a music one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It wouldn't be any I do f- think you should do that anyway. Here's the thing, though. If we weren't doing a podcast together, it yeah. wouldn't be as much fun to do a podcast. Like, well, but yeah, it's sort of the back and forth between us. That but you find a different type of fun joy. with other yeah, friends, I right? Guess that's true. I mean, and you know, so many people who are uh, directly or tangentially involved in music or have mm. their own love of music that I think there would be things you could definitely uh, dive into with yeah. them. And I, in fact, like I see just your interactions with people on our website and uh, the back and forth you have sometimes about music with people and go like, yeah, this definitely is a show that you've got uh, going on here. So yeah. Maybe I should maybe I should start the Sneaky Dragon listening party. Sure, I'm try- I was trying to think of a pun with Sneaky Dragon listening, but I couldn't. So there you go. <laughs> Disagree with me then. Yep. So that's what we would do. Uh, pretty much what we're doing already, but just by ourselves. Very good. <laughs> uh, two. This is in brackets. Steeple's fingers, Brian Linehan style. Yes. What does 2018? We're pretty much through it, but what does 2018 have in store for the Sneaky Dragons? 
Assuming we don't wind up in a blighted post-apocalyptic world where life is a daily struggle just to survive. Oh, geez. Well, thank you again, Cassandra, for predicting that. Um, <laughs> sorry, you go first this time because I went first last okay. time. Okay. Well, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it as what are we going to do as Sneaky Dragon? Oh, very good. All right. And let just going to let everyone know that at this time we are uh, currently doing a podcast called Full Marks, and that wasn't our game plan from last year to to do that, and it just took us a little while to get it on, off the ground. Um, and so that's what we're doing right now. That was in our plan for 2018. Because so, Dave wanted to just do Zeppo. And I went, bring the others in. Bring and he's the like, others no, in. I want to do a deep only, dive on Zeppo. Only Zeppo. That's what the show is going to be called. Uh, yeah. So if, and it also, as if things go apocalyptic, what's your game plan? My game plan, if things go apocalyptic, is I'm going to leech on to the most busybody, pushing himself forward guy I can find. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just glom onto him with my family, and we're just going to go wherever he goes. Right. We're going to tag along. Glom, glom. Because that's a person that you want to know in that sort of situation. Okay, so uh, you need Brent Butt's address? Is he a pushy, get things get done sort of a guy? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that would be okay. I'll person. let you know his address off the air. That's funny, because when I went to France in uh, 1980, 1987, I think, sometime around there, 1988, maybe 89, uh, Lisa and I went, and we were there during a train strike. And we were coming back from France uh, on the ferry. This is before the channel. And there was a train strike going on in England. And so what we were facing when we got to the other side, we'd happily taken the train from Paris to Le Havre, got on the ferry. We were going over to Dover. But on the Dover side, there was no transportation at all because the trains were on strike. And we had no way to get back to where we were living, at least as ants, in uh, Northamptonshire. And so, but on the train... Besides some annoying Australian girls, there was this guy and his family, and I immediately recognized this guy as like, you know, kind of a, he wasn't, he was still young, but he was like a person who was going to rise and like up in politics or be that kind of person, you know what I mean? And so I was like, this is a person, we're just going to be friends with this, these guys, <laughs> and they're going to get us through. And it was totally right. Like when we got to, to Dover, we're in this ferry, you know, the ferry terminal, and it's just chaos. It's madness because there's so many people there and there's no way for, no, them, for them to go. Yeah. You know, they're trying to like find cabs. They're trying to find this and that and nothing's working. And so Lisa and I are just waiting, standing there. And then this guy comes bustling back to us and he's like, okay, I've talked to bus driver who's going to Nottingham to stop in Leicester. And you can get off with us in Leicester and take a bus back to where you're, where you are. And that's, it'll be about an hour back, but at least, you know, you'll be in the vicinity and we're like, aces let's go and that's what we did and it was all because of him he's the one who talked the bus driver into so that's a person because i'm not that person i could not be that that guy but i can certainly be friendly with that guy and be friends with that guy and let him do all the pushing for me and i'll just just kind of quietly move move in his path that would be my that's my post post apocalyptic plans everyone very good uh i'd say like just uh yeah uh my my plans for for the year are just to find out uh, if i can make a living doing stuff that i own that's it. That's one of the things. Yeah. Uh, given that a really good shot. There's been a couple of weird little random job offers I've had recently where I was like, nope, 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 nope. I don't want to do that. Uh, but, you know, and then, of course, you know, then you get the old boot out of the house. and You're like, well, maybe I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. No, 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 no. We're going to see how this goes first. And we'll see how yeah. it goes. And we're yeah. going to yeah. take some risks, even though it's a really risky time. Mm-hmm. There we go. Mm-hmm. As for Apocalypse, Apocalypse. I've just got enough family members that have been through real horrors that they know what the sh- the real shit is like. So yeah. I'm paying attention to them and their opinions and finding out if this is in any way close to what led to other horrible things. And, uh, you know, uh, just just behave accordingly and uh, try to take it down at the knees whenever wherever possible. Back to you, Dave. Cool. 
Question three. You have previously discussed the Man Ben Show. As someone who spends too much time thinking up things for other people to do, I think you guys are well positioned in comics and media production to create your own version. I think it would be good if it's called Man Dave. What <laughs> would what? I added that he didn't know. Who? Sorry, I didn't mean to take away your uh -huh. Ian's uh, laugh That's at you. Fine. Your, for you. Actually, he put it in here. Sorry, I, I'm just making Ian it. laughs here. What? Anyway, who would be your top four choices, and what insights would you want to glean from their process? I guess we could choose two each if that's okay. I'll go uh, Kate Beaton. I would like to uh, Ooh, that's see a good what her process is yeah, and where she yeah. selects uh, her material from. She mm -hmm. does a lot of uh, just straight out funny stuff, but also historical stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I also like the way that she uh, she draws. So I would get into a little bit of that. Okay. Back to you. Hmm. So someone who's working right now that um, whose work um, just thinking. Okay. Uh, one person I like quite a bit who's fairly new is Ben Sears, who is uh, doing. He just did The Perfect Copy, I believe it's called, and another one before that uh, was called, oh man, I wish I could remember now. I should look these things up. I have two of his books at home. But he draws in a very a very exciting, very dynamic style, these sort of adventure stories of mm -hmm. treasure hunters and in the sort of sort of future world, and they're quite interesting. And I, and he started off in, um, he started off be, not doing comics, he started off coming, like coming up as an artist doing uh, concert posters for punk rock shows oh. in, in, he lives somewhere like in sort of a southern state. And uh, that was his grounding, uh, sort of in graphics. So he kind of brings that design element to the art, but also has this very uh, wonderful kind of dynamic, f fluid action to it, you know, and it's really quite exciting. I think he'd be interesting to talk, see his process and, and, and talk to. I would like to also uh, do, do one on Stan Sakai. Uh, mm -hmm. who does a book called Usagi Ojimbo, but a, a whole bunch of other stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just amazing storyteller. It's been consistently amazing for years in a, with a deceptively simple style mm -hmm. and a deceptively uh, deep uh, storytelling style as well. Yeah. I've just started reading some of his stuff again, and uh, he's as great as ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. All right, back to me. Boy, the pressure's on. Um, Just trying to go through my mind of people that I like. You know who... I Okay, I, w I don't know if she just won't do it, but I would love, I would love if, uh, and I can't remember her name now, I'm sorry, but the lady who draws um, uh, Inuyasha. I'd like to see, like, I wish Man, I don't know if Man Ben has done it, I just haven't been able to see, find it. Okay. Um, I can't think of her, sorry, I can't think of her name, but um, I would love to see her, because I really like her style, and I, I would just, I just wish there was a Man Ben of her. So I would, I'll do my own man Ben. I, maybe the problem is she's she's too shy to, to do the show and doesn't want people to, you know, is just afraid to be drawing on a camera. Which is where will be. But uh, so maybe she wouldn't do it anyway. Done and done. But that's someone I'd like a lot. And could, if I can go back in time, sure, I would love to uh, do one uh, on Peo. Oh, I'd like nice. to I'd like to see his his working methods and I like his drawing style a lot. So that'd be interesting. Very good. All right. Okay. Oh, let me just find his other three questions. Oh, okay. As P oh sorry this he has a weird hanging uh, dead end to the sentence here so let me just start it simply he says how has full marks differed from completely Beatles and totally Tintin for you while I'm enjoying it binge watching the movies has been a less rewarding experience than listening to records or reading comics the contents all sort of s smooshing together in my head enjoyable especially Chico I could watch him uh, sorry I could watch him play piano all day but I suspect there feels but I suspect there feels like a bit of a diminishing return thing with a series whose installments are so similar to one another. Hmm. 
Well, I haven't really found them to be too similar because the tones the tones been changing pretty mm-hmm. radically mm-hmm. from film to film, at least for the uh, for the first for the first batch. Uh, I'm enjoying it more than the other two because uh, it's uh, something that I'm more interested in, which is comedy. Uh, so 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 that's that's been uh, and I, I feel like I've probably got more to say about it than mm-hmm. I than I do about the other two subjects. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I would say comics would be in your ballpark, but. Not as much straight adventure comics with maybe a light smattering of comedy. Mm. You know, m- you know, boys mystery adventure yeah, isn't yeah. really uh, isn't really my field. Okay. Even though I, I I like a little bit of a thrill, and I used to be a boy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, trying to find a whole bunch of jokes about the opera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I can mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, and for me, I'll admit that one of the most one of the most recent episodes was a slog for me, just because I found the movie uh, kind of uninspiring. And there was a, a lot of history and a lot of information to to glean for that one. So I, I had to do a lot of notes for it. And that, I'll admit, I really had to, like, push myself through. Most of the time, I, I enjoy, believe it or not, I enjoy the schoolwork element of reading up reading up materials and writing out notes and things like that. I enjoy that element of it. And I like learning about the history of stuff that I, I knew a little bit about, but I did not know in, in a really deep way. Because mostly in life, you know, I've read... For instance, I've read a, a book about Alfred Hitchcock, you know, and I could maybe throw out some facts that I gleaned from that book that I read 20 years ago, but unlikely. And I, so I have sort of a working knowledge of Alfred Hitchcock, but not a deep knowledge. Yeah. And so if I was, you know, doing like an Alfred Hitchcock podcast, I would learn a lot more about his working methods and his films and the histories behind them. And that would be interesting to me. The same way this is interesting to me that I'm learning, you know, the ins and outs, the contractual elements of it. This is sort of things that, and particularly for me, like learning about their vaudeville years, which I did not know about at all. I didn't even realize that, you know, they weren't making movies and they weren't making movies until their mid thirties, which is really late to start with a whole sort of new career in the sense that, you know, we missed their prime youth, youthful years. You know, those are gone. They're lost to us because nothing yeah. was recorded of that time period. So what we has have what we have what we has what we have is the this mid period element, you know, and then to a later sort of sunset year as part of their career, which is kind of weird. Like that's not always what you get from artists, you know. And so it's been interesting. I really I really enjoyed it. I'm sorry that you feel like they're all smooshing together. It might just be that uh you know, even with a even with a two week gap between episodes, it might just be too much for for. Yeah, I look at something like uh, Chico's character. You know, where he's now the good guy. He's mm-hmm. the guy that helps the 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 woman who's having a hard time out. Whereas he used to be the guy you'd hire to kidnap the football team. <laughs> Seems like very very different. Yeah, that's you right. Know. Yeah, he's gone from he went from whatever you want to call it. I don't want to say he's evil, but he definitely was chaotic neutral. But yeah, he would pick your pocket uh, yeah, as yeah. soon as look at you. Now he's chaotic good. Maybe, but yeah. before he was chaotic neutral. It almost seems sure. confused. Good, but yeah, I guess that is chaotic. <laughs> it's interesting with like all of them, though. The, it, it, there's 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 a thing where like I almost think like you could you could make a each one a two parter where you do get the historical elements and that's its own thing, and then there's just our opinions on the actual work itself. Yeah, those seem so radically different. Uh, those those two, it's weird to actually have them both in the same uh, episode. <laughs> You know, this seems thematically so different. Yeah. But yeah. then, but then, even even so, in in all of these cases, there's this one element that I don't because we do so 
and the episodes are so long, there's no time to get into this, nor could we. But like where we think artistically they get the ideas and how these things are actually made, right? Yeah. Because it's yeah. like, how do you write a song? Well, you can tell me where John Lennon was in his life. And yeah. he was having trouble with his wife. And he was having trouble with this. And he was doing this. Mm-hmm. And he was fighting with Paul. But he wanted to work with Ringo. And then this song came out. But that still doesn't show you where this song came from and how it came to be yeah. it's all this it's all this art this work this you know and same thing with the marx brothers as much as you can say like they were doing this and that and the other yeah. how the hell did they come up with those jokes for for this what mm. what inspired these what made these sure. and it's this huge element of, of it that we really can't know because you don't have the people there to uh to say even well, yeah, if they would say that's true and maybe that's uh maybe that's on me as as the research person but I guess, yeah, that's could. one thing we haven't really done is, is put the shows in the context of the time. Right. You know, like, cause those, all those movies were being made in the sort of the flowering, the flowering of American movie comedy. You know, like that, the night, mm-hmm. the thirties were this, this very exciting time for comedy because it was sound came in and suddenly people could talk and, and talking became very important because action was hard to, right. to film. And so comedy became this, important thing and there was all sorts of comedy where there was laurel and hardy yeah the marx brothers um why is laurel and hardy so different from the marx brothers screwball comedies you know all these things that um you know were just kind of feeding until we get to the sort of the 40s just before the 40s started was kind of when it it all kind of came to an end right wc fields was probably the last the last comedian of that era who has still had the independence to produce movies that were still pretty good like the bank dick would probably be like the last film that you could point to as being part of that huge flowering of of comedy of the 30s and then you know it's hard to find like great comedies after that there's there's okay comedies there's some pretty good situation comedies there's some pretty good yeah there's a you know if if you like the kind of thing that the road films are hmm. that's a deconstruction of the normal comedy you know structures sure you know uh but like you know getting into who do you make fun of yeah who's the villains now who do we who do we attack who do audiences want to see be brought down yeah yeah. you know what aren't they comfortable with anymore uh and yeah you get it's that's its own thing and again we talked the other the other week about how the history of comedy tries to cover this on cnn does not do a good job mm-hmm. and maybe maybe you can't maybe the only way this really does work is if you have the comedians still alive and can ask them questions yeah you know it feels yeah. like a director's commentary track that <laughs> you'd be interested to hear but like unless yeah. you can talk to groucho and just go like so what were people not buying then yeah yeah you know when did you realize oh we gotta do a turn because mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. one one night all of a sudden doing jokes about the bank isn't funny anymore yeah it was yeah. like oh all right okay you know now you don't like a rich guy mm. okay all right now you don't like this so yeah well, that's certainly part of it. And just thinking in my mind now about Groucho is, is that sense of, of uncertainty that haunted them. And I don't know if that came out of being in vaudeville where the rug could get pulled out of you at sure. any time. You know, I mean, the Wall Street crash is part of that, but I know W.C. Fields practiced juggling every day, yeah. even as a movie star. He still practiced juggling every day because he needed something to fall back on. Oh, sure, sure. You know, because one day this is going to stop yeah. and I'm going to starve to death. So I need to have my skills. So I can keep, you know, keep, uh, keep it together. And it's interesting. And I'm sure Groucho had that same sort of haunted feeling mm-hmm. of, you know, I'm responsible for my family and yeah. da, 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 da. Here's one thing that you're always going to get when you're a comedian is you're going to have seen a comedian before you that was famous that is no longer mm. good. Yeah, you're right. And you've seen it. And you're like, well, how do you, how do you avoid that? 
Well, that's for sure. Like, look at the ghost of Christmas future. Oh yeah. Well, look at the Marx Brothers. Uh, when we get to uh, at the circus and they're working with Buster Keaton, who once was one of the highest paid film comedians in sure. Hollywood, now he's a hundred dollar a week gag man working for MGM. You know, feeding the Marx Brothers uh, gags for their movies. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's, oh, how the mighty have fallen, you know. Yeah, that's always the case. Yeah. Yep. All right. Still $100 a week in the 30s. Yeah, it was was at least like $10,000. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Did Lane have another uh, go? Okay. Apparently, they're bringing back Street Legal. All right. That was the uh, uh, Eric, uh, what's his name? He's the fellow who plays, uh, speaking of Brent, but uh, he's the uh, Oscar Leroy on uh, on, uh, Corner Gas. Eric Peterson. I was just going to say that. I was going to say Oscar Peterson, and that would have been wrong. That would be wrong. That is not all that jazz. (laughs) Uh, Because, it says because everybody demanded it. Yes. Which I don't think anyone demanded it, but they're bringing it back anyway. It's easy. Street legal is easy. It's a courtroom thing. It's it's almost a one-set show. Of course, they're going to bring it back. Which piece of CanCon, TV, radio, movie, magazine, whatever, Mm -hmm. would you bring back, and what would you do with it? You'd be free of interference from those clowns upstairs. Oh, wow. It's weird they have clowns upstairs. That's creepy. (laughs) Normally, I thought they were in the sewer. I thought they were in the sewer, but now they're in the upstairs (laughs) as well. That's terrible. What's what's your... uh, They all float. What's your... It it has to be Canadian? This is what it is? It sounds... CanCon. All right. What's your CanCon thing, or do you want me to go first? Okay. TV? Yeah. TV? I've got one for sure. Seeing things. All right. I would love to do like a updated seeing things um, with better better film, better cinematography, okay. <laughs> and better music. But yeah, I just like that. I like the concept of that show. A, f- a former guest of ours uh, wanted to remake it with himself at the, as the lead. Who was that guest? Colin Mockery. That was not correct. Really? Colin Mockery would have been good. Oh. Who? It was uh, Robert Dayton. Oh, really? Yep. Huh. Interesting. Um, seeing things. Yeah, it was a guy who. Uh, was having trouble with his wife. He would have uh, psychic uh, flashes of a murder yeah. and uh, would never get the appropriate information until the very last second. Yeah. Would go confront the murderer, yeah. get into a whole bunch of trouble because he had no defenses, yeah. dumbass, and uh, then barely make it out with the skin of his teeth. Did you say he was having trouble with his wife? Yeah. I don't know if they had trouble. They just had a kind of complicated relationship. But they were happily married. What? Were they happily married or were they divorced? Did you listen to the theme song? Oh, I guess I guess so. What was the theme song? How did it, what was the situation? I'm seeing things, believe me, I've never seen before, but little things deceive me, like when you threw me out the door, I oh, couldn't believe my right. eyes. So if anyone out there has seen David Cronenberg's scanners, there's a scene in the film where uh the evil Michael Michael Ironside's scanner character is on a TV show and he, he makes this other person on the show he's talking with Louis Del as played by Louis Del Grande is kind of uh, you know he's got a sort of balding guy with big glasses with a mustache um, that was that was Louis on on seeing things and apparently they scripted that show like like a like a screwball comedy so that every episode his head would blow up for some reason they just cut to that <laughs> already it was very, available footage very screwball <laughs> I was like I'm seeing things these psychic powers are getting too much Blam! End of every episode. Yeah. Everyone would be covered in gore and just like, Louie. They know, roll the credits. I ignored that show for a long time just because I was like, oh, Canadian TV, blah. But I, one day I just happened to see it. Uh, one episode, I was at my grandma's or something and I watched it and I was like, oh, this show's kind of funny. It's sort of a it's sort of an interesting idea. And so I started watching it. And like I say, apparently their scripts were like twice as long as a normal show because they had so much dialogue in the mm-hmm. shows. They're just like full of yak. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, very but, much that type of uh, mm-hmm. comedy of the time. Yeah, of, you know, yeah. the guy who just says everything that's on his mind. What's going on? I don't believe this. <laughs> oh, how much does that sandwich cost? <laughs> oh a, no, I'm seeing a murder. <laughs> it's a good show. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, and then radio. Oh yes, you know what my answer is. I would bring back the Great Eastern. Sure. Make those guys do some more shows. Make me happy. Put another season, and I want I want more of that wonderful mythology of of the Great Eastern world. Very good. I don't really have a radio one, but I'd go uh, for television. Uh, Rocket Robin Hood. Okay, Band because of Brothers. The, much because together. the uh, concept is it's Rocket Robin Hood, but yep. in space there's Sherwood Asteroid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say there's a show on right now where they uh, on Netflix Voltron where they redid. Uh, did re- the remake of an old show called Voltron, where it's a bunch of robot cats uh, that uh, what? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, spaceships as there will be. that look like cats uh, that form a giant uh, robot. It's not great, uh, and it's uh, had uh, problems of the era. Yeah, but then they had the producers went, hey, you know what? Let's fix all that shit, make yeah. it great. Yeah, they did. It's it's fantastic now. Mm. I would like to see uh, that kind of remake with uh, Rocket Robin Hood because it's a great concept. It's a great concept. It is a great when, concept. At the same the same summer one year yeah. we had. Uh, we had uh, Robin Hood, yeah, uh, and we had the Rocketeer, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, this is where Rocket Robin Hood takes off because yeah. everyone's Time gonna, for, you know, you just merge yeah, yeah. those two. It's fantastic." Do you, do you want to do it as a cartoon or live action? Cartoon. Okay. I think you do it as a cartoon. You could do a lot more. Uh, maybe you could do it live action, but I think it would be more fun as a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. So that's my answer. Just the one. You don't have any any. Yeah, it's just that it was just the one TV show, right? Just no, no, I have no radio shows. No, the hell with the radio. It's gone. It's a podcast now, man. Uh, magazines, Mo- I, I moving would moving on, moving on. Magazines, I would bring back. Uh, oh, mag- oh, do you ask for a magazine to bring back? Sure. Oh God. Okay. I would say uh, this was when the the girls or Mary loved so much. It was called the uh, magazine not for adults, mm. and it was this kids kid magazine, and it was really kid friendly. And for some reason, they changed the format partway through, and it became much less interesting. But in its in at its best, it was a very good. You know, information magazine for kids with a lot of stuff about entertainment and this and that. Okay. And, and it was by subscribing to it that we got the DVD for the Castle of Cagliostro. And I'll always appreciate it for that. Okay. There used to be like a... That's how quirky it was. There used to be this magazine that would uh, give you a DVD and the DVD would have all these short films that were done by uh, just like just short films by like kind of experimental uh, filmmakers. <laughs> and uh, that was always kind of interesting. I would like to see the same thing, which is like a code, I guess, that you could enter. And then I'll always see a whole bunch of interesting short films that are selected for you every month. Neat. Oh, uh, I like to I liked film threat back in the day. But I don't really go on the website now. It seems like everything's still around. Yeah, I'm yeah. writing for Mad and and, <laughs> and the New Yorker. So what the hell do I know? Everything still exists. Sure. Okay. All right. This is an incredibly tacky question. Okay. He says that requires me to resist years of my mother uh-huh. telling me to mind my own business. Sure, sure. That's mean. Sorry about your mom. Sorry but how much you. money? Yeah. Does he make? Yeah. From Happy Gilmore each yeah. year. If you don't want to answer, about six hundred dollars. Okay. Oh. All right. That's pretty good. It's not bad. Yep. I mean, as a little gift. Sure. You know, yeah. as a little thing in the sure. mail. Yeah. How how many times a year do you get paid for it? Uh, I get a couple of checks for about a hundred and twenty-five dollars. Wow. Yeah. So it comes to about six hundred or so. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. your honesty. No that's problem. really nice. No wow. Nothing well, to not be honest about. There you, there you that's, go. Lane. That's my union at work. Well, I I could I could feel Elaine's blushing when I was reading that question. All right. So I, I'm glad that you. No, I think it's important sometimes so... to discuss money things. It's, yeah. Uh, no, you're you right. Know, my parents how never did. Rip you off. My parents never did. Yeah, so you never know how much they made or yeah. how much uh, you're supposed to make or what you're supposed yeah, to Yeah, or how you budget or anything. I just have no idea all that stuff. Yeah, is it's like great. a mystery to me. Mystery to me. Yeah. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Fantastic. Keep that to yourself. Uh, keep all information about sex to yourself. Let's see how those kids grow up. <laughs> grow up right. Okay. So our next, our next questionnaire is uh, Brent Tannehill. Hey, Brent. 
Hi, Brent. Brent has been uh, a wealth of knowledge about chickens for me. And, oh, uh, nice one. And also, uh, what else did you write up to me about, Brent? You, you, uh, something, something to do with the, uh, oh, I know what it was. It was, um, I know what it was because it was a, a correction of, oh, about George Harrison. Oh, okay. And uh, whether he was a chicken or not, he uh, was not. He was a man. About uh, Savoy Truffle, I no Badge, the song Badge, which I I gave an old I gave an old description about, but um, I had forgotten reading. I mean, anyway, it doesn't matter. He gave me he he told me what was what. Excellent. And I thank you for that, Brent. Here in the U. Oh, sorry. What, if any, podcast do you guys listen to? Mm -hmm. Ian, you can start. Me. Yep. Uh, what podcast do I listen to? I uh, usually listen to uh, Rachel Maddow at night just to kind of keep up on uh, what's what. I like the big oh, loop. That's uh, Paul, Paul Bay's. Uh, it's not super intellectual. Uh, Paul Bay's uh, The Big Loop, uh, which is um, kind of a Black Mirror-ish uh, radio drama. Oh. It's wow. uh, quite, quite good. Hmm. Uh, very, you know, I say quite good. I'm going to say that's very, very good. Okay. I'd say give a, give a listen to The Big Loop. Yeah, sounds so, interesting. Those are my... Those are that's all? No, I listen to just random things. Mm -hmm. What I'll do is I'll normally listen to a podcast if I like the guest. So I like yeah. uh, the treatment with Elvis Mitchell. If there's mm. a, uh, someone who's a filmmaker or a writer on there. Uh, but, but like I tried to listen to, it used to be called the Nerdist Comics Podcast. Uh, and I used to quite enjoy it. Uh, and now I find it somewhat unlistenable, even if there's the guest I like. They seem to tape a lot of Comic Cons, and there's a certain thing to a Comic Con panel that's just completely unlistenable to me. It puts me right to sleep. Hmm. So that's my complaining about something. You didn't ask about that. <laughs> but there you go. Thank you for your podcast complaints. Yeah, but I will. I more listen to for the person than the, uh, I, I, the podcast itself. I'm with you there. Um, all right. Well, I once had a lot of podcasts in my feed, but then uh, my phone crashed and died, and I had to like re redo them all. And so that kind of, I kind of. Um, I kind of uh, called a bunch of them out. And so what I have now, and the, my my problem with podcasts is I'll listen to about I'll listen for a while quite enthusiastically, and then I get tired of the show and I stop listening to it. Okay. Uh, but I'm still really enjoying the Flop House. I do enjoy that show. You went to a live taping. I went to that. a live taping with Mary, who's a big fan of the show. And basically, the idea of the show is it's three fellas, and they they pre-watch a, a a movie that's a flop. It's not necessarily a bad movie. It's just a movie that didn't do well in the theaters. Right. And then they watch it. They 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 watch it and they come on the show and then they do like a they do like a a a, um, a description of what the, sh the movie was and they'll kind of riff on stuff and make jokes and things and then they'll and then they'll talk about the, the movie and they'll kind of rate it like did they hate it? Did they like it? You know, did they you know does it like a good bad movie? Is it a bad bad movie? You know, is it one you can enjoy for its badness or one that's just boring or is it a movie that you like? So you just it, you yeah. know. Because uh, sometimes, you know, it could be a movie that, even though it wasn't popular, it was still kind of good. Sure, sure. Um, my example of that would be that movie with Johnny Depp and um, and the Gorp Lady. Goop Lady? The Goop Lady. What's her name? Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. What was that That's movie good, called? Good old Raisins and Peanuts? <laughs> no, Good Old Raisins and Peanuts Lady. No, Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, it, had, it just had a guy's name in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. With a mustache. Yeah. Yeah, mustache show. And I watched, I watched, I had no, like, I just was one of the things where you're kind of like, well, let's see how bad this movie is. And yeah. I watched it with Lisa and we're like, well, that was not bad. It was actually kind of, yeah, this, sure, there it, you go. it kind of worked. I thought so. you were going to say Cry Baby. Well, I, Cry Baby was a fine film. I, I went to see that on purpose. Yeah. Um, but anyway. But I don't think that was a hit. 
Crybaby. What'd you no, say it I don't know. Well, yeah. I think it did okay, though. I think it actually did. I think it did okay. All right, very good. Good for Crybaby. And it came out at a time when you know a movie could do okay, and it was all right. it was all right. Um, I was listening to James Bonding, but I got and they started redoing them, and I was listening for a while, but I got kind of bored because it kind of got really attenuated, like. They weren't just doing like movie, movie, movie. They're doing like movie, then they're doing like a, a podcast about like best clothing yeah, that James Bond yeah, wore, okay. stuff like that. And There's another one that's out right now that's like James Bond, but they get drunk during it, and it's just oh, I couldn't listen. I to just that. Uh, I'm fine. I know you have a problem with that. I understand. Mm. I was listening to the Process Party as well, and I I was enjoying that for a while, but then they got really into like advertising their Patreon, which I just find so boring that I just stopped listening to the yeah. show. <laughs> um. I listen to a show called Echo Valley. All the guy does is play bubblegum songs. So it's not a show you can listen to like a lot, but I just kind of dip in and out. But it, like two hours of bubblegum music is more, more, I like bubblegum music, but sure. that's a lot of bubblegum music. Um, Esquire had an interesting podcast where they were going back. It's called Esquire Classics. And they go back and they talk to the author of an article, if they can, if the author is still around. Yeah. Or they'll talk to someone about the writing of the article or, or about the history of it. His murder. That's right. Murdered. Yes, exactly. So there's like good ones like, um, like, uh, Gay Talises, um, great piece about Frank Sinatra. Um, do you know that one? No, I don't. Uh, it's a really great one because he would, he had gone to do a, um, a piece on Frank Sinatra, but he couldn't interview him. So he just interviewed everyone around Frank Sinatra. Ah, that's a good way. And he has some good scenes of like... Very Citizen Kane. Yeah, and he has some good scenes of like being in the room with Frank Sinatra, but he doesn't actually get to talk to Frank Sinatra. Mm. And there's a scene where like Frank Sinatra gets into like a bit of a uh, contretemps with... uh, with, Jeez, I am... Once upon a time, I could remember everyone's name. Every person who did anything. Harlan Ellison... Uh, when he was just starting out, he was still wasn't really that well known and everything. But he gets in this gets in this uh, by being, just being Mr. Obnoxious Harlan Ellison. He gets into this kind of dispute with uh, with Frank Sinatra. Just things like that. It's quite a good article. But so it's an interview with G- Gay Talese about his article, and that's what they do. So they will just go back and they'll. There's a great one by uh, Tom Wolfe about the beginnings of Silicon Valley, mm. and so uh, Tom Wolfe isn't with us anymore. But they talk to a, a person who's also involved in journalism around that scene and they talk about that time period and then how it is now and, and stuff. it's it's called the esquire podcast esquire classics it's oh, called very nice it's pretty good pretty good. good one um i really like a podcast from england that was i was turned on to by a listener named chris roberts thank you chris called the word podcast right what's that about? it's some journalists uh there's a guy named mark allen who's kind of like my hero as a music editor he started q magazine which is a magazine I, I read all the time when it was in its heyday under Mark Allen. And then he went to Mojo, he started Mojo magazine. And then I guess he got tired of, of being a success at Mojo. Then he went and founded, <laughs> founded the Word magazine, which was more of like a balanced music and, and literature magazine. And that one didn't take off the way that Mojo and stuff have. But, but anyway, what's left of it is this podcast. So they'll talk to music journalists on it. You know, if they have a book coming out and stuff like that, they'll talk about their book. And, and that's a really good show. I'm still kind of enjoying Thought Spiral, mm-hmm. the um, and the Kindler, Josh Elvis Weinstein podcast. I can't take Josh, but uh, he's so a little I'm... negative. Yeah, he's a little negative. He, he seems to shut down Andy to the point where, like, what's the point of this then? Yeah, Why are we yeah, doing this? Yeah, if you're not going to let Andy go off, yeah, 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 it's he's going to. It feels like uh, like a Martin and Lewis. But where Martin has a lot of control over Lewis, and Lewis goes, "Well, I, maybe I should not be talking." It's like, "Yeah, shut up." Yeah, and they keep uh, stop. We don't want to have that baby voice. Okay, I'll be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, no, that's the whole thing. You gotta let him go. Yeah, I still listen to it because I don't know. I don't. I don't like when they talk about 
marijuana. I don't enjoy those segments yeah. of the show. And I do feel sorry for Andy when he gets shut down by, but you know, you do get Andy Kindler and it's kind of interesting. And I'm thinking like, this is the guy, the other guy. He was the first uh, Tom Servo, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. He's the guy who quit Mr. Yeah, I'm like, why is this guy bossing Andy Kindler around? That's <laughs> That status-wise doesn't seem to like sync up at all, does it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think he's quite successful as a writer, a comedy Great. writer. Good for but, him. But yeah, it's That's weird. That's nice. It's weird. But no. He's also a stand-up comic. Yeah, it's good. Lovely. Stop it. Stop shutting down uh, Andy Kindler. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. Yeah, I do like that. That's a pretty it's good a show. a little pat sometimes. Like it's, it's, oh, well, it's, it's a very little... pat. It's very New Yorker as well, if yeah. you want to say pat. I mean, I look at the end of the show and he like credits 18 people with producing it. You're like, hmm, yeah, I wonder why it's good. Yeah. I mean, you got that many people in your, working in your corner. Like, the thing is, too, he's got to land the plane perfectly to you know his opinion on the subject yeah so i feel like a, a, when there's there's subjects that i know about that he talks about where i go well he was completely wrong about that mm. but it makes for a good story yeah okay yeah. and that's fine but just don't take it all as in like i do need ten thousand hours no no that's just that's just the okay and probably <laughs> that wasn't how goliath worked and it's fine um and then another one which you recommended to me which was a good one Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting podcast where a comedian talks about a particular bit that they did. Yeah. They choose the bit and, and then they, they talk about it. Yeah. And uh, some have been really interesting. Uh, there's one with Bo Burnham who did this long vocoder or no auto-tuned uh, singing monologue kind of thing, talking about how the basically talking about how he was not enjoying doing what he was doing, and he yeah. felt an- animosity towards the audience. Yes, and. It was really an interesting that thing. That to me is, I think, what's missing from our podcast, like Completely Beatles, Tintin, and the uh, and 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 Marx Brothers, is the person's perspective of where you were, what you were saying, mm-hmm. how you were feeling, yeah. what this is a reaction to, yeah. And yeah, there was a, a good one. Oh, and I'm forgetting her name too. Oh, I want to say Carmen Esposito, and that's completely wrong. <laughs> but it was uh, it was it was she, it was all about her uh, rape joke. And she just oh. went really into it, and it was like wow. it was really fascinating. Okay, yeah. And there was another uh, uh, person who did uh, Wells for Boys for Saturday Night Live, which is one of my favorite sketches. And yeah, you really got to see what led up to that, yeah. what made that happen, yeah. what they fought for, what they were worried about at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, would the host want to do this? How they got it? They delivered on it, and it's like, yeah, there's mm, it's the meat of like how you do come up with a piece of work which is very, very it's interesting fascinating yeah yeah because yeah, otherwise it looks like magic and it looks like no mm-hmm. one could do this and I, I and that's of course my agenda is i want people to know you can do things and I, yeah and i think that's interesting part of it i also think it's interesting just to know their thought process of of going into it. like what you know and then and then the how they crafted it as well i'm really interested in that i think that's what's been, yeah. been great about podcasts is that we have this strangely intimate um media that allow us to talk in a way that people maybe in the past, you know, like, well, television or any kind of, you know, large, large scale mainstream media, it just eats that stuff. It just, I don't mean eats it up in the way that it likes it. It just chews it up and spits it out all that process and that intimate element of creation and things like that. No one, that's not what they want. And they just on, want, yeah. If you you're know. on Dick Cavett, you got to play to the audience as well. Mm-hmm. So you spread, you yeah. have to spread it out and dumb it down. The, the one thing that's interesting, like, again, I was talking about the treatment. Uh, it's okay. Here's the thing I feel about a good one is for all that you hear the, their perspective on how they write a bit. Yeah. 
that's not necessarily the whole story because an artist doesn't necessarily know how they came up with something. Oh no, either. no, that's you know you're getting a you're getting a small piece of the whole creation, mm-hmm. uh, but you're getting it from the person who created. It, so you think, well, obviously they know. Yeah. No, you don't. You know uh, a chunk of it. You don't know all of it. And For sure. Go. For sure. It, it reminds me of when I ever I listened to the treatment. The one thing that I do not like that uh, Elvis Mitchell does is he will do this trick that's almost like a cold reading to me where he will say to an artist uh, or someone like David, uh, David, you know, I noticed there's eggs in a lot of your work. You mentioned eggs here and here, 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 and here. Okay. And then you will go, uh, yeah, I guess eggs are important to me. And we'll get into this thing about eggs. Well, it's just bullshit. Like you basically look at a person's work. There will be reoccurring things. Yeah. And then you will, and then he establishes a pattern to it yeah. as if it has some importance to this mm. person. It's like, no, just you list four random things. There will be commonalities in them. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a through line. You're, you're, you're forced forcing a narrative yeah. uh, on the artist and the artist normally will like that because it sounds like they're deeper than they are and then they will believe quite often that they sometimes it's true you know that oh yeah you notice i mentioned eggs every time uh but but quite often i'll just be like oh i guess makes are you know what at breakfast was important you know my, i had breakfast with my mom and uh, okay here we go it's not necessarily true yeah, yeah you know it's interesting yeah uh it's funny when you bring that up about our creation and stuff like that the unconscious element of creation because that was an interesting part of that conversation i was listening to or or, or wassening with uh, <laughs> nina paley and jordan peterson where they were talking about because she doesn't believe in she believes that things should be copied and allowed like yes. freedom of uh like no copyright and stuff like that that's and, right and copying isn't theft yeah and so and she was saying you know when we think about like creation so much of it is unconscious that we can't really claim ownership over it mm-hmm. because where is it coming from? We don't know. A part of it is us. Part of it also is the the cultural milieu that we live in that's giving rise to these things, all these influence and things that, you know, and and stuff that happening around us that kind of bring these that bring these things out of us that we really can't take full credit for. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was a really interesting point that she was making in that. But anyway, that just just in relation to you talking about how comics. Uh, Very good. All right, we got infinite questions. Anyway, so. uh, number two from Brent is uh, here in the U.S. We're obsessed with the Mueller investigation. Mm-hmm. I hope that's how you say his name. Mueller investigation and the mess that Trump is in. I've heard nothing of this. What's fill me in? I don't know. I don't know either. All right. Very good. I, just, I honestly don't know much about it. You know that someone will make a movie about it when it's all over with. Yes. Something like All the President's Men. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, if you could make a movie about the Mueller investigation, what format would it be? A long, long movie? A miniseries on TV? A limited run TV show, like one season. Also, what actors would you use? What was the movie? Um, I, I'm trying to remember the the number, but it was the 20 short films about Glenn Gould. Mm. Was it 22 or 20 or? Yeah, I can't quite remember the. That's how number, I yeah. would. That's how I do it. I would do a okay. series of short films, like a coffee and cigarettes or something like that. Yeah, and just yeah. Go give a whole bunch of filmmakers, you know, oh, each amount, amount yeah, of yeah, time, yeah. and like, what's your angle on it, and then approach it from that different mm-hmm. angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some maybe throw some animation in, some puppets. <laughs> and uh just get all these different takes mm. yeah i think it would be best done as if best tour done quickly i think it'd be best done as a drunk history oh interesting okay you know a no. show that you can't watch a show i can't watch no i think i think it would be if i was going to watch it i would want to see it like an hbo show or something like that like like a, a, a limited run but extended you know longer than a movie but i would want it to be People done. versus O.J. Simpson style? Or? I would want it to be done more as a comedy than as okay. a, yeah. Like, I do think it would be more interesting if it was, and I think it would be more interesting if it was done tangent, like tangentially, not like a full, fully true 
documentary, but something that that uses elements of it to create its own story. You know, I think that'd be. I think that's just better because the truth isn't that interesting, but it's what you know we can bring out of it. That's more. That's more. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what is it? What are we learning from this? Yeah, is more interesting than what's actually happening. Yeah, and in fact, you will learn. You will learn stuff from it much, much later on. It's weird to <laughs> yes, me yes. how soon after uh, Nixon resigned that uh, all the President's Men came out mm-hmm. as a film. It's yeah. just so short a time. Yeah, you know, that's yeah, yeah. uh, strange. It'd be interesting to see how uh, long it takes for stuff to come out with this. Everyone's got a damn book. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. the point, or maybe will people be so saturated by that point they'll just go ugh. I don't want to. I don't even want to like hear yeah. about it. It's just so soaked mm-hmm. that you know. Yeah, all the president's men. I mean, it. It's it's a distillation of like a particular part of it, though. It's not really yeah. the whole story. It's an interesting mystery. Like, it's it's it, two yeah. people solving a mystery mm-hmm. and being stopped at every at every point <laughs> and being told don't and yeah. trying to figure it out. And it's a mystery where you know the answer. Yeah, you yeah. know he got got. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you build the tension? And yet, it's a very tense movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What we're saying is, watch All the President's Men. Then watch <laughs> The Post, because The Post comes immediately after All That's the President's right. Men. Like the last scene and the first scene, they match up. That's right. One movie came out right away, the other movie came out many years later. That's right. Because sometimes with history, we need to process it. And in, sometimes it's better when it's been fully processed than when we're... And Sometimes it's better in the moment when we can just have this sort of cathartic yeah. vomiting of, of, of what's happened to us. And other times it's good to have like a processed... You know, kind of, you know, something that nuance, look, nuance, yeah. yeah. And we've been, yeah. They say it's over. uh history is like a uh, wine. Uh, stop whining about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is from our friend Louise. Hey, Louise. Uh, she says I recently watched a video of the Carpenter's ballad version of Ticket to Ride. It's okay, a first, slower version okay. of the song. Okay, good. I thought she was watching, saying she was watching a videotape, and it's like there's no need to date ourselves like that. That we're watching a VHS <laughs> of something. But all right, she was watching Ticket to Ride. Yeah. Yeah, probably watching a, a, a let's say a YouTube. Uh, she watched a clip oh, on of the, the Carpenter's on the okay, ballad right. version of Ticket to Ride, and was surprised to learn that Karen Carpenter was originally both the lead vocalist and the drummer for the band. Mm. And that Ringo, white spot stripes, <laughs> and that Ringo Starr was one of her main influences. Although white stripes, Meg doesn't sing. That's true. Jackson. That you know of. She might actually be a ventriloquist. That's right. She might just sing. Just keeping her lips nice and tight, mm, and then Jackson. all of a sudden he just like opens his yapper every so often, and uh, he does have a kind of a high. Yeah. Uh, oh, what... there's my theory. <laughs> and Ringo Starr was one of her main influences. Okay, gotcha. What other surprising or unusual covers of Beatles songs can you recommend to your sneaky dragon listeners? Oh, that is a very good question. David, this uh, pro- oh, you know what? I go. Uh, I, uh, my friend uh, uh, Charles uh, Demers is uh, part of a, a Netflix series uh, where it's uh, Beat Bugs, I think it is. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. and they uh, they they do uh, Beatles songs on there with little adventures. So if you got kids and you want to kind of get them into the Beatles, that's not the worst way in the world to uh, to do that. And they cover the Beatles songs fairly well. I also like. Uh, as much as this is sacrilege, I like uh, Maxwell Silverhammer as sung by Steve Martin oh, in uh, uh, Sergeant. Some Pepper's. people do like that a lot. It's, yeah. off, it's often on people's list of yeah. uh, top fifty Beatles covers or whatever. Uh, mine is, of course, a much more particular particular list. Sure, sure. You know me, uh, and I'm just going to read it out. I'm not going to play the songs. For okay. Uh, but I will put the songs at the end of the show. Okay. Okay. Good. So you don't have to hear it, but people That's can. Fine. If people want, Thank you. they can get through the, the end theme and, and hear the songs. So uh, the first song would be uh, the Poco Sezo Singers, uh, who are a popular band 
fairly popular band in the 60s. Uh, they do this wonderful medley of Strawberry Fields Forever and Something, where they intertwine the two songs and sing lines from both songs. Oh, beautiful. Okay. And it's really, yeah, it's a really well done, really beautiful uh, cover of the song. Uh, number two is a song from uh, a listener of the show, a listener of Kim- Kimberly Beatles, uh, sent me this uh, collection he had done of, it's called, uh, I think, Four on Six, and that being four Beatles on six strings. So he, he did his own arrangements mm. of, of Beatles songs on for six string acoustic guitar. And <clears throat> I like many of the versions of stuff that he does in there, but one of my favorites is Things We Said Today, which he turns into this really great kind of bluesy shuffle, which I really enjoy. And I... And I really like most of the covers I'm choosing are not like strictly covers of the songs per se. They're, they're interpretations of, of the songs. And I really like that when people take someone else's song and kind of tweak it for their own, for their own, their own ways. The next one is Harry Nelson, uh, song, You Can't Do That. That's what the song's called. But what he does in the song is he takes a whole bunch of Beatles songs and he makes a, a melange of them. So he just takes oh, okay. so a line from a whole bunch of different songs are all combined into one one song about the Beatles. Neat. And it's very it's kind of fun. And then we have a, a Brazilian song, a Brazilian version of the Beatles from uh, a singer I uh, admire and like a lot named Rita Lee, who was in Usman uh, Usman. Os Mutantes in the 60s, who were one of the kind of spearheads of the Tropicalia movement in, in Brazilian rock at the end of the 60s. And uh, she has had a successful career as a solo artist as well. And she did an album called something like Boston Beatles, Bossa <laughs> and Beatles, something like that, right? Okay. Uh, and so she, and she does a song in there called Minha Vida, My Life. So it's in my life, but done, done in Brazilian. Oh, cool. And it's very nice. And it's, it's, uh, and it's a it has a kind of a samba arrangement and it's quite pretty and then it ends with uh this is an interesting band they were a jazz trio that were uh that um, performed in seattle called the overton berry trio and uh and this is a song uh, it's a live version of them playing as a as a trio um hey jude and it's quite it's quite interesting once again it goes in its own way because it's a jazz song and the bass is doing his own thing and it's so it's kind of like a song people playing a song that has elements of hey jude in it and it's quite it's quite well done though it's really beautiful so all those songs everyone will be at the end of the show if you want to if you want to wait uh, i don't know if i'm just going to throw them on at the end when a big clump or if i'm going to introduce them i haven't decided yet if i have the time if i have the time i'll do it if i don't i'll just throw them on in a big big bunch there so there you go those are songs those are covers of Beatles songs that I can recommend to my Sneaky Dragon listeners. Very good. All right. All right. Um, thank you, Louise, for that question. Thanks, Louise. I like anything that com- brings up music. Music, music, music. Uh, this is from Pierce Johnson. Hello, Pierce. Pierce, uh, a couple of Christmases ago, gave me some fantastic runners that I, uh-huh. ra- I ran into the ground. I had to replace them recently. I'm now wearing a pair of, a pair of Adidas, um, Adidas Gazelles. They're quite nice. But uh, those sockets, I think that's how you pronounce them, that he Do you he have gave to me. leap around when you uh, wear the gazelles? I do. Uh, well, I'm constantly being tased by, chased by jaguars and also tasted by them as well. <laughs> they're very fast. Um, he asks, what is the status of Dave's deck? Mm. Okay, this is a good question, everyone. We used to have deck talk on the show. We used to have deck talk on the show when the deck was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've uh, spent a podcast decking around. The status of our deck is that we had a big expense this year. Uh, that we didn't foresee, and it has taken a, some of our money, some of our budget money for the things that we were going to do, got uh, changed. So as, as it happens, as it happens sometimes, and so um, the deck is kind of on hold right now. I would love, I would love to um, have done something with it. And in a way, it's on me too because I, I suffer from 
I suffer from, uh, you know, uh, anxiety issues, as we've talked about on the show. And so I have a hard time making that step for, uh, to actually call someone to come and do work around the house. I have a real issue with that. Sure. So um, that's a problem, too. I did contact someone, but they did not contact me back. Ah. So that, but that's that, annoying. That's, that's where I left it, though, because that that was that took so much psychic energy just to like call someone about something. I understand. And leave a message. Yes. That I couldn't, uh, I couldn't bring myself to to get in touch with them again. But on the sub deck side of things, on the uh, recently um, when the, our pony was in our horse trailer, Lisa noticed that his feet were sinking down into the floor, mm. and so she when she lifted up the mat the rubber mats that we have in the back of the trailer she noticed that our the wooden floor in our trailer who knows how old it was was all punky and starting to you know it was rotting rotting yeah. in places especially at the back um and so i said well don't worry i'll replace the deck and so uh, i guess last weekend a weekend before last i guess it was the weekend before last i um when lisa was away in calgary i brought the horse trailer home and i tore out the floor and it was quite a job actually because uh, I don't know if it had ever been done in the life of the trailer. So <laughs> it was a very old floor, but every single s- screw that was holding the floor to the metal frame underneath it, the support frame, they were so rusted that they had no head. They had like no place for a screwdriver to go into. Oh, like yeah. even if I wanted to like try and yeah. pull them out with a, with a drill and a screwdriver uh, bit in it. It was impossible. I did have, I did have one. They were also torque bits, which terrible bits, but, uh, I did find one that had like enough of a head that I could get it to turn, but all it did was just twist the screw and break oh, it. Oh dear! So it was just, oh no! Because they were just frozen in there. Oh. So I had to, I had to cut the wood in in like twelve inch, you know, or eighteen inch chunks in between yeah. the in between the supports, and then, you know, pry them up with a crowbar or twist them out in little bits and chunks, and th- and I just did that all the way. You know, twelve feet of of deck, and uh, so I got all that out, and then I cleaned all the. Um, the metal support structure underneath, and then I repainted it with, with rust paint, trim clad rust paint, and then I put in a brand new floor and bolted that in with these great bits called tech tech bits. They're very oh. expensive, but they are bits that are designed to go through wood and then drill into metal. So they have a little flange that that goes down and, and clears the wood away from the screw as it goes down, and then the it has a self tapper at the end of the screw that when it, once it hits the metal it just zips through it and once, oh. once the threads go in it just it just holds it like nobody's business so those were really really handy although they're expensive but they're just so easy to use and great so yeah that's all been done so that's sort of sort of deck talk that I is a, a deck of a horse trailer so there you go everyone the status of dave's decks there we are all right next question yes sir is from uh, our listener down south from us. i guess many of our listeners are from down south but this is immediately down south from us uh, uh, Neddy Tebow, Tebow, is it like that guy, that Tebow guy from oh, I'm sure he loves all that. the rage, That's all the great, rage yeah. down in the uh, states for a while there? Yep, that football player. Sure. What was his name? He was uh, Neddy Tebow. <laughs> he was also Neddy Tebow. Yep. Uh, she she asks, yep. how are all the various sneaky dragon cats, dogs, and chickens? Very good. Uh, well, we did a uh, chicken update. Uh, yes, we've had some sad news with it with her. We lost Noisy. Right. Uh, to the to the summer heat this year, unfortunately, she she uh, started having respiratory problems and uh, passed away. But as I said in that show, she had a good long life. She lived much longer than she was supposed to. By by dint of her her wonderfully pushy personality, <laughs> she was able to uh, work her way into the hearts of of her would be uh con- you know um, 
murderers. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but people, you know, what Mary and her and yeah. her friend had planned to do was they well they did they bought chickens and they slaughtered them and they dressed them. Not in clothes, but they, they, you know. That would be very dark if they dressed them in clothes. Took, took the feathers off and, you know, guided them and all the rest of that stuff, cleaned them and, and froze them and, and used them for soup and stuff like that. And, uh, but some of the chickens, uh, were, got names, had personalities and escaped the, the chopping block. And Noisy was the last of those chickens and she, she hung around for quite a while and, uh, she had a pretty good life. She certainly, was happy as I think as happy as a chicken could be where sure. she was, and uh, but yeah, it's got too much for her. She was a really big chicken. I mean, they're they're broiler hens, so they're designed to get fat and you know plump. So we we have lots of plump plump meat to eat, and uh, there was a lot for her to carry around. And as the heat came in the summer, it just became too much for her, and it was sad. But uh, we still have Queenie, who is doing really well. She's she uh, quite regularly walks around like a chicken. Doesn't have her head sideways, staring at the ground backwards. She walks around with her head up, That's and great. yeah, she eats the bugs in the in. We have an ant hill near the coop, and she'll go out and eat the ants. So I'm really happy about that. Oh, good, good. Just, just get rid of those ants, please. Yeah, so yeah, I'm really, she's really good. And the cat and the dog situation. Risa has become amazingly thin this summer. We're worried that she might have worms, so we're mm-hmm. gonna have to. Do something about that. Although she usually does uh, lose weight in the summer and then plump up in the in the winter time and then lose weight again in the summer. I don't know if it's just a reaction to the heat because she also uh, got rid of a lot of her fur. We just found chunks of fur all over the place where she just had shed a shed a bunch of fur out of herself. So, so I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what's quite going on with her. She's a little older now, so uh, I hope she's okay. But I think she's she seems fine. Like she seems healthy. She's very hungry. I'll say that right now. Yes, yeah, I saw her working on a straw the other day. Uh, drink it was good. And how's Al doing? Al is uh, a jerk, which is his job. He's a jerk. Um, Who's a dog? He's also a dog. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like people talk about uh, pit bulls, like they're they're so threatening and stuff like that. I, this, he's like the biggest suck I've ever met in my life. I, I, the dog, I mean, he'll growl at you, but it's just like what a show. Like you're not, <laughs> not fooling anyone, Al. Go away. Like when he gets in trouble, like I walked up the stairs the other day and he was on the couch. So he got in trouble because I do not like dogs on the yeah. couch. I'm my dad's son. And uh, and so he got in some trouble and he was growling at me. And I was just like, you're not fooling anyone. Shut up. And he just <laughs> went and laid on his blanket. Big goof. And then Boo is uh, good, but Boo is, um, I think Boo is also entering a geriatric <laughs> phase now. He seems very uh, sore, like he's sore in his hips and yeah. stuff. Like like he, uh, he'll, he'll walk out of it, but he just doesn't really want to move around very much because he's sore and... So if, when, it, when it's time for a go, to go for a walk, he's perfectly happy to go for a walk, but uh, and he'll walk out of it on his walk. But I think he's just getting to that age now where it's hard to get around and the the joints don't work as well as they used to. So that's kind of sad because he was such a such a dynamic little puppy in his day. But uh, oh well, these things happen. So that's part of. Uh, but here's the exciting news for us as a family. You know, we have Harris, who's a, a pony, a Connemara pony, yes. who's the most wonderful boy in the world. By the way, he's the greatest guy. Um, he'll bite you without without a. You don't you worry about it. You can try. You can say he's I not going to bite me. Yeah, you can say he's not going to bite, you, but he'll bite you. Okay. It doesn't matter where. But another guy was uh, visiting uh, a student of Lisa's was visiting him and he got bitten on the foot. Oh. Like, it doesn't matter where you. It is, he's going to get you. But sure. uh, that's his job. He's a pony. Uh, Lisa rode him on the weekend. She rode him on Saturday in a dressage show. He came in first in both classes. Oh, wow. Congratulations. And then she rode him on Sunday for a jumper show. Yeah. And he came in first and third in that. So he's, wow. yeah, he's doing really good. So, and then he bit you. <laughs> then he bit me. Well, no, I know how to avoid bites from, from him, but, but yes, 
bite him first because I uh, establish dominance. I have to um, I have to trim his feet, so I'm very uh, I'm very good at not getting bitten by him. When he gets his head close to me, I pretend that my I, my elbows going really kind of high up for that part of the. Oh, sorry, was your nose there? Sorry, Al. or sorry, Harris. Uh, but here's the exciting news for us is that uh, and this is the deck thing, is that we bought a new horse. Oh, uh, Lisa, uh, one of Lisa's students. Was had a thoroughbred and she was breaking it and training it to sell. And uh, he's he's a four year old. His name's Archie. And Lisa just fell in love with him. And one day she wrote to me and she said, "I have to buy Archie. I just have to buy him." And I said, "Sure, that's fine." And so that's what she did. And uh, yeah, I want her to have a horse because I feel I always feel bad because you know Eve rides. Eve's been riding all yeah. these years, and Lisa's been teaching Eve to ride, and she teaches all these kids all over Langley. And all over the Bloor mainland, there's so many kids, how to ride and or stable management and all these things. And she's always out there helping these kids, but she doesn't get to ride herself. You know, and when I met her, she was such a great rider. Like, you know, she could get onto any horse and they just seemed like one thing together. It was just so wonderful. Like, this, she'd get on this horse and it would just be like, they were, they just become like this team right in front of your eyes. Even a horse you didn't know. <laughs> it was just amazing. And uh, she'll tell you now that she doesn't have that, that skill anymore. But to me, she still looks great when she's riding. Like she just, she just knows what to do. You know, she's a really good rider. And uh, I just, you know, I just so wanted her to have, have her own horse to ride. And and so she, she bought this horse. And she's been riding, riding him a lot. And he's been riding him too. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're, uh, yeah. So that makes me very happy. So that's that's where we are with our oh, animals. How about you? Um, well, Cohen's uh, Cohen seems to be doing well. We got to take him in for uh, another checkup soon, just because that's that's what you do. So when uh, you got him, he was kind of overweight. Cohen was 22 pounds, which is not good for a cat by okay. any means. Uh, got him down to a little below 20 so far. Uh, that was on the last on the last weigh-in. Uh, we've um, got him on some diet food that was recommended yep. uh, by the vet. Yeah. And uh, and have been taking him outside where he just wanders around a bit. So he's just drinking tab. Yes, he's just drinking a little tab. That's right, right. And he's doing uh, he's doing Tybo. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, he's, uh, we got a little, we got a little garden in the back. We got some catnip. So our, uh, our backyard has become popular with the local cats. Yeah. There's a cat from across the street who drops by every, every night to get high. I feel like I'm just his <laughs> dealer at this point. But, uh, we, I think we made a mistake last night because we, um, we, we had to go in a little bit early. So, uh, we, we brought in some catnip, like some fresh catnip. Okay. And laid it on the kind of carpet in the area where he lies down. And he was like hanging out with it all night. And this morning he was like throwing up. Oh. And it was like, Oh, can you have too much catnip? And I was like, Yes. Oh, okay. Nope. Yeah. And <laughs> give the cat, uh, you throw up and uh, diarrhea and stuff. So okay. good, good to know. Yeah. Oh, out that goes. Um, <laughs> but no, he seems to be, he seems to be good. He's uh, yeah. super, super cuddly. Uh, he's got a little pimple on his shoulder. You know, listen, I'm Johnny Paranoid when it comes to anything, so we're going to get that checked out. Yeah. But, you know, he's an obese cat, so those kind of things happen. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like a little skin shag, sure, probably. Sure, sure. Uh, but, you know, uh, he's uh, he's just uh, the, the sweetest little bundle of love. But he's a great guy. Love him, love, love him like crazy. Yeah, so fun to yeah. take pictures of. He's uh, he's amazing. <laughs> he holds his own in the backyard against neighborhood cats. There was a thing the other day at night where we were out, and uh, two cats come in the yard at the same time in oh. a pincer movement. Okay. And he just goes to, and they're both like, oh, fuck off. And uh, they fuck off. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. He knows how to sure. He knows how to hang. Or he'll just like lie down uh, like a couple of feet away from another cat, mm-hmm. and the other cat goes, fine. He'll lay yeah. down too. Huh. And they'll just like stare at 
at each other for an extended period of time. And I'm going like, well, at least he's not bored. Yeah, like yeah. The worst thing is for like any animal to be really bored. Mm, for sure. So it's like, no, he's being an animal right now. Mm-hmm. He's uh, doing territory stuff. Sure, yeah. Okay, now he's doing fun stuff. Now he's doing lazy <laughs> stuff. It's good. It's That's all good. Ca- good cat stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, That's yeah. great. That's great. Uh, yeah, I think maybe it's better to have catnip delivered in the way that our dealer, uh, Nettie Thibault, uh, gives it to us, which is in a, like a little sachet in a fa- yeah. form of a mouse. Nice. So it's like it's there; they can smell it, but they can't actually yeah, we're ingest draw- it. We're drying uh, up a bunch right now that mm. we have it. The the other uh, interesting thing is we've grown oh too many tomatoes to be believed. Um, by the way, you want some cherry tomatoes, brother? We'll hook you up. Uh, <laughs> I do like them. Uh, do you? Oh yeah. Do you want some cherry tomatoes? Sure. Come by the place afterwards. We're gonna load you up. <laughs> We're gonna load you up. Stupid. You're gonna get mad. It'll be too much. Uh, but 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 Sorry. we've been growing catnip. Yeah. And that's what the bees go nuts for. Mm. Like we're just covered in bees. Like there's wow. wasps as well, but big fat bees. And that yeah. was kind of our goal was to do some plants that are good yeah, for yeah. bees. They are nuts that's a surprise, for eh? mint. And they're nuts for, uh, and, and of course, catnip is a type of mint. Yeah, yeah. And oh, is so it? I didn't realize that. Yeah. Is it grow like, because mint is uh, impossible to get rid of once it's in your garden. It's a, it's a real. You're not wrong. It's the kudzu of the, uh, of, of the herbs. I'm just writing Pia a note saying Dave wants some tomatoes, so this is all going to work <laughs> great. All right, Nettie. Well, I hope we, uh, hope that was a good update for you yeah. of all, all, all the goings-ons. I will, uh, I'll try and post a picture of, uh, of, um, Archie. I don't know if I have really great, Really great. Um, all right. So these are questions. F- I was going to say lo- any great photos of him right now, but uh, I will. Uh, I'll look. Okay. Sorry, I kind of got distracted. Sure. I was looking at the next questions while I was while I was talking, which is not a good thing to do. So this is from uh, our list, another listener. Obviously, these are all from listeners who sure, who sure. who's randomly just sending questions to a. Mm-hmm. This is from Greg Lomo Lomo Lomo. That's probably right. Lomo Rigato, Mr. Roboto. Greg Lomo. I'm making fun of everyone's names. It's horrible. Yes. Okay, what's what, what's Greg up to? What's going on, Greg? So his first question is... Yeah, Greg, what's up? Top five... Top five. Canadian music artists sure. and their best song. Uh-huh. You can limit it to popular music or expand it to include classical and jazz. Oh, okay. Uh, I guess uh, 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 Gordon Lightfoot, uh, Oscar Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's go David M. Like him. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good guy. Sure. Uh, uh, those kids that sing... Uh, the the Canadian Centennial song they're great uh, and uh, <laughs> Friendly Giant he's a good musician on the recorder there those are my five okay okay uh, I uh, chose um, five Canadian bands okay one of them we were, we repeated that's good that's pretty good little little intersection there in our Venn diagram okay Friendly uh, Giant I chose Sloan no, lovely I love do love Sloan uh, the song I chose by them one of my favorite songs is uh, um, she says what she means I think it's called. Uh, and then I chose a, song, a band from Quebec uh, called uh, the Baynard Lakes. And they had a great album that came out in the 2000s called The Baynard Lakes Are the Dark Horse, which was a concept album about spies. Sounds like a, sounds like a concept album. And I love this song on it called For Agent 13, which I think is a great song. Uh, I chose a song we've talked about before on the show. It was, these, were, these guys were a local Vancouver act in the 60s called Mother Tucker's Yellow Duck, which is a great name. Probably hoping uh, a DJ would mispronounce her name. Uh, and they had a fantastic song called One Ring Jane. And maybe it's a one-hit wonder. It wasn't even a hit. But, Did you uh, play it on our show? I have played it. I think That's so, anyway. Yeah. And I just I really like that song. I think it's great. Uh, it's one of those great 60 songs, and it's all about guitars, which I'm a big guitar fan. I chose uh, No Fun. And hey, there we go. I like a lot of No Fun songs. And my, my favorite album by No Fun is Snivel, 
the the double album sniffle but also like uh, ghost paperboy and robin's gay trailer park and so i chose the song off that one just for the hell of it called uh i think it's called welcome to tinseltown uh and it's about david's experiences uh, going down to la in 1979 and has a great part where he takes you on a little trip to all the various record stores that were there at the time so licorice pizza rhino records and and uh tower and stuff like that and then the final song is uh, from uh, another Montreal band called Local Rabbits and a song called Mary Jane's Style Denial, and which mentions Le Chateau, which is very Canadian. Yes. And uh, I just love that song. Once again, another really guitar-heavy song with a, with a big kind of rock and end ending to it uh, from their first album called You Can't Touch This, which was produced by um, Jay Ferguson from, from Sloan. And it was rec- recorded live from the floor, which is a way of saying it was recorded cheap, because we just recorded everything at the same time. That sure. way we would have to do a lot of tracking so we could get in and out quickly. But it is a really great album and with a lot of uh, guitar heroics on it. And I really like this song. And once again, I'll put these songs at the end of the show in another in another bunch. I might introduce them. I might not. I might just throw them out in a bunch. I don't know yet. So we'll see what happens. Very good. Okay. Number two from Greg. Uh, Marx Brothers versus Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. No need to say that one is better than the other. But I'm interested to hear how you think they are similar to and different from each other. Hmm. Well, I mean, the Stooges do very little verbal comedy. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're almost pure physical slapsticks. Yes. So that would be more along the Harpo Marx side of thing with an occasional bit of Chico yeah. helping helping him out if you want. I think the Marx Brothers appeal more to a younger audience, you know, if you want like the the physical the, the Stooges. fall down the Stooges. Yeah. That's right. Whereas like if you're if you're a little kid, you probably uh, uh, like Harpo the most uh because he's a clown and does a lot of the physical yeah, stuff yeah you know and you're not getting uh the malpropisms uh from uh chico and the uh, sides of groucho yeah so yeah. I'd, I'd say you start with the uh, three stooges probably mm-hmm. as a little kid okay and uh, you know you could you could probably get uh you could probably slip harpo into the three stooges and get away with it but you mm. don't want to see uh harpo getting hurt as much interesting I think that the Three Stooges aren't really related to the Marx Brothers at all. I think that they come, they're like a more, they're like a more extreme version of Laurel and Hardy. Okay. And I think that they come out of that um, comedy of catastrophe rather than the comedy of anarchy, which is what the Marx Brothers are. Mm-hmm. Marx Brothers at their best are an indestructible force. You know, they just kind of blow into a situation blow it up and then, then move on again, I assume. We never see them move on, but I assume mm-hmm. that's what happens next. Well, everyone, here's your chance to take a drink during our uh, question-answer show. Remarkably alar- uh, siren-free this this episode. Um, but I never liked the the Stooges when I was growing up. I didn't I didn't like them. I was a very I was a very I don't want to say timid because I wasn't timid. I was actually kind of forward. But I was a very sensitive child. I'm still I'm a sensitive person, but I was a very sensitive child, and I didn't like violence. Yeah. Uh, perpetrated on other people. I didn't like watching it. Uh, in that way, I didn't. If it looked like it was mean and painful, I didn't enjoy it. And there's a difference between cool violence, i.e., the warriors, <laughs> and mean violence, like the Three Stooges, which seems to me as just mean and cruel to to other pe- to each other, you know. And I didn't feel like that's how people should treat each other. And I didn't really enjoy that as a kid. So I never, I've never kind of, I've seen them, I've watched them, yeah. I've seen for whatever reason, I've seen them. I've seen the original ones, I've seen the Shemp ones, and I've seen the Curly Joe ones. And probably that was the first one I saw. Mm-hmm. Was the one they go into outer space or something? Is there I'm one? I'm not really sure. Yeah. All um, I know is they used to be someone else's stooges, and then they broke off and became their own. That's right. Ted something. 
and uh, he, but he drank too much and was kind of dragging the act down. And so yeah, why do you need that when you're the funny guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, but I just, yeah, I don't, I don't feel that they're really related to the Marx Brothers. I feel like they're two different aspects of of comedy. I look at, uh, I look at them, I look at the Marx Brothers and how they they changed so much stylistically. Yeah, uh, and also their type of wit, and it does remind me a lot of the Beatles, especially the Beatles. Uh, doing interviews and whatnot. Sure. You know, yeah. and then and then you see, uh, you know, so that's the Groucho-isms. Mm-hmm. That's you know, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, are you a moderate rocker? I'm a mocker. Uh, <laughs> and then you see a lot of the physicality in uh, Hard Day's Night, the film, and and help and the you know the slapstick and that kind of thing. And some of that stuff would would work in a Marx Brothers film as well. Yeah. But then I look at like the Three Stooges, and to me that feels very punk rock. That's you know this uh, poking each other in the eye and slapping sure. each other. And it's just taken to the extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And you know you, uh, yeah. If you're a sensitive person, probably that's not for you. <laughs> it's yeah. not. It's not. It wasn't, so, wasn't for me as a kid. Yeah, that's fair yeah, enough. Didn't attract me. Uh, number three is discuss Marx Brothers movies mm-hmm. versus modern slash recent comedy movies, i.e., since 2000. Do you know what I'm gonna say about that? That we probably shouldn't answer that one here because that's our other podcast. We're okay. Gonna, we're actually going to cover that ground so much in that podcast, mm. and we're mm. going to get to that subject. Okay. Well, let's let's make it more general then. All right. How has comedy? How have comedies changed since so since the Marx Brothers right. to now? Oh, till now. I thought I could tell you in the next the last like twenty years. And he says, "Are they better now?" Well, they're and then he says, they're... "Aside, I don't think so." But I mean, is a, per, a sub- that's subjective that's thing. Incorrect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, therefore, <laughs> comedies are better now. Yeah, who's uh, who's? I don't who, think that's yeah, true. Yeah, who's who's better at sex? Like people in the past or people now? Yeah, you know who's better at like just really in the sack? Like you know what? It's it's for the time that you were in, right? Yeah, yeah. Like comedy uh, is for now. Yeah. And when you go, I don't. So like you get it what you much. deserve, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, All right, everyone. No, you get what you you get what you need. <laughs> uh, but like comedy is for now. It's 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 a medicine for what ails you currently. Yeah. So to go, uh, it's not as good as what was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There you are. But like, so you can't answer. Yeah. Is it is it better or not? But it's as for what's, as for what's different, mm-hmm. I think you know the Marx Brothers. You didn't care how they felt about anything yeah. aside from extreme feelings like. Harpo's getting beaten up. We feel bad about Harpo. Yeah. Uh, but you didn't care how Chekhov felt about things. You know, what, what's his backstory? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, like, nowadays... And then and then you had, like, a period, you know, when we were younger men, uh, where you had a Bill Murray thing, which was all commenting on things, which was fairly Groucho-esque. Like, yeah. you, yeah. Know, uh, you know, uh, Bill Murray in Ghostbusters is not a million miles away from Groucho Marx until the very end, where he makes an emotional uh, decision that's, yeah. like, a brave decision. Uh, but now... Nowadays, I think uh, you need more heart in your story. We need sure. to know why this character cares about things so mm-hmm. that you care, and they try to give things a little bit more depth. Yeah, and I think it's it's a it's an unfair kind of not unfair, but it's it's hard to comment on modern comedy because we are in it. You know, like if you go back to the '30s, there was a lot of comedy that was made that we we don't see. If you go back to the silent era, there was yeah. a lot of comedy made that we don't see. What we see now are the cream. You know, uh, sort of the agreed upon cream of that period. If you really want to explore it, you can go past the kind of Keaton, Chaplin, Lloyd triumvirate. And, you know, you can see Harry Langdon or Charlie Chase or Fatty Arbuckle, you know, comedians who were very popular at the time, but haven't really come down to us. You know, in the same way with the 30s, we have the Marx Brothers, we have Laurel and Hardy, but we don't really have 
you know, Wooler and, Wheeler and Wolsey, Wolsey for yeah. instance, or, or Eddie Cantor. Those, those comedians haven't really transcended that period. They're locked back in that time. And that would go with the 40s and 50s on and on, right? So, you know, we have the best comedy of those times. Where we are right now, we have the best and the worst of the comedy of this time period. And so, you know, in 50 years or 100 years, people will look back in this time and, you know, A, B, and C will be the best of that period and will have kind of risen out of it. And the, everyone else, you know, maybe in 100 years, people will be like, Dirty Grandpa, one of the greatest films ever made. Could be. You know, you don't know. Yeah, the problem... The, the, we I, don't know what's going to come out of this time and be popular. Uh, you know? I think it would be very hard to keep records because there's so much being produced at so many different levels. Like, on a basic, like, I've mm-hmm. got one joke, great, do it on YouTube, there it is. Yeah, but it was the same then. I mean, you had... You know, even in the 30s, you still had short subjects and stuff that were being made. But not you know. as short. Like, you, uh, like, like th- if you have an idea, yeah. any Joe mm-hmm. can grab his camera, sure. shoot a thing, upload it. Now yeah. it's online but, and it can take well, off. that's it. But we don't know. It might That might be stuff that people are still watching. Possibly, but there's know. so much of it is what I'm saying. Sure. So there's that level. And then yeah. there's, you know, the level of television. And then yeah. there's the level of film. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we're not even looking at, like, you know... Uh, all these cutscenes and video games now for for crying out loud. Like, you just don't know. There's just so much material that's being created right now at a degree that it's never been before. So I don't know how you slog through it in the future, knowing that in the future there'll be even more of it, too. But you don't, you don't have to slog through it. It, it, will, it will be... It will be um, uh, what's the word? It will be... Um, ah, shoot. Curated? Curated. Who's curating it? Whoever Who? critics, you no, know, not it, critics, but it is, you know, critics, whoever. Who? Who are you talking about? Like, like a, a Funnier Die does an amazing amount of stuff. Because like an amazing amount of stuff, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's great. Who curates that? I know Funnier Die does, but it's, but it's, just, but it's also just going to disappear too. Some of it will stick that's around, I mean. and some of it will disappear. There's so much that it will, so yeah, yeah. much will just vanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that stuff is it vanished, and, and not even vanished because it won't, because it'll always be around digitally. But you know what I mean? It'll people don't care about it. It'll come and it'll go. Some of it will be ephemeral. Some of it will, will stick. Yeah. And over time, you know, time will but curate it. But it isn't necessarily, yeah, you know? it isn't necessarily what's going to have been popular, like that popular at the time. Because, again, the comedy no. of the past that was popular at the time usually is sure. a reaction to something at the time. And the stuff that then works in the future yeah. is stuff that's more evergreen. That's so you will, like, you will like more things that weren't uh, great sure. back, back in the day. But, like, now I would say the Buster Keaton won the one i'll put that in quotes mm-hmm. the kind of contest of popularity between lloyd and chaplin chaplin for the longest time was the greatest comedian sure. of all time but i would say in most people's minds keaton has kind of supplanted him as sort of the, the silent film great co- comedian it could change again mm-hmm. because people might we might enter an age where people want more maudlin kind of sentimental comedy and chaplin is right up their alley and the kind of more tricky very technically oriented Keaton comedy will will you know take a second take a back seat to that or that comedy will be completely forgotten about and yeah. silent films will be so so alien to us that it will have no it'll have no meaning at all yeah you know we just don't know how or they'll how be times more impactful because you can watch them on your phone while listening to something else and because <laughs> we're so used to doing two things at once yeah something that can be enjoyed mm-hmm. independently will be uh, more appreciated yeah that's a possibility too like we just don't know Listen we just don't know because because you know, it's the same with like reading novels from the Victorian era. You know, there were so many things produced at that time period. So much literature came out of that time because that was the only pastime, the only popular pastime outside of playing sheet music at home. Right. Was the sitting and, and, and reading. masturbating. 
That too. That's when they invented that. That is, by the way, that has not disappeared. That's when they call what they call Charles S- Dickens. Still very popular. Yeah. Maybe top three in popularity. But, you know, we still have, as you say, Charles Dickens <laughs> has come down to us and... Yeah, I was using know. it as a, yeah, as yeah. a thing for it was a thing. good, it was, you know, very good, you know. So there's giving yeah, it the old other, Oliver twist, you know, <laughs> someone like Trollope who disappeared for forty years mm-hmm. or fifty years, who came back again in, in the thirties, and uh, you know, has come down to us now as a as an author who's taken on a huge importance yeah. as an author. And he, uh, you know? he said, "Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Put suckers in fear. Yeah, yeah. Trollope's going to knock you out. Yeah, he sure is. <laughs> Trollope said knock you out. It's the dollop of Trollope? Yep. Okay. Uh, and he, you know, so we just, we have no control over how these things nope. happen. Like, and who the hell knows you know, how these podcasts and when I say, are going to be remembered. When I say curate, I don't mean that there's a person who's going to curate it. I just mean that time, yeah. incident, events. Or just an electromagnetic to, pulse just knocks it all. Out. Happenstance. And then it's all just funny postcards. Sure. What's we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. You know what, folks? If you're living in the future, uh, drop us a line. Let us know how <laughs> yeah, the future is. That's right. Is. Please. Please do. Okay. All right. Thank you, Greg, for those questions. They were, Thanks, Greg. They were good. Your name is in the pants. Your name, your name is in the pants. Yes. Uh, this, these are questions from Thomas Peterson. Hi, Thomas. Thomas, his first question is: Which digital drawing tools can you recommend? I know nothing of this, so I cannot recommend anything. <laughs> and I am just a, I am vaguely atta- attached to digital drawing in a way. I have a, I have a Cintiq, um, which I can draw on. Mm-hmm. And see what I'm drawing on the screen, but it's a small one. It's a HD 13. It's called so it has a 13 inch screen, and uh, but it's perfectly adequate for what what I need it for, which is basically I got it for coloring. Uh, Sparks was my my reason for getting it, and it certainly improved my my coloring speed by quite a bit. You know, and I was good at it. I was good at like drawing on a tablet while looking at a screen, and you know I was able to you know do that weird disconnection of not looking at my hand while my hand is doing something, uh, but. Uh, but the Cintiq has been very good, and I do like drawing on a, on a, um, I do like doing roughs, like, so if I'm drawing, I will do all my roughs on the Cintiq, and then I will print them, print them out, and then pen, do the, do the, do the actual pencils. Oh, cool. In real, in real life. My wife uses, uh, the iPad Pro, uh, the, the Apple Pencil, and, and uh, Procreate. Procreate. Yeah, yeah. Procreate, yeah. It's a very popular uh, program. And, able to do some really good work with that. Yes, and so, and so did, um, former guests of the show, um, uh, Steve, um, Scrose? Steve Scrose, who does, does Maestros. Very good. Um, I was sitting across from him, from him at, um, Van Caff and he was, he was doing his next issue there on his, on his iPad and he was drawing in Procreate with his, with his, with Let his, Let me recommend, uh, Maestros if you haven't read Maestros. Maestros is It very is good. gory. It is quite gory. It is gory. And there's, uh, nudity and gore. But, but it's it funny. But it's and funny good. and it's fun. Yeah. Yep. It's quite exciting. I've read them all, but the last one. Um, and yeah, so he was trying, and so that was very interesting to watch him like zooming in and, and, you know, and, and you can work in layers, which is really fascinating as someone who likes to work in with uh, tracing paper in, you know, in normal penciling, basically you're cutting out the whole need for tracing paper aspect when you're drawing on, on a screen because you can keep adding layers and, 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 and fate, you know, putting the other layers on it, make them more transparent and, and you keep on building up what you're doing. And uh, and also you can draw incredibly small with incredible detail and not realize you're doing it because you don't know what size you're drawing at sometimes on your on your on your screen. Oh, okay. So you're just drawing away and you're doing all this incredible detail and then you print it up and it's the size of a penny. <laughs> and you're like, what was I? What was I doing? Why did I, and why did I choose a penny? We don't even have them anymore as, exactly. a, as a size of. So there you are, Thomas. Hope that helped a little bit. Uh, his next question is top three 
early British psychedelic songs on Beatles. Now I'm I like, know very little about that as well, so I'm going to again throw it over Yeah, to you. so I wasn't sure. So I took some acid, Okay. and what I decided was that my fingers melt uh, at about 20 minutes in. It's very odd. I don't know what you mean by early psychedelic. I don't know what that means. Like late versus late psychedelic. Is there some period like where it gets decadent? <laughs> There's too much acid involved. It was just too colorful when I got to the late sixties. Uh, so what I did was I, um, I just picked some names of bands that I like okay. from that, from that time period. And I did, I tried, I tried to choose bands that aren't super well known because that's what I do. The first one I chose was Kaleidoscope. Uh, the British kaleidoscope, not the American kaleidoscope that had that starred uh, David Lindley, who later went on to make the record El Rayo X. Do you remember, was it Cadillac Ranch? Was that the hit from that album? I cannot tell you anyway, any of this. But this is kaleidoscope. The wrong guy do <laughs> Kaleidoscope, who I really recommend. They have a great song called Jenny Artichoke. Uh-huh. And another song um, called uh, Children of the Sky, which is a really great song. It's about, But it's about six minutes long and... And it, it's it's kind of it's great though it's great. Uh, Pretty things were an interesting band because they started off as a they started off as a rough and tough R and B group, kind of like the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, they were at a time period where they kind of traded musicians between the bands. Like <laughs> Dick Taylor, who played um, guitar, and the Pretty Things also had played with the with the Rolling Stones. The same way that Mick Avery, the drummer for the Kinks, also played in an early version of the Rolling Stones before he before he went over and joined the Kinks. Um, but the pretty thing, yeah, so they started off as that. And that's why I kind of like them, because they started off as this rough and tumble, you know, R&B group playing kind of music that I'm not super fond of. Like, I think it's okay, but I'm not really that big on that kind of harmonica, bluesy kind of music of that early, early beat music. It's, this, it's okay, but it's not great. And then they switched from that, and they became this kind of heavily psychedelic band. And in fact, they did one of the very first concept albums, uh, a rock opera called SF Soro about a character named S.F. Soren in his, in his life. And uh, it's a really good album. It has some great songs in there and great guitar playing and, and super great arrangements. So I would highly recommend them. Now, you said three. Sure. And I've got two written down. Because I honestly... You know what? How psychedelic is that? I can't think of a third because... Well, then don't. Because, you know, here's the thing. I love psychedelic music. Sure. I have psychedelic music coming out of the yin-yang. You wouldn't believe... Yeah, that's where it comes out of. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how much psychedelic music yeah. was produced in the 60s. I have... I have this at least seven songs. Well, you would say that. You would think maybe that that many, but yeah. I I have this. I have the uh, Rubble series. It's called Rubble. It's a collection of psychedelic music from the '60s. It's 20 CDs of music. <laughs> like it's a lot of music for only one penny a month. <laughs> because because it will go up later. I wish that was expensive. But uh, the um, the thing of it is is that music. It's just one of those scenes that where like it became. You know, a few people were making money off it. And so someone said, you know what? Someone's making money off this music. We should do this. We should, let's we should change out of our suits, put, <laughs> on, put on a, an Afghan coat or whatever, a Nehru jacket, yeah. put, put some beads on, and then we can, we can make some great songs and, and, and have a great, you know, and have, and have a groovy time and everyone will think we're really great. And, uh, and so there's tons of one hit wonders that are great. Uh, and, you know, and I could recommend them all, all day long. But, but we haven't got anything. But so. we don't have. But I, I. But I feel like, do they rate as like a great psychedelic band? So I'm gonna have to go with. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with tomorrow. Sounds great. Tomorrow. That's who I'm gonna go. Who had Steve Howe as their guitar player later? Yes, he was in Yes. Agreed. Really good, really good guitar player. As an improviser, I agree with uh, saying yes. Uh, and right. I recommend the song "My White Bicycle" okay. by Tomorrow. I'm gonna say like, if you don't have an answer for a question. We can always sit and move on. 
Because <laughs> we've got like five pages of questions. And I think we're two and a half hours deep. <laughs> I answered it. Very good. Just some heavy breathing. All right. Next question. He says, I, his third question is, I don't recall hearing the origin story for the Sneaky Dragon podcast. How did you get started? All right, let's recreate it. Let's recreate it. <laughs> okay. Hello, David. I oh. was just apple picking today. What yeah. are you up to this fine day? Well, I, I was pear picking. Pear picking? Yeah. Sacrilege! <laughs> Boys, we got a real pear picker here. <laughs> Throw apples at him! That's right. That's how it started, me getting beaten up. Later that day, Dave, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I succumbed to peer pressure. Is there anything I can do to make this up to you? Well, you know, I was I was kind of thinking of starting a podcast. What's that? Well, it's a show where... Is that where you pick pea pods? That's right. We got a real pea pod picker here, boys. Let's pound him with, with pears. <laughs> pears, wait a second. Later that day. Oh. Later that day. Dave, I'm so sorry. I just looked oh. up what a podcast was. I'm oh. so sorry you'll never walk again. Oh. Dave, what can I do to make it up to you? Oh. I can barely move my mouth because of the bruises. <laughs> but I was thinking of I thinking of starting a, a show. Huh? Not a podcast. Okay. Don't even, don't even think of those words. Sure, sure. What, what's up? What do, what do you want to do? I think we should do a show where we just sit in a room and talk to each other for two hours, and sometimes we'll just sweat. Sounds <laughs> a good. A lot. So what is, so it'd be like our old autobiographical uh, cartoons? Yes. Where we tell the truth about we'll, stuff and we'll joke call around it, a lot? We'll call it We're So Jar. Okay. Just like our, like our cartoons. No, no, uh, wait. Make a, a wait. different name that makes less sense. <laughs> That really brings people in and then disappoints them when it's nothing to do with what it is. Okay, I've got an even better title then. Okay. How about we call it, just picture this, yeah. Sneaky Dragon. Hey, you know what? I don't think two words could fit together less well. Listen, uh, after yeah. the first episode, I'm going to look that up on Urban Dictionary and see if it means anything. <laughs> but let's good. really lock it down first and make idea. sure that's the name of our podcast. Yeah, we'll do that. I'll do a lot of pre-ads for it. For, come join us for Sneaky Dragon. Sounds great. Let me just. Uh, I'm just going to take a quick look at Urban Dictionary right now. Oh my god! <laughs> well, why would anyone do that? That's too, not a million miles away from what happened. Is it too late? To, to yep. This, yep. Totally, to totally to? too late. Oh dear. All right. Next question. Uh, this is from Robert Lovejoy. Hi, Robert. His question is. Uh, oh, his question is. My question is related to the ladder podcast, which is uh, Mark's brothers. He said how much he enjoys it. Oh, very good. Not a podcast about uh, ladders marks. that we do. Yes, our ladder stinks. We ladders. had that really controversial episode where it said <clears> like yeah. this is not a step. Yeah. And you were like, it can be if you want it to be. And I was like, no, it's not. It, Listen to the ladder. It knows best. <laughs> it's our, our Snakes and Ladder podcast called yes. Sneaky Ladders. Uh, back in 1992, the team behind Airplane and Top Secret. So that'd be the Abrams? Uh, Zuckers. Zuckers. Yeah. Who's the Abrams? Uh, I went from A to Z. I was a, the reverse. <laughs> okay, Zuckers. One uh, of them's right wing now, and it's really hmm. sad. Produced a film called Brain Donors. Yes, they did. An attempt to recreate a Marx Brothers style film with Mel Smith, John Turturro yeah. in the Groucho role, although he is made up to look like George S. Kaufman. Have you seen the film? Yes. And if so, what did you think of it? I believe they also had a, another name that wasn't Brain Donors. It was named something else. And the first time I ever saw okay. the trailer for it, I thought that looks interesting. And it had a different name. And I forget, I forget what it was. But yeah, then later it was called Brain Donors, which I didn't like as much as the original name. Damn if I can remember what the original name was. Uh, but at the time, I thought uh, it was a fairly successful series of jokes. Uh -huh. they, they did kind of a modern take on the Marx Brothers. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, yeah, it was fine for what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe watching it again, I wouldn't like it as much. But I remember at the time, I quite liked it enough to remember that it had a second name. I didn't see it at the time. So Have I you seen it since? I watched it last night for a oh little while. Oh my gosh, okay. Uh, and I have to say... 
that it does not hold. <laughs> it does not hold up. Okay. So the, is Mel Smith the silent one in it? Mel Smith is, it? is. He talks. There's no. There's no silent one. There's a big guy who is kind of silent, but he he does speak. So. Okay. Um. Yeah. It's a. It's a strange film, and I can see what they're doing, but like their silent character or their their kind of their character who's sort of like a, supposed to be like a Harpo character is really big and hulking. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, he doesn't feel funny. He feels kind of big and hulking. It's a weird casting there. I don't know what the, what, don't know what that was about. Uh, John Turturro is pretty good, but, um, you know, it, the problem with it is that, is that it has, it has a plot, which Marx Brothers films generally don't need. Um, and if they do, it's to their, it's to their detriment. Um, and so the characters are driven by the story and not by their own needs to be who they are. I really wish they would like list what the other name was. Ah, uh, well. And uh, and also the music is absolutely terrible in the film. Huh. Absolutely awful. That's important that it would not be. Yeah, yeah. And I find I I can't st- like I I enjoy watching romantic comedies. Even I make a point of watching any kind of romantic comedy that turns up on Netflix. It's our little thing. But I just, I really, if it has bad music, it just ruins it for me. And the music that I find really terrible now is the music that needs to tell you that something's funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There's like the tiptoe violins. Sure. Oh, she's coming up to him. It's going to be a funny thing that's going to happen now. Here we go, everyone. Here comes the joke. And these strings are telling you how funny this will be. <laughs> yeah, it's really annoying. I just find it so distracting that it just about kills me to watch those sort of movies. Uh, and one that had that in it was that one we were talking about with Reese Witherspoon. Oh. I can't remember what the movie is called now. Okay. That was a... Yep. But, uh, yeah, it was just the so... The film where you wondered where Jane Kirkman went. That's right. <laughs> the disappearing... The Sweet disappearing... home Alabama. Sweet country home. Mm, my country... Might have been, yeah, something about home. Oh, homeward country My home or, or home again. Home again, something like that? Oh, yeah, I can't remember now. Home, home fries. Home cooking. Home, home yeah. meopathic medicine. Okay, that was Robert's question. Okay, Thank thanks, you. Robert. Thank you, Robert. Uh, this is from Jonathan Brown. Sorry, Jonathan Bampton. Hi, Jonathan. I hope I spelled your name right. What? Really doesn't matter because it's all radio. <laughs> What's... Why? Doesn't I matter at all. I might have left out an R or something. Oh, was... very good. It really wouldn't matter. Uh, number one. What's the most inappropriate movie... You've had on in the background during sex. Agnes of God. Really? Yep. And it was the woman I was with. Uh, at one point, I, I got the feeling that she thought that I was Jesus. Wow. Yep. Jeez. I don't know whether that was like in fantasy mm. or uh, or uh, something crossed over at a weird point. Is that when you had the stigmata? <laughs> that was a real problem at the time. I understood. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Agnes of God. And it was, who's, uh, who's it's Meg Tilly, Meg right? Meg Tilly, yeah. That's so, right. uh, so many, many years later... I'm doing. Um, I'm teaching a workshop at the library here. Yeah. And uh, Meg Tilly is as well. Huh. So we end up like talking in the elevator afterwards, and uh, just had this really strong memory of just like, oh, I feel awkward around you. Why? Oh, that. <laughs> the, That's why. The stigmata. Yeah, a little bit. She um, was very nice though. I'm good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I guess for me, I don't really know. I don't really pay attention, but I, I know that well, my wife likes to watch murder shows. Mm-hmm. Um. That's her favorite thing, what she likes to call people killing people shows. Those are her favorite things to watch. And so we've had sex quite a few times while I'm hearing in forensic detail the discussion of, of a murder and the suspect's eventual capture. And when, and, it's, and when it's done, you hear, womp, womp. <laughs> That's right. No, no, these are like 
documentaries, not not sure. uh, not made up shows. Not uh, Law and Order. Not Law and Order. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad enough. Bum, bum. He has a question: Is there a Republican movement in Canada? There tries to be. Are now is there? I don't think I don't think a conservative movement though. Oh, is, do you are mean like a conservative or do you mean like something that would like free us from the the bondage of the Queen? Oh, is that what you mean? Is that what I you mean? Doubt that's the, I doubt that's the question. But if it is. Uh, is, yeah, is there an anti-monarchist movement? Occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, I hear about that. There's, yeah. cra- there's crabby people who like to like yep. to be heard. And they find their little uh, hobby horse to ride around. And then we've definitely got right-wingers, absolutely. Sure, we have right-wingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like any country in the world. We have we have hardliners on both sides of the political spectrum. Yep. And then we hope that, you know, that we'll meet with mild incompetence in the center somewhere. That's the, I think that's sort of the best best we can hope and for from got, government. Uh, we've got a prime minister who occasionally cries at things like his father's funeral or at Auschwitz, and then uh, other world leaders uh, make fun of him for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, that shows weakness when you when you cry. Yeah. Well, I hope he pushes them down the stairs. Um, but, you know, the queen, let me just say, I just had you mean a, it, man. a friend, just her parents just celebrated their 60th anniversary, wedding anniversary, their silver wedding anniversary, got a nice, got a nice letter from the queen oh. congratulating them. And now, obviously, the queen didn't handwrite this or whatever. It's probably done by people, but it's still kind of neat. Sure. That you get a letter from the queen when you, yeah. you know, you don't get that in the United States. Don't get that in the Republican United yeah. States. You don't get nothing down there. You get reach your 60th wedding anniversary. You get down there. Fuck all. Right. Up here I in mean, Canada, the queen writes to you. I think it's a little disturbing that she writes that I could have your husband at any point. <laughs> right. Because that is it the is, right of royalty, it right? It is, yes. To, to make That's love right. to anyone. Droit de seigneur. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Or seigneur, how you say it, not seigneur. No, that was that's half, the Spanish, half French, half Spanish, Spanish queen, yes. <laughs> uh, three, has sentiment for removing the queen of Canada as your country's head of state increased during your lifetime? I would say no. Yeah, because she's really. gotten older, and so she doesn't seem to throw her weight around as much. There really doesn't seem to be a time where you go like, oh, well, she went too far with that. Yeah, yeah. Knock it off. And I feel like in our lifetime, they have stripped her of a lot of her like financial... You know, benefits of being the Queen of England, where she is being get, getting actual, you know, money like tax money paid to her. She doesn't really get that anymore. There is money paid for the upkeep of the castles and whatnot as as part of the heritage of England. Yeah. But she has to live po- boohoo poor. Her. Don't feel sa- sorry because they yeah. have quite a, uh, healthy investments. She can still kill anyone she wants to get. Away she with can, it. you know, she can do. Yes, she can pardon herself. She can pardon herself. Yes. Yeah. So I'd say generally no, I'd say and no. I think. The new royal family people seem to be into. Yeah, and I feel like, speaking as speaking as someone who lives next door to a disaster, uh, an ongoing disaster right now, the, having the queen as the head of government, even if it's nominal head of government, you know, it feels like there's a there's a there's a break a b r a k e on politics in countries like Canada who are part of the Commonwealth, who have the Queen as their nominal head of state. It feels like there's a break on that kind of, you know, divisive fringe lunacy that we're seeing happening in the States right now, where, you know, there's there's some sort of common sense element to the way we do things, because the Prime Minister of Canada isn't like a president. They are they are the first of ministers, of people who are ministering to the country. They're not actually, they don't have like huge powers as a prime minister. They mm-hmm. still have to go through parliament to enact change and, and things like that. They don't have like veto power. They don't have power to enact their own, make their own decisions. Everything has to be, go through our parliament and 
And yes, it, in some ways it's rubber stamping, but also has to be approved by the governor general, who is the acting representative of the queen in Canada. Once upon a time, they were British subjects who were parachuted into Canada. For instance, the author John Buchan, uh, who wrote The 39 Steps, for instance, was once the governor general of Canada and started the governor general's uh, book award. Um, but, you know, now we have usually very politically correct, if you can use that word, but very politically sensitive people chosen to act as a governor general of Canada in most cases. And, but they are the Queen's representative. They are the, they act as the, they act as a go-between between the Queen and the government of Canada. And I, what I like about that is that acts, you know, it keeps the prime minister from getting a big head because he's really not anybody that special, except that he has been elected by his, by his peers within parliament to act as their their leader, their representative of their party. And I like that a- aspect of it. It takes out that president, that almost tyrannical part of the presidency that that happens in a Republican or in a Republic. Um, you know, for all that's good about the American Republic, and there's lots that's good there, one of the problems is that aspect of that there's no there's no stop to what the president can do if the president wants to fl- flout you know, convention, because convention is only that. It's just conventions. And if you want to ignore them, then you can. You know, whereas in Canada, there's a limit. There's a built-in limit on the power of a prime minister that in no way can they they float. And I do like that. Very good. That's the end of my rant. That's our queen talk. Queen talk. When Australia plays Canada in a sporting match, who do you think she is really supporting and why? Oh. The queen. Uh, Well, here's the thing. I know she takes large bets, but under different names. (laughs) What what is one of the names that she uses? What's the, what's the name? Yeah. Uh, well, it's a name from her uh, Greasy. It's from when she used to be like a car mechanic. <laughs> That's right. That was her nickname. That was a uh, Greasy in the, car, in the in the in the motor pool. Right. When she was uh, and uh, and the other one is Lazardo uh, because she is part lizard. Oh, thanks, David Icky has yes. shown up here. Um, that's one of the things I admire about the Queen is that she actually was a mechanic in yeah. the motor pool and has mechanic skills. And one of the scenes I love in the movie, the Queen, is when her her Land Rover breaks down while she's driving through the back country of their of their estate in in, in uh, Scotland, and she gets out and fixes it. Uh, this is great. And there's a story of her taking the uh, leader of Saudi Arabia for a ride, and she was driving, mm. and then she just like drove like a wild woman for a while, <laughs> and freaked him out because she knows how to drive very very well. Yes, very good. That's cool. Uh, as to that question, I don't think the Queen much cares. The Queen is like God. God does not take sides. God merely him? merely views the the things that are I happening. I think God places bats sometimes as Allah about, and then sometimes as Yahweh. How about and like, you know, just a queen is like a good parent who does not choose, does not favor one child over the other. But I think like makes, they're... But is interested in the in the welfare of both. Very good. I think the queen is like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Thank you for that. I hope they pay us for that. Uh, what's the lamest excuse you've given to a friend or loved one for leaving the room? And he says when you actually had to run to the Dunny for diarrhea. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't specifically think of uh, uh, one, uh, but I would say the, the lamest excuse for that would be to go, excuse me, this conversation makes me want to vomit, and then leave. <laughs> and then they'll think, well, it's clearly vomiting. And yeah. Then, yeah. What I say is, uh, I have to go to the bathroom. Excellent. Then I leave the room. Moving and on. And go to the bathroom. Yeah, asked and answered. Uh, number six. What was your first impression of Dave slash Ian? When you first met him slash him, say a day or two after. Okay. 
uh, uh, you were a pretty cool cat who was doing things that interested me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I thought you'd be a good guy to hang around with. For the most part, I thought that school was a waste of time. <laughs> sooner I could get out of it, the better. I was trying to spend as many days away from school as I possibly could without getting kicked out of school. So I didn't really care about school. Yeah. Uh, but I thought you were interesting. And w- the idea of the Footlights, which was a sketch group you were putting together, was really up my alley because I was like writing sketches at the time. So it like... Yeah. Actually, it was one of the things that made me like school more. Maybe mm. I maybe I spent more time in school than I would have. Uh, but by that point, school was just a huge fucking waste of time for me. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, my first impression of you was that I thought you were a really cool person, too, when I first met you. Yay. Uh, you were dressed all in black. And that time you had very dark hair. Mm-hmm. So you're like this. It was You just had this great ensemble, I thought. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you just looked great. And I thought, well, this guy's really cool. And then we talked. We met in choir, which is, of course, that, you know, I don't want to reveal our dorkishness too much but uh we were in we were in lunchtime choir and let me just say the reason that both the reason i was in lunchtime choir and i'm gonna assume that ian was in lunchtime choir was that the choir teacher asked us to be in yeah. choir and she knew that we were a couple of pushovers and then if you ask us a thing that, to do something uh we'll go sure and then uh the other reason was uh there was girls there and there, you know, was, there was a lot of girls. I, I, I could say that, yeah. but I would be lying. I, I would, not, I would so, not be lying. It was so would, meaningless if, to If to what I was doing me. involved uh, a lot of uh, girls, yeah. uh, I would do it. Mm. And they would uh, do this thing with, oh, oh, them, where like you'd be holding a note and they would think it would be hilarious to just squeeze your knee yeah. uh, like at a certain part. And when you're singing, it was like, Ave Marie. <laughs> and uh, they would love that. And it would be like, hey, Please, all you girls, stop grabbing my legs. I don't want you to do that. Do it. Keep doing it. I'm well, a I, teenage boy. I, I, you, I will you, take what I can get because I'm sat very confused. Be, you sat beside me between the girls and me. So, uh, although later I was in jazz Aww. choir, and that was a much smaller and more select group of uh, very good of girls and, and Um. So thank you for those questions, Jonathan. Very good. Hopefully we answered them to your liking. And if not, um, <laughs> that's kind of yeah, mean. it's great. <laughs> Sorry about that. It must be the heat. Tough but fair. <laughs> Next questions come from Philip Jepson. Yep. And Philip asks us, okay, this is an interesting question to me, because this is like a sort of outside looking in question. Okay. And one that I would not ever pose to myself. Okay. But here it is. Did you ever imagine the podcast becoming as successful as it has become? Well, I'd say like we did do a po- one podcast that was uh, that kind of crossed over a bit, and that was the Beatles one, to yeah. the point where it was mentioned in different magazines and review things mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, it's interesting to me when you get someone like uh, Jason Dedrick comes in, and he's talking about us doing an episode of his show. Yeah. And saying how it boosted the ratings. Yeah. I'm like what? <laughs> no, because weird. because uh, again, this is this is one of those things. There's various things that I do that people know of, whether it's live shows or other things. Yeah. And uh, I'd never think about how many people are listening to them mm-hmm. or whatever. It's just yeah. not the point. You just put it out there. Yeah. And exactly. then occasionally someone will come up to you at uh, a convention or something and will tell you mm-hmm. that they listen to it every week. Or you know, we'll have something like this question show and just go, we've got how many questions from how many people? And yeah. that's just people that took the time to write all these questions. Yeah. That's shocking to me. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, would I ever think of like, no, you never imagine how successful something will be. Uh, am I pleased with how successful it is? Uh, I like the, uh, I, almost everyone I've met that likes the show I like. Yeah. So I, I go like, I find our audience very pleasant and accessible and uh, nice people mm-hmm. and very creative. And uh, and so that's that's pretty great. I, I really like our audience. Yeah, me too. I, I, I will say without without exception that everyone I've met who's been a Sticky Dragon fan out there has been really pleasant and nice. And, you know, uh, as doing the show, you know, it's still, it's still like, you know, when we first started doing the show, I think for the first 30 or so episodes, we really were like, it just felt like we were just really worth throwing it out there to, to nothing, to no response, like no response yeah. at all. Yeah. And we just kept doing it because, you know, it was fun to do. do and that's what it is about. Yeah. Same thing with like it's when not... we were doing mini comics. Mm-hmm. You take them, you Xerox them, you put yeah. them out there. Who yeah. many, how many people read them? Eight. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Just keep sending them out there. Keep putting it out exactly. there. Keep putting it out there. And sometimes you get you know you get a review or something somewhere and it's glowing and you're like oh this is the best thing in the world. Yeah. And it's you know and I am a person who needs a lot of validation. I have a lot of anxiety, right. and that's part of anxiety is the need for validation. And uh, and so I uh, yeah I'm. This is a word for like high functioning anxiety or something like that, but but yeah, I need validation, and so I do like people complimenting the show and stuff like that. It's very very important to me. But but yeah, when we first started doing it, and we started getting people writing comments, that was like a huge thing to me because we we reached that point where we had enough people that there was a that there was a we actually had like a select group of people who would actually write to the show. <laughs> You know, because we have a lot of listeners, yeah. but we only have a handful of listeners or a, a portion of listeners who would write us questions, right. for instance, or comment on the but website. Think about like or... all those podcasts that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. How often have you written them? A yeah, lot yeah, of... no, no, you're right. Yeah, I'm yeah. one of those people that just does yeah. not, you know, and so I know, I think and I'm like, fine with to it. To me, like the people that don't write for the most part are almost the people who uh, I'm, uh, that's me. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I've even thought of writing to shows, and I don't because I—it's too much for me. But yeah, uh, did we ever mention the podcast with them? No, I have never, especially completely Beatles. I knew that it would be would get more of an audience than Sneaky Dragon, but I never thought it would get as big an audience as it has had. And it basically powers our like our our ratings are you know so so powered by completely Beatles. Um, it's amazing. Still, it's gone down compared to what it once was but it's still like a huge part of of our listenership and that's fine yeah. like, i have no problem with that i mean it's I part it, of who we are and I'm, part of what we do i mean so. the the podcast itself this one i always wanted to be like something where we're telling the truth or at least we're somewhat sincere mm-hmm. and so otherwise why the hell are we doing it there's sure. no reason yeah and with the while it is a marketable idea to do a beatles podcast i thought that was sincere as well because of your love yeah. for it yeah uh that wasn't us just trying to like and it was know, a, it was uh, a natural outgrowth of the show as yeah. well yeah it wasn't us just trying to make a buck or oh, yeah. you know build no. build something up i mean make if we what? wanted to if we wanted to make a successful podcast we would talk about murder we would talk <laughs> about murder and we would have your wife on the show every week to yeah. talk about murder yeah and we'd talk about murder and it would do incredibly well yeah yeah because that's very popular right now do you right. know why it's gossipy. And every one of our uh, spin-off podcasts, I try to talk you into doing it for an hour long. Because I'm like, then we'd get like uh, much higher ratings. Okay. But it's like, it's not a fit for you and it would not fit sincerely with yeah. your mindset. So it's like, fair enough, that's more important than that. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> you have tried to talk me into it. Yeah. I just, I can't, it, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. No, no, it only makes sense because that's how when <laughs> yeah, people see the length of something yeah. is consistent, then they know how to uh, market their time. Yeah. 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 
But if it's like all a random length every time, <laughs> then there you go. You're right. When you're right, you're right. But when you're wrong, you're wrong. Very good. Next question. Have you ever thought of live streaming an episode of the podcast to add an extra element of audience participation? We have. We've also tried, thought about uh, doing a, video, a live video mm-hmm. uh, of it. Uh, t- the the problem is we're broadcasting from a building with shitty Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm not in uh, wanting to invest in that. Uh, <laughs> maybe we could do one from the library or something, someplace which has strong Wi-Fi. Yeah, that'd be. Uh, yeah, maybe a, like a what do you call it? Periscope? Is that what they? Sure, that's. I don't a... know, even though that's still mm-hmm. a thing. Whatever the next thing is that's like that, we ha- we are considering it. Yeah. We've considered doing podcasts where we're walking. We've considered doing podcasts where we're outside. Yeah. We've considered doing podcasts in different places. Uh, so, you know, hey, let's make that a suggestion. If you, uh, a thing for you to suggest, where should we do a podcast? Yeah. Besides doing our live podcast, which we've done in comic stores in the real theater and, uh, and in a, a nerdy bar. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Third question. Same as the first. Unless you have, uh, nope. more to add. Okay. What's the one piece of advice you would give to someone looking to start a podcast? Do it and do it for at least 30 times and get it wrong and then you'll eventually start getting it right. That's Just true. keep doing it and doing it and doing it consistently. Uh, give it at least a year and uh, yeah. do it consistently at uh, the same yeah. time. Once you decide on a drop day, yeah. that, is, that is your day. Yeah. That is your day and you want to make sure as much as you can. Uh, and I've only had a few misses and most of them are technical problems. Um but you want to make sure that you, you drop when you say you're going to drop. Because as you build your audience, they are waiting for your show. Yeah. And they want your show at a particular time. And they know what time you're going to have it out. And they're they're slavering for it, believe it or not. And they really want to have that thing that... People they, like consistency. They love for, uh, that time of day that they love to listen to it. This was that the is. thing I learned from, again, comics. is like, mm-hmm. have a mini comic, put it out on a regular basis. Yeah. Same thing with a web comic have it come out on a regular basis if it comes out every monday mm-hmm. people will tune in yeah. for it some people will just check it out every uh, every time at the same time so yeah definitely uh, definitely do that uh i'd say my advice would be uh make it about something that you care about don't for just sure. make it about something that you think people want to hear about uh because then you'll have passion for it even when you will lose your passion for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because passion will wane and it's good to have something that you're at least sure. have sure uh something behind yeah and just in terms of technical, I would recommend that you invest in equipment. You don't have to invest super expensively when you start. When we started, we probably put about $150 into the show. Mm. We had two mics and a, we had a small... Um, borrowed mic stands. <laughs> borrowed mic stands. That's right. We had borrowed mic stands. We had very cheap mics and we had a um, just a simple two mic plug-in uh, an- analog to digital converter that ran r- directly into a laptop. We've upgraded slightly since then, but not a huge amount uh, money-wise. But I think it's of good value to have good sound in your yeah, show. Yeah, make sure you have good sound because when you have that uh, that echoey thing right off the top, it's just, <laughs> it just puts people off. Sure. And the other thing I would say is if you're going to do a podcast with friends, one friend, just a two-person. Oh, mercy. So Maybe three, but it's hard to, you know, the way people talk nowadays, it's actually hard to differentiate people yeah. from each other. And you just end up with a, a mix of voices that makes no sense. And people are just too polite or not polite. It's both are, both are wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you just miss that balance of a conversation. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can occasionally you... have a guest and kind of break that, sure, sure. that, that two person thing. But, but basically a duologue is, is, is the, I, to me is the ideal. Uh, or a monologue, if that's what you want. Right. But I, I always think a podcast is better with two people because 
you know, uh, well, it's kind of funny. Like the other day, Mary uh, wrote and recommended a podcast to me, which I'd, I'd already listened to it called, uh, I think it's called You Must Remember This by Karina yep. Longworth. It's a Hollywood um, kind of biography documentary podcast. And she wrote and said, have you listened to this show? And I wrote back and said, not funny. And that's because I don't listen to shows that aren't funny. I'm not interested in them. If they're not funny, I don't care. You know, it has to have an element of humor to mm. it. I'll take someone talking passionately. I just don't, uh, I'm not a big fan of monologues. Uh, I can listen to Mark Maron when he's interviewing somebody, but mm-hmm. I can't listen to his monologues off yeah. the top just talking. Yeah. I have to fast forward. Oh, by the way, that's what I always do with any podcast. I fast forward past the first 10 minutes because who cares? I, I don't do that. But, I uh, do all the time because it's just a garbage dump. It's usually, it's usually funny. Nope. Garbage dump. <laughs> Ours is funny. Mm, garbage dump. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um... That's my advice. Garbage dump can be funny. Always be consistent. Always be consistent. Have good sound. Yep. And uh, limit your participation. I know you'll have lots of friends who maybe want to join, join in, but just think about what's best for your podcast. Yeah. Don't don't do it about James Bond. That's been done. (laughs) What is your favorite question you've ever been asked during a Q and A episode? Uh, I like uh, I like telling our origin story. That was uh, that's always nice. Okay. Yeah. That's a good question. Okay. I can't really think of one. I'm sorry. Very good. Um. Thank you, Philip, for your questions. I always, I always appreciate hearing from you. Uh, we have a question from a local scenester, Ken Painter. Hey, Ken Painter, local scenester. He says, I was listening to your top five horse songs. In, <laughs> in particular, the songs by the Shins. This is not another list. Okay. You said that you really liked their first two albums, which were recorded by the band, but they got pretty boring afterwards when it changed and it was just the vision of the main songwriter and the rest of the band was no longer there. Okay. But I know you are a big fan of, of Pet Sounds, which is essentially just Brian Wilson without any of the other Beach Boys mm. playing any, anymore. So my question would be, what's the difference between these two examples? And why did it work for Brian Wilson and not the other guy? That's a really good question, actually. Um, and I almost want to give give a... A glib. Oh, what's funny? I'm sorry. Why I'm laughing is yeah. because the list of questions you gave me. Yeah. Ken says this question immediately afterwards. It's followed by a question that's the exact same question by a different person. Oh. And I just thought, what an odd thing that oh. another person is asking about top five horse songs. It's just a. It's just a glitch, and I'm laughing at said. Oh, glitch. okay, okay. Very good. Oh, I see. Oh dear. Oh, I see what I did. Oh, okay. I might have to uh, check that. Anyway. That's okay. doesn't matter. Um, Please answer the gentleman's question. So, Ken, yes, that is a very good question. You've just you've just painted my hypocrisy. Uh, <laughs> goal so everyone can see it. Thank you. Uh, you know, the problem with... Okay, for me, the problem with a band... Outside of the Beach Boys, which is really is a, a, is a special case because Brian Wilson is a lot different than James Mercer, the lead singer of of the shins who is a talented musician but i don't think even he would want to compare himself compare himself to brian wilson what brian wilson did with with the beach boys was he used studio musicians to reproduce the sound of the beach boys in in a way that was bigger than what the beach boys could do and it was meant to duplicate the sound of the beach boys commercially so that the beach boys could be out on the road working and he could be he could be um in the studio producing more product for sale because he had to produce two albums a year of material by himself for the Beach Boys. It was very hard to do when he had to tour and have all the other obligations, plus write songs, plus produce the music for the Beach Boys, et cetera, et cetera. And so taking that out, taking the band out of the, out of the studio part of it made it much easier for him. Now that situation existed for maybe two albums and then the band became part of it again. And the band 
the musical part of the band played on those albums. Like um, it was Carl Wilson, for instance, played on Pet Sounds. He didn't didn't just sing on it. He actually took part in some of the sessions as well. So the band was on the album, and their voices were a major part of what Pet Sounds was as well. I mean, half of the sound of the Beach Boys is their voices, which is the group. It's not. It wasn't like a. He didn't hire the four the four freshmen to <laughs> to duplicate the sound of, of the Beach Boys. So with James Mercer, though, what he did was he he took away the democratic element of a band, which is what he had there. It was just different than Brian Wilson, right? Because Brian Wilson was the producer, the songwriter, the the arranger, you know, the composer. He did have the he did have a lyricist and with uh with his cousin Mike Love, but he. You know, he he was kind of the main visionary. Whereas for what the Shins were, what, when they started, was a democracy, which is what a band is. That's why they're always that's why there's always trouble and tension in a band because everyone is sort of equal, but it's an equality of sort of animal farms. Some are more equals than other uh, than others, and that's where you have the tension. But within that within that group, everyone is contributing to the sound of the song, whether it's the limitations or how good they are or whatever. It makes the sound of the band. When you decide that you don't want to live with those limitations and you get rid of, you eject the band, then you lose what made that band sound the way they did because that band was made up of those players and who they were was that sound. And what you have then is one person's vision without, without the filter of the band. And so it kind of, there's no tension let then. It's just only his vision without any push or pull. And it becomes, it just becomes more, it becomes less and less interesting because there's no, nothing pu- pushing it or you're pushing him or maybe making him angry or irritating him or whatever. You know, it just, it's all smooth because if he doesn't like what this guitar player is doing, then he doesn't, he just sends him away. He doesn't, you know, he's mm-hmm. not, he might, he might fire him or he might not just use him on a song, you know, and it just depends. Like, you know, Silly Dan would be an example of a group where, to me, their early albums as a group are more interesting than their later albums as a studio project, where they could afford the best drummers, the best bass players, the best guitar players. They could bring in Bernard Purdy. They could bring in Larry Carlton. They could bring in the best bass players, whatever. You know, they might play on it. You know, they might have some piano on it by them. They might have some bass playing or guitar, but most of it, it's just the, the, the best, smoothest players in, in LA. And to me, those albums aren't as interesting. I still like them, but they're not as interesting as, as Countdown to Ecstasy, which is my favorite Steely Dan album, which is played basically by the Steely Dan band in the studio. And it has all the roughness and the chaos of a group of people trying to get themselves heard in this band situation. And that's what I like. So. Yeah, it's something that I would, you know, I'm obviously when I make those sort of huge declarations as I, as I want to do, of course, they're ridiculous. And, you know, it, I thank you for calling me on it. I appreciate it. Very and good. I always like calling Dave on it. I always like to blush. Very so good. That's, it's good for my complexion. Now that question. Thanks, Ken. Now that question was so good, we've asked it a second time. <laughs> for some reason, I copied it twice. I don't know what I did here. It was but luckily, the part, who was me. the person who you say? Uh, it's siren time. Who was the person you you say uh, said it the second time? Uh, Nigel. Uh, Nigel wrote to us, uh, and I I'm sorry about that, Nigel. I hope I didn't erase one of your questions. All right. So here's here's Nigel's first question. All right. Oh, by the way, let me interrupt just to say. Oh yeah, sure. I looked up the alternate name for brain donors. Okay. Lame ducks. Lame ducks. That was the when I first heard about the film. That was what I looked. I was looking for. Yeah. Then later on, I was like, "Where'd this film go?" And then yeah. I uh, discovered they'd completely changed the name. 
Uh, Lame Ducks, which was, of course, a tribute to the uh, Marx Brothers and Duck Soup. Yeah. And back we go. And that's silly when studios do that, because how is that helping by changing the name of a movie? Yes. Let's make it harder to find. Now we have a success. Uh, His question, his first question is, Ian, it's you. All right. uh, uh, Yes. There. The end. What do you think about Twitter? You seem to be on it a lot, mm-hmm. but you spend a lot of time fighting trolls and going after that horrible person in the White House. I see. Uh, I would disagree. <laughs> with? With, uh, with that statement. With that characterization? Yes, I would. Uh, I'd say, like, uh, if you, if you kind of go on the ratio of what I uh, write about, uh, I mostly write uh, jokes. Yes. And then, uh, yes, occasionally I will go about that. But it's uh, something that uh, I, also, I also write for Mad, and yeah. we get a little bit of that with uh, Mad, Mad's tweets. Where like there'll be like uh, five jokes about something and just like an ostrich, da da, a bubba da bubba, this that's that bubble gum today. There'll yeah. be one thing about Trump, and always and someone will write like, why are you always writing about Trump? Yeah, it's like yeah. not. You're yeah. just clicking on the uh, things about uh, <laughs> things about Trump. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, as to why I reply to things about Trump is because it's not. Uh, whenever I'm having a back and forth with someone, it's never uh, to try to. Uh, educate that person or to win a uh, an argument because yeah. you never will win an argument on Twitter. No. As Paul F. Tompkins says, if one person is trying to make a point and another person is trying to hurt the other person's feelings, the person trying to hurt the feelings will always win. Yeah. But uh, what I get is I get people who read this, uh, who are quietly read it and don't comment, and I feel that I might have a certain amount of influence on them or sure. show them a different way of looking at things. Yeah. And I feel that's important, especially in times like these. Mm-hmm. So I never feel like uh, I'm going to really get that person. Yeah. Uh, I just try to like put information out there, hopefully in a funny way. Yeah. And I feel my wife does same thing with her editorial cartoons, but in a much uh, more elegant and artistic way. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that's true. There and most of, most of, yeah, like... Particularly now, I mean, when it, when check was, out my feet, see how many are jokes. When he was Straight first, jokes. when he was first elected, you did go through like a period where you were heavily, heavily kind of in, invested in right. talking when about Trump. Right, when the house is uh, like on fire initially, <laughs> you, you, need, uh, you need you, to show, you yeah, to, need to yes. alert people. But yes, if you look at Ian's feed now, it is mostly jokes and it's yeah. unrelated. What I like about Twitter is I like it as a as a kind of repository of of articles that interest people. And I love when people post articles on it. That's my favorite part mm. of Twitter. It's just, oh, this is interesting. And you go, oh, that is interesting. I'll click on that and read it. Um, the second question is, uh, Dave, yes, uh, do you follow much new music? I do follow a lot of new music. What's your favorite band or performer from the last few years? Mm. Well, let me answer this by saying that my favorite album of last year was by an artist named Richard Dawson. I did I did play uh, a song earlier in the, in the uh, one of our shows called Soldier. My favorite song from the album is a song called Ogre, which when I first heard it sounded like I was hearing an insane musical being performed at a small church, like on a, on their stage for their okay. Christmas pageant. Uh, but I love that album so much, and it's called the album's called uh, Peasant. That's by and that was my album of the year last year. My second album of the year last year was by a, uh, an artist, a singer named Kate Lebon. Uh, who I really like, and she sings these weird, surreal songs. The album's called Crab Day, and she sings these great songs. The last song on the album, it's a fantastic song. It has one of the greatest weird guitar solos of all time, and it's just so good. I put it on, I liked it so much. I put, actually, I liked it so much, I put it both Ogre and that song on a, on a mixed CD for one, yeah. of our, one of our listeners, because I was just so obsessed with the both of them, and I had to get them on. So, And I just recently went and saw, last week I went and saw a band called This Is The Kit, 
um, a British band uh, fronted by a, a woman, and uh, they are really good as well. And later this month, I'm going to go see an uh, Australian band called Coastal, uh, sorry, called Rolling Blackout CF, which apparently stands for Coastal Fever, Rolling Blackout CF, and I'm going to go see them. And I really do like them as well. They do kind of a an 80s last a song I heard by them, which is called French Press, had a kind of a an 80s sound with a but it had a great guitar solo. And that's one of the things that if I hear a song with a great kind of uh, going all over the place long guitar solo, I'm pretty much like I'm in. So that's uh, but there's lots of bands that I love a lot, lot, just so many. I can't even I can't even tell you how many bands I love. But those are some recent ones that I really liked a lot. Very good. The um, third question. Okay, sorry. You know what? I'm going to read one. Okay, sure. Uh, have either of you, uh, have either of uh, yous been to Ireland? Uh, I lived there for two years and uh, still kind of miss it. Do you have any stories uh, to share? Uh, I have been. Uh, I did a Comic-Con there, and uh, it was great because they held it in a pub, and that was pretty pretty neat. Okay. And I was there with uh, Steve Niles, who's the creator of uh, 30 Days of Night, and Leah Moore, who's an amazing writer, also the daughter of Alan Moore. And uh, people would come up to you, and they'd have their pint, and yeah. they'd look, uh, what's, what's this about? And they'd re- look at your comic and buy your comic or not, and then uh, afterwards you go back to your room. It was pretty great. Huh? I liked it. Beautiful. Beautiful uh, oh, country. Did you say what town it was in? Uh, Dublin. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, uh, here's that's the one a... thing I didn't like about Dublin. Yeah. Uh, the, we got into a cab. Cab driver didn't know where he was going. So he got out of a cab, uh, went to another cab, asked that cab driver, kept the meter running while he was talking to the other cab mm. driver, getting instructions. And I'm like, I don't want no trouble. But also, hey, fuck you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, beautiful. <laughs> yes, it sounds very nice. I just was talking to someone, uh, a lady at church who was just in Ireland with her family and was raving about it. But you have so. not been to Ireland yourself. I have never been to Ireland. So the answer to is no. The answer is I've never been to Ireland. Okay. But I would love to go. Do you want to read some questions? I can pass. Yeah, I, can, I think here. like the Tom Calloway ones. It's here. okay. I got it. I got it here. Uh, yeah, I'll do it. This way, that's fine. Do it. Do uh, the old-fashioned way. Save your battery. Speed round this one. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's answer them. Uh, number one from Thomas Calloway. Uh, how? Hmm. Well, I think as a as a... As a joke thing that an Indian says, or a Native American says, I think it's kind of passe now. Okay. Uh, I think uh, when it's all the who, what, where, when, why, mm. and then how shows up, yeah. hey, you know, why don't you start with a W, you dick? Well, I think how is a good question. I think, speaking of someone who trains a lot of people yeah. at, at work yeah. for the job, I really hate the why question. Because ah. I feel like when you start a job, that's the last thing you should be thinking of. You need to immerse yourself in the work culture to understand the whys. And then you can ask those questions because it is important to ask why. Why do you do things here like this? But how you is... don't know when you first start. You, so your question you should be asking is, how do I do this? How is the first question? Yeah. Excellent. Uh, pretend a major movie studio has offered you a billion dollar budget to make a five film franchise. Uh, excluding Sparks, what <laughs> is your franchise? A book, hmm. movie, or some other such thing? Yeah. I guess it could also be something of of your own because he's talking about sparks that yeah. can't be in it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what would you what would you say? Oh, we could do our own thing. Yeah, it could be something that you is your own uh, I, is your own idea. I really can't think of anything off the top of my head right now that I, I do as a movie. So, um, I would you, you answer first. You probably have something that you you're thinking of. Do you have something you're thinking of? Will I will I? Tread it's water? really tough to think of something that has not already been made into into something you could um, you could make I, make it or make it better think that you could improve on something that's been done before 
Yes. Uh, in that case, I'd I'd straighten up the the fucking DC universe. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's could, not hard. So in five movies. Yes. You could. There's you can the improve characters. It. Yes. Yeah, you just yeah. straighten them up, mm-hmm. and then like you know, with the fifth one, you bring them all together. It's fine. It's not hard. Do you know what those movies lack? I re- I realize this watching uh, uh, people who uh, characters who give a damn about others and heart. don't have selfish. Yeah, well, they, they all have selfish motivations. Yeah, yeah. They don't care about yeah. anyone else. They're just doing what immediately must be done. Yeah. Or something to feed their own need, which is fine. But it has to then turn halfway through. Yeah. And uh, I would also, you know, basically you do to the DC thing what they did with the Marvel thing where you you find out what's the heart of these characters and you make it work. Well, I've talked about it before, but what I would love to do, and I don't think I would need five movies. I think four movies would be fine. But I would love to do a, a, an adaptation of, of um, uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, sci-fi series uh, out, of the silent pla- out of the Silent Planet, okay. Paralandra, and That Hideous Strength. I think that hideous strength kind of falls apart uh, as a book. It gets a little too religious, and maybe it's a little too, uh, you know, hits the, the hammer on the nail a little bit too much. Uh, when I read it, though, I wasn't a Christian, so maybe I should reread them as a Christian. I might feel less uh-huh. like I'm being like preached at. But um, but yeah, I feel like those books are so deep and so interesting in their exploration of of, of uh, this interesting you know it is religious it is has a it is a religious allegory but it's it's very interesting and i think you know i think that done properly they would be very good you know what also i would like to give money to the guy who made um john carter and i'd like him to do more of those movies i really like those i really like john carter of mars and i would like to see more of those films if if i had like a billion dollars i'd be like here talented director here's some more money Make make a few more of these films, and let's give them the proper fucking title so people know what they're about. Yeah, it's what that film is like. So good, I feel like if it was on Netflix, it would have done so much better. That kind of thing, such yeah. an immediate yeah. thing. What it, people have just gone, that's just astounding. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. What, something I like about Netflix. Is you get things like Stranger Things, which if it was a film, you go, that's all right. Yeah, but you see it on television, it's really good. It's really good. Well, but it, but it needs the growth. It needs to be able to. You need to. Right. You allow it to develop in yeah. front of you, you know, and, and a movie doesn't really have that opportunity a lot of times. Is morality relative or absolute? Uh, my, my answer to that is depends on what side of the gun you're at. If you're holding the gun, it's relative. If you have the gun aimed at you, it is absolute. Yeah, I would say that's uh, both. Uh, yeah, I would say yes to that. I think that morality, I mean, okay, there, is there a difference between morality and ethics? In the sense that ethics are absolute, but morality is relative. Um, I do believe in a I do believe in uh, in God, which I think is an indicator of an absolute moral good or moral goodness. But I do think that mor- you know, morality for humans is a relative thing that we it it changes with culture. Cultural norms change over time and are you know and they don't and they don't I don't and I don't mean that they change forever or you know what I mean like yeah. you know it can go back and forth it can go round and round like a like a wave and stuff like that things will change. Um, but I do think that. There are hard and fast ethical or moral ideas. I'm yeah. a, I think I'm a, what would be called a practical, practical moralist, something like that. There's a name for it. But uh, yeah. I'm not a believer in an absolute power. But uh, I think that one of the things is uh, quite often the sad thing is I think past uh, terrible actions can sometimes lead to good uh, things sure. in the present. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, uh, well-intentioned actions in the past. Can lead to horrors in the in the in the present. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. What we're going to do is we're going to do this with mm-hmm. these people and do this, and we'll do this. Yeah. Oh my God, that worked out terribly. Yeah. All right, I'm going to do a selfish, horrific thing. 
hey, now we got a cure for this. Yeah. Ugh. The yeah. law of unintended consequences. I mean, yeah, like, I remember reading a long article in Private Eye, uh, in a collection of Private Eye talking about, um, Christian Barnard, who did the first heart transplants. All his patients during the experimental phase were black. Because those people were, were yeah. expendable Absolutely, and could be yeah. thrown away, discarded like garbage. So those are the people you want to have the, do the first heart transplants on. If they don't work, fine and good. doesn't matter. They're just blacks. Uh, and that's an unfortunate yeah. part of something that's very important now to lots of people, transplant surgery and stuff like that. Uh, so, there, yes, there are. And it's something that I call the law, or I don't think I call it, but I think some, something that's very important, the law of unintended consequences. We live with it all the time in our lives, for sure. Okay. How do I know when my pears are ripe? Okay. Well, this is how I know, uh, cause my wife will have eaten them. <laughs> uh, when they come off the branch easily. So when you pull on them. Oh, you're a tree they'll, man. They'll come away from, just like when you pick apples hey guys, as well. Hey guys, we got a, we got a pear picker here. <laughs> he's, he's back. Let's get him guys. He just healed up. That's such a shame. Uh, what <laughs> makes, finally. what makes a good sports movie? What makes a good sports movie? Stop showing the sport. Because it's not about the sport. You the, can't recreate. The sport is you can't important. recreate the sport in a way that's as exciting as the actual mm. sport. I feel like. Could you ever see a movie about a football game? Yeah. That's as exciting as a real exciting football game. No, you're right. You're right. Well, I mean, you can film it in a way that's exciting. Sure, you can, but, but not I don't as exciting. I, yeah, I think that the you need it there for dramatic for like interest sake. Sort of, sort of like the action of the movie, but yeah. it shouldn't be the the heart of the film. It shouldn't be that. The, a great sports film is about striving and achievement in fact my favorite sports film right now is barely a sports film it's uh, everybody wants some oh, the right. richard linklater film uh, uh, which is more about people going to school in order to play on a baseball team in a, in college but what i like about it is that it's this intense study of masculinity in this moment between success as a young person moving into uncertainty uh, in, into a new, in, you know, they're all joining this new team, or most yeah. of them are joining this new team. There are, there are, there are the guys who are coming from from previous years. So there's a mix of new guys and and, and veterans in the situation. But I love, I love it as a study of of w- what is important about sports and about and about male bonding in that kind of situation, which is not something I ever experienced as growing up because I wasn't, I wasn't a sporty person and that, and that could only be bad, that kind of bonding because I, I was not good. And so most of the comments were negative. There was no, yes. there wasn't like a, a happy bonding. It wasn't until I was in high school when I, my, I'd grown into my body more that, and I was a better athlete that I had that kind of experience. And, uh, but I, I don't, I don't enjoy super competitive people playing with them very much, but, um, but I, I'm interested in that in that in that way. I find it very curious. And sure. working where I work now with a lot of guys in a kind of collegial element uh, atmosphere, where you, you get the bullies, you get the good guys, you get the all the kind, you get the jokers, you get whatever. It's just interesting. You know, male dynamics are interesting because someone who kind of was a was a uh, an introvert. It's just interesting to be part yeah. of it, you know, because I'm I never was. Yeah, it's a different world. And yeah. so it's just something I kind of look at it like you know, it's more like, gee, I'm a Jane Fossey here, or <laughs> Diane Fossey, I should say. Jane Goodall, uh, watching these apes. What are they doing there now? They're, they looks like those ones are rushing at the other apes and chasing them off. Hmm, Who's the silverback? Oh, I'm the silverback. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I would say, like, my silverhead. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, recent sports movies would be I, Tanya, which again isn't necessarily yeah. too much about sports, but it really is about sports. It's about achievement and, and that, and that the price, the, the sacrifice you pay, yeah, to, yeah. to, to, to reach With those heights. Yeah. Okay. Here's a quick one. You got to pick one of these three. 
Okay. All right, just pick one. Don't don't hesitate. Okay. You got a choice. Okay. Which one are you going for? Sure, sure. Waffles, pancakes, or French toast? Uh, waffles. You know what? I would go waffles, but by God, I like a French toast. I do like French toast as well. I just I'm less likely to make French toast. Yeah. But I am to make You're waffles. You're less likely. It's, it's so much easier to make French toast. Yeah. Yeah. Do we? Yeah. I no. know it's weird. It's just because it's just it's just eggs in a bowl. And it's just so simple. It's so delicious, and yet you never make yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I do okay. like it. I do uh, like. I mean, it's like a A B, but waffles are awfully good, and I just find pancakes are too bland. And they kind of soak in the syrup yeah. in an unpleasant way. And people stack them too high. Yeah, well, that's it's like part it's of it too. Stunt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whenever I used to see that, like on old TV shows, like a big stack of pancakes. Yeah. Well, you're gonna die. It, it looks good. Ter- it looks good, but it's it not looks real. But it's uh, it's not real. Uh, what is the best utensil? The fork. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go knife. I just enjoy cutting things. So see, much. but a fork. I'm a something that Lisa. I, I drive Lisa crazy because I basically use a fork for everything on the plate. Unless I have a steak, the fork cuts everything. Everything oh. can be cut by the fork. And if you have ice cream or a pie and you're in an emergency, you can just use your fork. Yeah, you yeah. when spoon. you've got a pie, it's kind you of the can, best. you'll learn that you can eat ice cream with a fork when you yeah. have pile of it's kind of It's kind of the best, uh, most versatile tool, Very I think, good. or you t- tool well, of the table. What is the sound of three hands clapping? Let's see, Dave. Uh, our audience for Sneaky Dragon. Very good. Oh, my God. That's uh, right. I also <laughs> would say uh, uh, this. Oh, yeah, the, the joke from... Uh, there, done. Yeah. Uh, oh, here, let's put our hands together. Make three three hands clapping together. Ready? Uh, sh- oh, okay. Well, here, I'll do the two then. What are we doing? I'll do the two, you do the one. Okay, here we go. Ready? Ready? Go. No, no, you... You, we you put said you're going to do the two. Put together. Okay, here like, we go. But you have to be... It has to be three. So you have to put that hand down. Okay. Ready? Here we yeah. go. That's what it sounds like. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Uh, ever put spinach <laughs> on a sandwich, yay or nay? I would say never. I can't think of a sandwich that it would be improved... Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say no. It's a little I, too dry. It's, it's or a little it's bitter. Too wet. It's a little bitter. A little bitter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go. With I'm because you know I'm an iceberg lettuce guy. I like a crisp. I like a crisp uh, thing on a. Like I'm. I'm oh, the kind of person boy. like if I'm having a tuna fish sandwich. Yeah. I want to put chips on my tuna fish sandwich, but I also want to have lettuce on there. I want the crunch of the lettuce, and you're not going to get that from spinach. Now I'm ta- Now that I'm thinking about it, though, here's what I would do. I would go with like. Uh, I would go with some spinach. Yeah. I'd cut off the stems. Enough of yeah. that nonsense. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit of mayo. This got to be on toast. Then I'm going to have uh, some bacon. I'm going to put some sliced boiled eggs on there. Yeah. I probably could go with that as an open face. Pretty nice. Uh, final question from Thomas Callaway. Why? Worst question to ask if you start a job. Ah, very good. That's all I'm going to say about why, because I just feel like you don't need to ask that question. Uh, in life, probably the most important question you can ask, though. Why? Why do you think that? Why do you believe that? Why Why are you a Christian, Dave? Mm. That's a hard question to ask, answer. Because there's so many, it's a very nuanced answer to that yeah, question. Yeah, I would say, like, always follow it up with a why not as well. Like, why <laughs> do you good. like this? Why Why don't other people? Or why Yeah. Why, why or are you against this? Why not? Mm-hmm. What would it take? Yeah. All right. Hayden Parks has a question for us. And yes. And a little bit of a story uh, sure. as well that they yeah. tell. I, I, like, I like the uh, context of the question. Yeah, too. so let's uh, throw some context down because Dave is the context guy. <laughs> uh, my question is, what's a thing you can do now that was uh, just impossible uh, when you were young? For me, it is HEMA, H-E-M-A, Historic uh, European Martial Arts. Yeah. Uh, the global knowledge sharing of the Internet has allowed me to not just learn the fighting techniques and styles of the sword masters of history, uh, while the ones who wrote things down and had their work survive, but also to teach and acquire appropriate training gear from halfway across the world uh, to fill you in as to what uh, is Hema uh, comment uh, when I asked for sword songs yes, earlier on. Yes, that's right. He, uh, it sounds very similar to a friend of mine 
Nick Nicholas Harrison, who's uh, who's you know also very much into martial arts and collecting different mm. martial arts uh, memorabilia and doing stunt work on things. Um, so, uh, what is this thing, David, that you can do now that was impossible for you to do when you were a younger man? Have good sex. All right, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, I have more empathy now than I than I did in the past, mm. and I can sleep next to someone where I couldn't do that when I for the first thirty years of my life wow. I had a, I could wow. not sleep next to someone. I was just too acutely uh, aware of anyone next to me. So yeah. if I had a girlfriend, I would have to sleep on the floor, much to their annoyance. <laughs> and if they, they were like, "Hey, let's just spoon the night away," well, yep, because I don't need to sleep. I, I can't so do I would that. just be as wide awake as possible. Yeah, I can't. I can't do not because of uh, that. I just can't uh, take the heat. Oh, okay. I can't take the heat of a human body. Lisa is like a, a tiny furnace next to me. I... So both of ours were bed things. Yeah, well, because when you're young, that's what you want, and you can't get it because it, you're inept. And uh, and but you know, I was a very empathetic. I am a very empathetic person. I never, I didn't, I didn't really suffer from that uh, loss of or lack of that part of myself. I think what I don't have now that I had when I was a kid was an ability to do things without worrying about it. Oh, we're now flipping it. I'm flipping it. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I got way more shame now. Yeah. I got way more uh, aware. The empathy's uh, dark side is I'm too aware of what people think, and I'm, I'm uh, way more in my way. I can't uh, return things to stores, and I cannot <laughs> use a phone. Yes, so those are those. Those are my things now. Yeah, it's uh, making it tricky now. It's things like trying to get a house. You know, because mm. it's like, ah, oh, just give us a call. Ugh. Or I've got to now go walk in someone's house and yeah. look at things and. Uh, what a, what a nightmare to have to go look at things. I don't mind I don't mind answering the phone, but I'm I'm don't like phoning people because I feel like I'm interrupting them. Which uh, you are. I am absolutely exactly. Yeah. Everyone's busy now. Everyone's busy, yeah. and I just feel like oh, I'm just getting in your way. No one's at a point where they're sitting around going, I wish someone would call. <laughs> Hooray! But, but, but to be honest with you, if the phone rings and it's a friend calling, I'm happy that oh, the phone is ringing. Hundred percent. That's I'm happy right. to talk on the phone. Very I would talk good. for hours on the phone if people called me, but most people don't because they assume I don't like talking on the phone because I don't call out. But I do like people calling in. It's just that I feel like I'm in the way. Like, I would love, to, I would call my mom more often, but my time to call her is five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And I know that she's getting dinner ready. So if I call, I'm just getting in the way of her preparing dinner for, for, the, for her, her and dad. So then I hesitate about calling at that time. And then I don't call her because in the evening I get wrapped up in doing things yeah. and I forget to call. And then I get the, then I feel guilty that I haven't called and that makes it harder to call, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So uh, Dave likes being called. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, release one of his numbers of his phone every <laughs> show for the next bunch of shows. <laughs> sure. So tonight, and we're mm-hmm. not going to tell you where it's placed in yeah. the number. You're going to have to figure that out yourself. Okay. Seven. Oh, that's very good. I'm glad you know right, one of the good. numbers in my phone. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Hayden, for that question. Yep. I hope that was uh, enlightening that Ian and I are sex maniacs. Um, I wasn't a sex maniac. I was just like uh-huh, sleeping. Whatever you say. I was having a no, no, sleep. I just took it at sex. Uh, this is a question from Laurel Robertson, who Hi, was Laurel. last year's winner of the draw. Oh, she won a shirt boy, last year. If they win again, it sure seems like a fix. <laughs> yes. Um, the people that I want to win are people who live nearby so that it's cheaper for so postage. So you just huck it in their windows. It's cheaper for postage. That's all. Laurel says, if you could take only one book with you to a desert island, okay. what would it be? Besides Sparks, please, she says. <laughs> okay, sure. 
uh, I would uh, I would take uh, something wonderful right away. A uh, um, Jeffrey Sweet book. It's a history of uh, an oral history of improv. Okay, and I love the stories that are in there. There's interviews yeah. with like uh, Mike Nichols and Elaine May huh. and uh, Shelley Berman and uh, I think Jonathan Winters. And it's just it's just great. It's a great dense book. Uh, and I would feel uh, like I was uh, like they were there with me. Yeah. Uh, because I like I like oral history books. Hmm. Uh, yeah. You really hear the person's voice. Feel like they're in the room. I would yeah. feel less alone. Interesting. I think I would take a book called How to Build a Boat. The book I would take with me to okay. the desert island. I would bring a book called Hackney Dancers to. That is a Hackney Dancers. That's a that's a G.K. Chesterton answer sure. to that question. Um, I think if I was going to take one book. Uh, it would probably be, it'd either be Pride and Pride and Prejudice. Okay, that's a book I've read many times and could read over and over again, or the Anthony Trollope book Can You Forgive Her, which is another book that I I could read uh, many times over and I find I find it endlessly pleasing and I know not why. There's just elements of that book that I love so much. Uh, I just love the main character Alice Vavasour so much. She's such a great character. Uh, same with Eliz- Elizabeth Bennet, also another great character. But um, either one of those books would would uh, would do me fine. I think something wonderful right away is big enough too that it could crush a scorpion if it was attacking. Because <laughs> you want something that you could use as That's, a weapon yeah. or a pillow. So you're saying I should go with the Victorian yeah get the uh, door doorstopper book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, number two. Sticking with that theme a moment. Okay. What one movie would you take? Um. Yeah. Uh. I. Tell you, uh, you know what? Let's go. Uh, let's go. Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. I find it very inspiring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like it. It's heartfelt. Uh, I will go with that. Okay. Um, yeah, I should a, probably take oh. a really long one so that I can watch it. Long <laughs> That's right. But, take uh, an Ale- Alexander Tar- Tarkovsky. Is how you say his name? But with like Solaris or. Stalkers or something like Gone with the Wind or something that you really mm. watch the hell out of. Or, yeah, it's not a great. I know film. it's not great. I I'd, I'd go Ten Commandments over that one just mm, for okay. uh, length. Uh, my film would be uh, once again. I have to go with a movie that I watch a lot Cast and happily away, enjoy it. Castaway once again. Hackney Dancers too. Uh, no, it's uh, uh, Barcelona, the Whit Stillman sure. film Barcelona, romantic comedy, which is what I love. But it has a you know very caustic uh, side to it. Yeah. And uh, now in this scenario, mm-hmm. do I have a television that I'm watching this on with a DVD player? Do I have a projector? Am I watching this on film? What's my power source? Yeah. Am I wasting this power source on watching this film? Did, you, can I use this power source for you, anything else? You have figured out how to how to power. You've made batteries out of coconuts. Fantastic. So I've yeah. got a light source yeah. as well. Yeah. These are very important questions. Sure, like sure. How I'm watching this. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. please continue. You're watching it. It's a Ten Commandments. Is a movie theater there, but it's only playing the one th- thing? Are mm-hmm. there snacks at this movie theater? Can I, I hope use so. those snacks to survive? I hope so. Okay. And again, what one musical recording? Yeah, that's a tough one for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's go. Uh, I'm going to go Purple Rain soundtrack. That one's got some good songs. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. I guess they would... You know what? Revolver is my, my favorite Beatles album, but I think if I was stuck on a desert island, I would like to have uh, the White Album. Because it's, it's more. It's a lot more, and it's longer, and it's you know it's very it's varied. It has lots of different elements to and it. And you can hold it underneath your chin to get an even tan. That's nice. There you go. Yeah. And yeah, you get some reading material with it. You get the poster and some other, th- yeah. other things. That's good. Um, number four from Laurel is, if offered and the fares were manageable, mm-hmm. would you go into space? Yes. If so, what book, movie, musical recording? Would you <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding about that. Uh, you would go into space. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Not me. Not me. Okay. There's, to me, there's no point uh, changing, like moving around and becoming more uncomfortable. Like I just don't see the point of that. 
I would say to me, travel should be for pleasure, not for uh, less comfort. Okay, well, I think you're missing out a huge element of what travel is. No, I don't care about excitement or anything like that. It's not excitement. What is it? It's the point of travel. What? Perspective. Nah. The only way you can understand where you live and how you live and what you are is to get away from it and look at it from another angle. That's the only way to understand uh, uh, what what you're in. And I think when you go to space, I mean, this is the one thing that astronauts say is once you're once you're up there yeah. and you're looking down and you see what Earth is yeah. and there's no borders, not to be too hippie-ish. Most astronauts are not hippies. Uh, <laughs> once you look down and see there's no borders and yeah. see what Earth is, you get a perspective on Earth that makes you go, oh, shit, we've got to protect this thing. Yeah. It's not it's not just this thing that's stable and we're on and everything's fine. It's no, it's an actual living thing. And uh, I, I would think like that's something that space would bring to you <laughs> is is that. And I think that's the important thing with travel in general you got to leave your home yeah. to appreciate your home and understand your home i feel i got that from watching the big blue marble as a kid very good um number Here's five a big blue marble when you see it from up there yeah yep they've been uh or sorry there have been times on the shows you have referred to podcasts to you or sorry favorite podcast we've kind of already answered yes, that question it still counts as a question what's laurel. She, was it listening to our earlier questions <laughs> come on laurel smart up what's going on here but thank you for your questions, even though we didn't answer the last one, except by no. being by being goofballs. Uh, but yes. Big we, loop. Listen to the big loop. We do like podcasts, or some of them. Uh, here's some questions from Chris Roberts. Hey, Chris. Chris is from uh, Scotland. Oh, forget it then. Move on. <laughs> His first question is, uh, from comments in past podcasts, neither of you seems to be a huge fan of Laurel and Hardy, a comedy team that I absolutely love. Is that right? And can you say why? I, I have a real big reason why. Here's my big reason why. Sure. Um, the first apartment that I lived in for an extended period of time was owned by... I do remember this. ...was owned by a... Uh, I was subletting it from a, a Laurel impersonator mm. who later went on to become a Hardy impersonator, as many do. <laughs> um, and when you first walked into the room, yeah. like you open the door, mm -hmm. the first thing you see is a wall-sized yeah. Laurel and Hardy yeah. uh, ad for McDonald's with them eating a burger. Yeah. Uh, so that's like a... And then you walk into the other room and it's got infinite uh, Laurel and Hardy tapes and then, you know, he was part of the uh, Sons of the Desert or whatever the yes. club. Yes, yes. And all that kind of thing. Mm. So I was going through a bit of a rough time when I lived in that place. So I always associate when I was having a hard time, Laurel and Hardy looking at me uh, <laughs> mockingly you. with their Judging big you. stupid burger. So it may not be fair. Yeah, it's not fair. Uh, but but that, was, that was probably what I'm associating it with. Yes. Okay. Um. I have seen funny Laurel and Hardy things. I, I, there's I a, have too. Yeah, there's a great one where they uh, somehow end up climbing up on a building that's being built, like in the girders and stuff like that, and have and have all kinds of crazy uh, adventures. And and what seems very important is that they not lose their hats at any point in their in their escapades. They're willing to risk life and limb to keep their hats on their heads. But um, overall, I have never enjoyed the shtick of uh, Stan Laurel whimpering. And Oliver Hardy bullying. I don't know. There's just something about it that is off-putting to me. Even though Oliver Hardy was a gentle bully. He wasn't a mo bully. He'd yeah, never yeah. be like really yeah. mad. You yeah. know, if you saw him like really sad, he'd be sympathetic mm -hmm. with him. And, yeah. Yeah, there's something about it. It's it's very gen it is very it gentle. Really, uh, it never really it didn't grab me. And I guess, you know, I don't know why things grab me. I mean, that's that's the yeah. thing, right? You don't know why it's things are appealing to you. Exactly right. So sorry, sorry, Chris, that my subjective view of of Laurel and Hardy does not match. But you know what? You gave two recommendations: uh, Way Out West and Our Relations. 
And you say there are two of the funniest movies you've ever seen. So I will give them. You a know try. what? Yeah, I'm going to give them a try as well. I, I want to. Um, and we'll report back to you. We'll report back to you with our with our findings. I'll have a. The other thing I don't like about Laurel and Hardy are their thick Scottish accents. Well, I find those impenetrable. Yes, so difficult to understand what they're saying. Yeah. Um, and it takes them four hours to say our relations because of all the <laughs> R's in it. Our relations. Um. Number two is which post Beatles albums or songs by or involving any of the ex Beatles do you like best? Uh, I sorry, I like uh, I like I like Ringo narrating the point though he doesn't sing in it. Uh, what is it? Not the first narrator. No, was it Dustin Hoffman was the first Hoffman, narrator? Yeah. yeah, I like him though as the as the best narrator. Uh, uh, you know, I one of the first albums I ever bought was, and it's not great, but I have sentiment for it. Was Paul McCartney's Pipes of Peace, but it was like one of the first albums mm. I ever bought. Yeah. And again, I realize it's not great, but <laughs> I, uh, I I still smile when I when I hear it. So I'll go I'll go with that. Hmm. And uh, Ringo started doing Caveman, though I know that's not a recording. <laughs> Okay, post Beatles albums. Uh, for John Lennon, uh, his first, al- I think, you know, they left they left the gate strong. Like I think, uh, uh, Plastic Plastic uh, Ono Band, uh, John Lennon's first album, is a great is a great album. I really like that album a lot. And Ringo's on it. Ringo plays drums on it, so that's pretty good. Uh, after that, I think it's a slow decline into things that I just not that interested. There's highlights to uh, Imagine. Sometime in New York, not very good. Uh, mind games is okay and uh, double fantasy is it's okay too i just they're just not the beatles like it's not that exciting paul mccartney i really like uh ram a lot and i like i like the ram side project which i believe was called thrillington uh, which is a instrumental remake of ram playing the songs in, in different styles i actually really enjoy that um i think that's very good but i think once again paul mccartney you know whether it was a mix of too much pot smoking or just you know, self-satisfaction. He just didn't need to try as hard. And so there's a element of laziness to his albums uh, where you kind of feel like, gee, if you'd tried a little harder, maybe reached for a better lyric instead of just being happy with what you had, you'd have a better song here. My fa- absolute favorite um, Wings album is uh, the Greatest Hits album, the one with the ugly cover with the kind of statue on it. Okay. That has Junior's Farm. Yeah. You know, and it has been on the run and, and, and kind of the best stuff, Jet, and things like that that are all pretty great. Very good. Um, George Harrison, once again, the two thirds of uh, of All Things Must Pass is is fantastic. It's this beautiful album. The jammy stuff kind of boring, but the the songs are great, and it's it's a great album all around. Uh, and then I really like Back Off Boogaloo and a lot of Ringo. I think that's a really great album. And it might be just because uh, um, Ringo had met up with with a guy. I think his name was Vinny. Oh, I can't remember his last name now, but it. it a fellow who wrote a lot of songs in that album, and I think that he and he did a, he had a lot to do with like the songs and and how good it is. But but Richard Perry, the producer, was also very good, and it's a great album. Ringo is a great album, and and to have have the actual record with the giant booklet inside and stuff like that is extra special. Oh, cool. It's a really great package. Nice. So those are all things that I, I like uh, about uh, that the Beatles did after the Beatles, but none of them are the Beatles. Um, three. Do either of you have a least favorite song? Not necessarily a bad song, just something you cannot stand to hear for whatever reason. He says, I'm nominating The Greatest Love of All, mm. the international anthem of narcissists everywhere. We can take the fucking eagles as red, Dave. Uh-huh. I so would... I can't say Hotel California. No, I'd say uh, Groove is in the Heart. 
just because groove in, is in the heart just repeats groove is in the heart over and over again. Mm. And then if you're watching the video, the very final thing that happens is a person comes out and goes, and remember, the groove is in the heart. <laughs> it's like, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's hard to take. And it played uh, always in clubs. Mm. Always in clubs. Yeah. So I'd say I'd say that when I hear that, I'm like, oh, no. That's, that's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me... Songs that I can't stand to hear. <laughs> Makes me so jealous because I'm an American. Uh, gee, I don't, you know, Hotel California obviously drives me insane. But I don't think it's. Bob said the Eagles. Eagles I don't think it's a bad song, bank. but yeah, that's out what I can't, picture, can't, can't do Eagles. Uh, I can't stand, here's what I can't stand. Right. I cannot stand living in other people's nostalgia. Okay. That is fucking awful to me. So I don't like Crocodile Rock, okay. the Elton John song. I hate old time rock and roll, still rock the and Bob roll Seger to me. song. Yeah, still rock and roll to me. That's awful. And I and I also hate Oh What a Night. Okay. Uh, the Frankie Valli song. I think that's quite nice, but okay, fair enough. Yeah, I just don't like. I don't want. I just I, like the singing in that one. Whatever. I just don't want to hear other. I just don't want to live. I don't like Greece. Any of the songs from Greece. All right. I hate all those songs. Okay. I just don't want to. I don't want anyone else's nostalgia. Even Beauty School Dropout. I don't know it. All right. I don't know. I, we had the soundtrack when I was a kid, but I did not, none of it. I had to sing an improvised version of Beauty School Dropout okay. like every night for like about two months. Okay. Oh, so, you, parody, right? so you like it a lot? Well, it's a it's a song that doesn't really, uh, it's not, it, it was sung by Frankie Avalon in the movie. Okay. It's a dream sequence. I see. Uh, and uh, it's very mean, uh, uh, but it's uh, quite funny. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember. We had, like I said, we had the Grease soundtrack because my brother was... A person who bought the latest so Dave, hits. Down on Greece. It's not that I'm down on Greece. It's I like, you know, I like '50s artists. I like listening to rockabilly. I like listening to to rock R and B and stuff like that. But I like it in that time period. Yeah. I don't want it to be re. I don't want to hear like people's remanufactures, like their their nostalgic reminiscences of their youth. Like fuck that. Fuck, fuck off and die. I don't want you. Don't want to hear my '80s songs with a synthesizer <laughs> and, a, and the and the sound of whipping drums. So yes, or there you go. We. Does that answer your question, Chris? Sorry, you made me mad. Four or if that is if that one, last one's too negative, is there a song or a movie that's generally considered a stinker but which you really love despite its critical reputation? Huh. For instance, I find McCartney's "We All Stand Together" absolutely charming. I don't know that song. And consider the El Pacino film, author, author, three quarters of a comic masterpiece, even though it falls apart towards the end and has the worst theme song of all time. Hmm. Gee, I was just talking about this today. I was talking about a movie that I like and a lot of other people don't like. Phooey. I like Die Hard 3. Uh, people seem to have problems with that. Oh, that's, uh, that's okay. Uh, what, what do I like? I like, uh, I like Say, Say, Say. I like Michael Jackson and <laughs> Paul McCartney with that song. Seems Whoa. silly. I don't it. like The Girl Is Mine. That's a creepy, weird song. Mm. But uh, I do like Say, Say, Say. And I like the video. The okay. video is goofball, and they're both having fun, and they're both uh, young and happy. Yeah. And it's nice to watch. Oh, that's good. Oh, boy. I really... I Is uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, is that considered a, a bad movie, a flopperoo? Maybe. I really like that film. I think, that. It's a, I think it's sure. a very successful film. I think it's it's a very good film and an underrated uh, film as well. I can see why people don't like it because it has a lot of the excesses of that time period of the mm-hmm. of the '90s action film, which like when you get to like uh, the Last Boy Scout, I don't do not like that film at all. Yeah, like, I just feel, find that film yeah, like it's, it's bottom of the barrel yeah, of that time yeah. period. Yeah, but uh, I think Last Kiss or Long Kiss Goodnight is a very good movie. And if I think of that other film that I I was talking with a, with a workmate at work today about. 
and saying that I, a lot of people don't like the film, but I, I think it's actually quite good. And also, uh, like a movie like The Duff. Okay, I haven't seen it, but I like Mae Whitman. Uh, a lot of people, you know, would probably, I don't, I don't say they wouldn't like that film, but a lot of people would discount that movie as not being a good movie or not being worth watching. But actually, it's a very good romantic comedy. It's predictable as all get out. Sure. Like you, oops, you, sorry, everyone, I like to gesture. Yep. Uh, you, That's why I never get you a Slurpee. You can, you can see the, uh, the ending coming a mile away, but it's a very charming film and, and lots of fun. And Mae Whitman, Whitman is a very good actress. Uh, yeah, so, so there, that's my answer to that Very one. Very good. I like garbage. Um, all right, well, thank you, Chris, for those questions. They were, they were all good, except for that one that made me mad. Also, McDonald's cheeseburgers are pretty good. People uh, talk them down, say, McDonald's, ugh. You ever had a McDonald's cheeseburger? Uh, it's a little something. You don't want a lot of big something? It's yeah, really good. They're really good. Yeah. I prefer a Big Mac, which, again, I think is a really good no, burger. I understand, but, but that's, a big, that's a big situation. It is a big here. situation. You're right. You just want a little something real quick. You're just coming out of the pool. You're walking down the street. You want a little something? But, but Ian, yeah. I'm a big situation. That's what they call Dave, the yeah. big situation. <laughs> they do. <laughs> the big sitch. Okay, some questions from Carlin Lachizan. You remember Carlin? She was a guest on our very first uh, Have a Meal With Us shows. Yeah. Uh, I saw her very briefly at Van Caff. We, we gestured now, to she, each other she, from across the, the room. Is she the one who uh, liked the show that no one could hear? That's right. Okay, then let me just say this quickly to sure. her. Thank you. I really appreciate you and your support in this Thank you. And we are. All right, good. <laughs> Thank you for that. I don't know what you said. She Hope, does. Hopefully it was clear. Uh the first one is, this one is for Dave. This is uh, all my own question, Ian. Back off, Boogaloo. I have a friend who is going to Farrier School in September. Okay. Would you have any advice or tips for someone starting out down the long road to horse hoof care? What's your worst experience you've ever had to deal with as a farrier? And what was the best? Ooh, bad experiences as a farrier are bad. Yeah. Um, my, my advice about the school is that it, any program you go to in a school is designed to kill you in the, for the first three months. It's basically a weeding process. Oh, okay. They want to get rid of you. They want people who are 100% committed to this idea of being who they are going into this course to be. And if you are not 100% committed, you will not enjoy or last the first three months of that class. That's where all the heaviest coursework is. That's where all the heaviest learning, the steepest learning curve is. And it's the hardest time you'll ever have in your life. And that's what makes it rewarding. But if you aren't prepared to deal with that, you're not going to enjoy it. So my advice to your friend, if they're serious about being a farrier, and you have to be serious if you want to be a farrier, is you have to get your, grit your teeth and get through that. When the course I went through, the teacher was a very hands-off instructor. But pretty much he expected the other students to te- keep put you up to, to, to speed on what, what the class was. Okay. You know, we when I went, we had actual coal-fired forges. We had to put coal in them light the coal, wind the blower to get them working, create your own coal coal slurry to pour over top of it to create like a shell to keep the fire inside banked and hot while you went into the school to, to do to do your, your uh, coursework. And uh, he did not teach you that. You had to learn from other students to do that. And so you had to be willing to to go through that kind of weird awkwardness of, of just being parachuted. And I started the class a little late because I, I was uh, brought in to, to replace someone who dropped out. And so I came in a little late, so I had to kind of catch up to what was happening as well. So that was hard on me. Uh, but uh, yes, my worst experience as a, as a farrier, my worst ex- injury as a farrier was a horse tore its f- hoof away from me while I was had the nail sticking out of the, the foot, and it tore through the back of my leg and cut my artery. And I was actually bleeding so heavily that it was pumping with my heart as it was pouring oh. out of me. 
And luckily the customer was a doctor and she was able to put a compress bandage on it. And she said, go to emergency right now, which I didn't do. I just went home, but, oh. uh, which is of course my usual uh. dumbness, <laughs> but, but, uh, I did, I did survive. I'm here, but I had to throw Next away. Next time go to emergency. I had to throw away my shoes because they were so soaked with oh. blood that, uh, they were useless. Uh, I could never wear them again. That drives me nuts. Go to emergency, please. <laughs> my worst experience as being a farrier, which was near a time when I was, I was starting to like f- go through a very bad phase where I was not enjoying. It. I was kind of reaching a point where I was. I was uh, considering killing myself. I was so unhappy with my life at this point. And to top it off, I was getting really bad as a farrier. I don't know why. I was kind of losing my skills. I was just going through this really bad patch. And I probably, if I had pushed through it, I would have been okay. But I just, what happened was I, I did a bad job on this horse for this lady. And I hurt the horse, basically. Which is not something you want to do as a farrier, obviously. And it was not intentional. But... It was so devastating to me that I couldn't deal with it emotionally. And I pretty much shut down and I couldn't even talk to her. You know, like I paid for I paid for her to get another fairy to come in and repair the what I had done wrong. And that was it. I never never talked to her again or anything like that. And she actually said one of like a message she said, I thought we were friends. And I felt so guilty and terrible about it, but I could not I couldn't deal with it emotionally at that time. I was just so stripped bare by everything that was happening to me. And I just couldn't deal with it. And that was a really terrible part of my life. That was a terrible time. And I always feel bad about it, but I never talked to her again. And it's something that haunts me always. And that was my worst experience as a farrier. <sighs> my best experience as a farrier, I don't know if I had that many great experiences as a farrier. I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard job. It's a hard labor that you do. It's backbreaking, hard, hot, or cold labor, depending on what time of the year it is, where you have a horse standing on you for an hour uh, and you work, you know, and it's not a very... You might have romantic ideas about the job. It is not a romantic job. It is a very difficult, dirty, mm-hmm. smelly job. You always smell like a horse. You always smell mm-hmm. like your hands always smell of hoof, of the pungent smell of the thrush or the mud and stuff like that that's in their hoofs. Uh, but I have to say that the customers that I had that I liked, I really liked a lot. They're great people. And it was always a joy to like go and do their horses and talk with them for a while while I did the horses and do their, do their feet and stuff like that. That was like the best part of the job. It's just unfortunate that I just, at that time, you know, I had imposter syndrome. I did not feel like a real farrier. I always thought I did a bad job whenever I left. I was always embarrassed by what I did. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because it was totally wrong. I remember going one time to do uh, horses for a lady, and she, like, assumed that I knew what her horses looked like, which I didn't because all I did was look at their feet. I didn't really look at the horse. And uh, and she's like, well, and so I, I got there, and I was like, okay, I don't know which horse is hers, but I know that I know that there's a farrier who chews horses here who's really good. It's one of the best horses in the region, one of the best farriers in the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll look at his shoes and I'll know that they're great because mine look so terrible. But mine looked exactly the same. They looked as good as him. Yeah. So that was kind of a, a wake up, but it's too bad it didn't really wake me up as it should have done. Uh, so I had this imposter syndrome. I didn't feel like a real farrier. I didn't feel like I was really doing a good job. And I just felt like a fake all the time. And so it was so hard to like get past that point with people. Any kind of problems that like you know, lost shoes or whatever I took really personally and they made me really sad and depressed. And it was just really hard. It was a very hard time of my life. Uh, and I, I'm glad I don't do it anymore, to be honest with you. I miss it, which is weird. I miss yeah. doing the shoes and stuff like that because I did enjoy like the practical element of making the shoes and burning the shoes on and nailing them on and stuff like that. And I liked the horses and things. I enjoyed all that part of it. But the emotional aspect of dealing with someone else's baby because yeah. you, know, you really are working with something that a person cares for so deeply there's a huge weight of responsibility on you and you feel like a fake when you feel like you're not really a yeah the real thing that you're just like 
a fake person and you're trying to like stumble your way through it and do I know what I'm doing? This is so terrible. Uh, it's really hard and it just felt guilty all the time and a, a big fake. It was really hard on me. Uh, so I, yeah. But I hope your friend enjoys it. Sorry to be such a downer there. But that's how I felt. This one's for you, Ian. And she says, haha, when she writes, because there's quite a few questions in this one. Okay. Uh, she says, you write a lot of comics. All right, I'll answer each uh, question as it is asked. Okay. So let's do that. Do you have a particular workflow for how you start to get your ideas down? Yeah, I go for a walk. That's basically it. I go for a walk. I get up and I go for a walk. Uh, if I, uh, I'll usually, I'll usually wake up and uh, if I have any ideas, I will write them down immediately. Email them to myself. Okay. If I have my phone there, I'll just like, you know, send myself a quick text or send myself a message or email myself. And usually, it'll make no sense. It'll be like, "Dog, kitten, explode," and whatever. <laughs> uh, the second part of it is go do anything but writing. Go for a walk. Uh, you know, if you need to put on a podcast or something, listen to it for a while to get your head in a different space. That's fine. Then take the, take the, turn it off, uh, and just look at stuff and yeah. let things flow and let ideas come. And even if ideas seem, unless they're super toxic or they're depression or something like that, uh, let them flow, let them build, let them go to dark places. That's okay. Yeah. And always have a pad and paper or something to write them down with and, uh, and, and write them down. But I find I have to be moving. I can't be sitting. And that, I've always had troubles where I've been in a writing room and I have to sit and come up with things. Yeah. And I'm just like, let me go for a damn walk. Let me go to lunch. Let me do something physical and I'll be able to come up with all this stuff. But it's like, no, we all got to be in the room. We're all going to come up with ideas in the room. Well, you're just sitting. Yeah. Just looking yeah. at the same things. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess could be inspiring in a, in a weird Zen way. But yeah. So <laughs> go for a walk is what I think. Interesting. Okay. okay. Um, do you add in camera angles and composition notes? Uh, it depends on, it depends if they're necessary for, uh, for the effect that it's necessary. For clarity, let's for, say? Or? Well, it's not even clarity, but for impact. Okay. You know, if, if, if this requires a close up, uh, and we can't have another character in the shot to be distracting, then yeah, I'd go like a close up of, say, my character August. Okay. Yeah, it'd be like a close up of August's face, looking worried. I can't have, the other character in the background because it would be a distraction yeah. from where I want this to go. You want the focus on... But for the most part, I trust the artists that I work with, whether it's uh, Pia or, or uh, Pia Garanina, Matsumoto or Giselle Legacy or yourself, enough that they know uh, where it's supposed to go and or they will offer an option uh, of presenting it in a way that I will then find more interesting. That's something Giselle's doing a lot right now with Exorcisters yeah. is I will give her the script but i won't tell her a lot of stage directions yeah. for the most part unless yeah. she wants me to okay and just recently there was a reveal of a character uh that was done in a very different way than i had anticipated but i thought was was better than what i had thought of and okay. uh, that's what you get when you don't add too much detail sure and you trust your uh trust your artist yeah i guess you want that back and forth yep even if it's not exactly back and forth but you're having that that uh yeah, I, I wrote you a scene once where uh, it was all these animals in the Adam and Eve times yeah. getting ready for a race, and I had a, an image of what it was, and it was like kind of a close-up of all the animals, like very big, yeah. and you drew it from a far shot, yeah. and it was like way better. Yeah, that, yeah, really, yeah. and really cute animals. Too. Yeah, really cute. Yeah. All dinosaurs. That was it. Yeah, 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 dinosaurs going for a race. Yeah, looking worried. Yes. Um. Okay, yes, yeah, or leave that up to the artist's interpretation. So yes. Yeah, so that, yes. Is there any kind of rule to how many panels should, can be on a page? Depends what, uh, depends what you're going for. If it's uh, a comic like The Simpsons, you want a maximum probably six, seven tops. Okay. You could go, you could go eight, but you're really jamming it in there. Yeah. Um, Is that because it, there's, they're gag heavy or dialogue heavy? 
Uh, it's just a little too dense okay. to, 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 to read. Yeah. Um, now I'm doing uh, a smaller format with uh, Sparks now. Yeah. And I'm, it's very difficult for me to do splash pages, which are one panel pages, but I'm finding they are needed and impactful and they work. Yeah. Uh, but it's such a hard habit for me to break the idea of like basically a, make it always like a, a five to six panel page as I would for the Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, but it's, but it's different and I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to let myself do it and yeah. have more of that because it then makes it, I don't want to say more cinematic, but it lends itself more to action. Uh, and then you can switch for the uh, denser uh, amount of panels for uh, dialogue, exposition, or humor. Yeah. Okay. I just kind of these are kind of two. The questions kind of relate to each other okay. or connect, connect. What do you find is the hardest thing to script for comics, and what's the easiest? Uh, hardest thing to script for comics is uh, if it's a commercial property. Like I, uh, before they we found out they were evil, I I, I did uh, a couple of comics for Chick Fil A. Okay, and so that was that was tricky because you really have to make sure that you're getting the product mentioned and and such things. So how come Chick Fil A is evil? Sorry, uh, Chick Fil A um, contributed to a lot of anti same sex marriage uh, oh, causes. Fuck them, and were uh, yep. yeah, discriminatory garbage. Uh, but I I wrote these uh, superhero cow comics for them before then that actually okay. that never came out. Yeah, which was lucky for me. But those were those were quite <laughs> tricky. Those were quite tricky to write. Okay. Yeah. And okay. what was the other question? And what's the easiest thing to script? Uh, Dialogue. I don't, think, I don't think anything is. I don't think anything is the easiest thing at okay. all. If you care. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm really enjoying right now is writing Sparks and writing Extra Sisters, and just uh, I'm 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 so eager to see where this all goes uh, that uh, it's annoying to me that I can't write faster because I want. Yeah, get yeah, out there, yeah, and I want to see where these stories go because That's cool. I I care about the characters. Huh, interesting. Okay, I'm just gonna answer these a little bit. Okay, just a little bit because uh, my answer is a little different than yours. Because for I find I often think that I think oh, I'll go to the gym and I'll think about the story and I'll and I'll get ideas while I'm doing something. That very rarely happens. Sometimes I can. I'll get into like a zone, and I can. You know, plan out stories and stuff like that. But I find that I write best actually writing. Okay. That's when the ideas come to me most commonly. That if I'm actually doing it, that's when I'm most inventive and most creative. I find that my brain doesn't really want to think about it if I'm not sitting with something in front of me and I'm actually writing. Uh, and what I find easiest to write is dialogue. I love dialogue because it's just the characters, oops, being themselves, and it just and they're writing it for me. So I'm just copying what they're saying. Yes. You know, and that's, I, that's I actually easy. feel that way as well. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I first read uh, Interview with a Vampire, and I thought, like, you can't just do a book that's just dialogue. That's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> it, avo- it avoids the whole thing of uh, the sky was a, yeah, was yeah. a haze of sure. do- doubt and regret, mm-hmm. or whatever you have to say yeah, to yeah. describe things. It was like, yeah, oh, my yeah. God, you're just getting to the point. God damn it. You can just do that? Ugh! <laughs> Fine. <laughs> All right. So this is a question from Chris Lewis. Hi, Chris. Uh, he says, as a huge fan of the James Bond movies, I always ask myself whether the acting was actually what you would consider good, or are we just getting caught up in the nostalgia of the 60s spy era? I would love to hear your opinions on that, and if there's time, what what's the deal with the amount of dubbing in On Her Majesty's Secret Service? Okay, I don't know about the latter part, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say that good isn't good necessarily. Okay. I mean, it's like, uh, imagine the food that you ate when you were a young man. Is yeah. that good food? It yeah, tasted good. good. You liked it. It's good. Yeah. Uh, but if you looked at it technically, is it good? No, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's what you want. It's what you need. It does the job. It's fine. Yeah. And I think uh, the James Bond movies were a reflection of their time. Sure. And and if they 
carry on and work in the present time, that's a bonus, but that's not their point, much yeah. like the Marx Brothers movies. Yeah. If they work now, excellent, but not necessary. Yeah. They just were for then. Yeah. If you like it too, swell, but it's not for you. Yeah. 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 No, I guess that's true. Um, I mean, I think that, I think that we appreciate someone like Daniel Craig bringing more acting chops to the role and say someone who's rather stiff and mannered like Roger Moore. Right, but that was for the time. But for the correct. time. Pe- if you had yeah. if you had Daniel Craig in Roger Moore's time, yeah. the people would have just gone, what what the hell is that? <laughs> is why, is like... he, why is he licking her fingers like a creep? <laughs> yeah. I guess. I, guess I was watching uh, uh, Man with a Golden Gun yeah. the other day. And yeah, it's it's very prim and proper and dead, but it works. You know, really? I don't yeah. like it, but no, it's fine. You don't have to. Uh, I did. <laughs> uh, it's weird. Like there's one woman who's in a bikini for almost the whole thing for no real good reason. Yeah. Uh, but it's just you it's know. Fine. So uh, we are very much alike. I'm nothing like you. Ah, well, uh, let's fight to the death then. Yeah. And it's just like it's all cheese ball and whatever. But like I think if you went to see a James Bond movie then, that would have been bang on what you wanted. Yeah. And you'd just be like leaving, going, "There you go. That's what I wanted." And if you saw. Uh, something like uh, uh, not Octopussy. If you saw what's the one where, uh, where which was the sequel to, um, the, to Casino Royale, the one that came right after it, uh, that one, uh, Quantum of Solace. Oh, kind of, oh, sorry. If, 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 I thought if, we were still talking. If people Roger at Moore, the time like, when they went to see Man with a Golden Gun, yeah, saw Daniel Craig yeah. do Quantum of Solace, yeah, first they go, that's pretty good, uh, pretty good car uh, thing <laughs> off the top, and then they'd go what's this garbage? <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. this nonsense? Yeah. yeah. Why is it so serious? Why isn't he blowing up a volcano mm. fortress? Why is he making the guy walk across a desert and drink oil? No, it's true. I, you know, I watched a few uh, uh, Roger Moore ones, uh, quite a few of them actually, because you like him. I do. And I was just, I was, I wanted to like him too. I wanted to, I was like, okay. I wanted, you know, I was going to go, well, I'm going to watch these movies and I'm going to get what Ian thinks, look, yeah. you know, thinks about these movies, but I just, they just, I couldn't penetrate them That's at fine. all. Uh, and it's interesting. And Do you like I've the had... Saint? Do you like him as the Saint? I don't think I've ever seen the Saint. Oh, uh, all shows. right, very good. Um, but I, it was just funny because I was thinking about how terrible he is in Moonraker, and there's a there's a parachute scene in that movie uh, where he jumps out of a plane and Jaws is there and they're falling down. I think I think that's the movie anyway. And uh, it's Moonraker, right? And uh, it's all terrible looking and stuff yeah. like that. And then I was thinking, man, he was younger than Tom Cruise is doing his halo jumps a hundred times or whatever he did right. for, for Mission Impossible 6. And he has to be green screened yeah. terribly unconvincingly wearing does, his corset. Yeah, it's but, just so, but he doesn't have... It's he, so you yucky. know what? I, I like him better than Tom Cruise for that thing. Because it's like Tom Cruise... <laughs> God bless you, but like he's got Tom Cruise has something to prove, you know. And every time he's got to prove it to you, and he's gonna bust his ankles and shatter them, and he's gonna <laughs> make it hard for everybody because they got to make Tom Cruise do this thing. Yeah. And it's like for the movie that uh, you know where where there's a guy who's in space with metal teeth. Yeah. Uh, wear a corset and be in a green screen. Who gives a fuck? You know, you don't want a guy who's like working out for a million y- years. Yeah, it's fine. Speaking of. Speaking of not great actors, okay. uh, George Lazenby in Honor, Majesty, Secret Service. And I think that's a reason for a lot of the ADR in that film is the fact that he wasn't the world's greatest actor. It was his first film. Yeah, he was just a good-looking guy. He was a good-looking guy, an athletic guy. I think a good James Bond in terms of, you know, like, appearance, mm-hmm. his his performance in the film. Yeah. Uh, the whole sequence in the, in this, in the Swiss Chateau with, in the allergy clinic, his entire performance there is dubbed. 
His voice was done by the character who he sees early in the film, who's the the um, the person who's like an expert on on uh, you know um, what do you call those things that pe- rich people have the or coat of arms sort of stuff. He's yeah, an expert gotcha. on that. Yeah, and uh, that so that actor did his voice for that sequence oh, of the film, right. uh, and possibly just because um, George Lazenby's Australian accent slightly. What's that, sorry? Sorry, I've thought of a joke. Go ahead. Okay, his Australian <laughs> accent. I thought you were just laughing at Australian. His yeah. Australian accent. I was laughing at Australian. Slightly, his Trans-Pacific accent yeah. is just <laughs> not quite quite there for that for that part of the performance, you know. But I do think he was good as James Bond in that film. I think he his physicality oh, yeah. is really good, and he's, his romancing Diana Rigg is all good. Yeah, fi- and you, you buy it. You really buy they're falling in love. It's my favorite James Bond film, and and I and I think more than Casino Royale. Yeah. I think okay. it has, to me, it's more emo- a more emotional film than Casino Royale. Okay. He doesn't say the bitch is dead. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, that could just be anger. But uh, I just, I like, uh, I just, I like the emotional arc of that film. And I, and I, and I like, yeah, I do like Casino Royale a lot too. I think those are the two best uh, James Bond films. But um, I think that, uh, it, but uh, the first one has more like the kind of James Bond elements I like, which are the corny, corny things. Right? I was, I was going to say like, it starts off, I get a little, little, I'm not going to spoil what happens at the end. Let's say it's something at the end. <laughs> so it starts off with him fighting a bunch of guys on the beach. Yeah. And then he turns to the... That's an awkward He turns the to the camera and just yeah. goes, they never did this with the other fella. Yeah. Okay. So we're all... We're doing that, right? I didn't... They didn't okay, I that's like fair that, enough. So, yeah. okay. So then what you need to do is like after the big dramatic swell <laughs> ending at the end is like, you know, turns he's like camera. weeping. He just turns to the camera and go, they never did this to the other fella. <laughs> <laughs> and then like... Yeah, it's a weird referential it's, joke. It's a weird the tonal change from the beginning of the movie, the movie to the end. We're yeah, like, yeah. we're acknowledging, wink, wink, we're all having a good yeah. time. And I don't think it's that so much. I think it's like a weird nervousness that they had changed actors. I think that's it's what it's more it's, is. A, it's an okay acknowledgement It's of like it. a weird thing. Like They're kind of like, oh, this is the first film we've done without Sean Connery. Yeah. How are people going to feel about it? Let's let's just draw attention to sure. it. You know, It's kind of like if you went outside and you had a zit on your nose. And every time you see people, we're like, oh, my God, can you see what I got on my nose? This big zit. I can't believe it. I have, you yeah. know, this, because you're, you're nervous about it, so you got to draw attention to it all the time. Probably your friends would be like, you don't need to keep mentioning your zit, but you just can't help yourself. There you go. You're just nervous about your zit. But I do, I do like Honor Majesty's Secret Service a lot. I think it's a great, great film. All right, moving on to... Moving on. Do you want to read this one? Uh, it's a sure. long one. It's a long yeah. one. It's a, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, is uh, is uh, Yuya. Hi. Uh, my name's Yuya. Again, hopefully that's being right. Uh, being a longtime fan, uh, but this is the first email to you. Don't feel bad about it. I haven't emailed you at all. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks for the invitation. Domo arigato. Hey, that's, that's good. Uh, I'd like to ask you guys about passion. Uh, now at the age of 30, I feel like I'm satisfied. Uh, I have a wonderful wife, the best woman in the world, uh, an amazing daughter, uh, one year and seven months old. Uh, my bank pin number is... No, I didn't say that. Um, I love uh, these two girls from my heart. I recently changed my job. The new company isn't as big as the previous one, uh, but they offer me cool and challenging in a good way uh, jobs with a little pay raise. Uh, we're not rich, uh, but have just enough amount of money uh, and we live a frugal life. I'm healthy. Uh, I love... Do you have a motorcycle? Because they're very popular <laughs> outside of here. Yeah. I'm healthy. I love exercise, like running, swimming, and working out. In short, once again, I'm pretty much satisfied. Yes, I'm happy, but at the same time, I haven't myself found myself being passionate for a long time. Things that used to move me, like music and books, don't give me that life-changing impact. And I was such a big music head. 
Uh, one of the things that hit me uh, was I couldn't find a single thing I wanted to buy in a very large small uh, shopping mall in Tokyo a few days ago. Uh, like, have I become a monk or something? People often tell me I'm mature and calm, uh, much more so than other guys my age. I guess I am. Uh, it's not something I'm trying. It's just me being natural. I see other guys uh, being into things like clothes, fancy food, chasing girls, but none of them appeal to me. I'd rather spend my time talking to my wife, playing with my daughter, or chatting with my friends over tea. Anyway, it's been a long intro, but I guess what I want to ask you guys, will my passion come back to me someday? Is this just a national phase of life? I apologize if my story is incomprehensible, as English is obviously not my mother language. You were fantastic. I just read it terribly. <laughs> uh, looking forward to hearing your 350th episode. Looking forward to it. You're in it! Uh, if you ever come to Tokyo, give me a buzz, and let's record the podcast at my place. Okay. Sounds like a trap. I'm not sure about this. Uh, I've got original UK pressings of the Smith's vinyl if that interests you. It's clearly a trap. We're not going. Yeah, this, this is <laughs> this is definitely going to be some kind of dungeon situation. No, that no, we're going to end up trapped in there. He has Smith's. He's going to put us in a ball. We're yeah. going to become human Pokemon. Sorry, he's got he's got original Smith's uh, pressings. So I got it. All right, and off goes Ghost Rider. Yes. All right. So as to as to passion. So here's what you're doing. You're asking uh, two fellas that just passed 50, mm -hmm. uh, what's the deal with passion? That's an interesting, yeah. that's a very interesting question. I think like you've definitely, 30, 30 is a weird age. Jeez. Because 30 is an age that we put a lot of weight onto. But once you uh, go through it, you're like, it's, it's, you're supposed to know what you're doing. Mm. Uh, let me just say, as someone who's 50, you won't know what you're doing. You're going to be changing constantly. You will like some of the same things. Yeah. Some things will grow. Some things will uh, fade. Uh, I, I mean, both David and I have, uh, have, have done therapy. And I would say one thing that might be a little bit of a warning sign is if you find yourself not caring about all the things that you cared about before, with the exception, of course, of your wife and child and spending time at home. But of like the things that brought you joy no longer bring you joy, that might be something to talk over with a therapist because that could be depression. Mm. You know, that, that is always a possibility and, and you don't necessarily want to, you know, discount that as, as a thing. But as to what you are passionate about, uh, I think things just, things change over time. And where you're saying like, will it come back? Maybe not that, but something else, as long as you keep yourself open and, and 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 david is a father whereas i am not but i think like you're going to be going through different changes in your life as your as your child grows and gets different passions in their life as well and you'll, you'll be along for that ride as, as well i would say just try to be open to things you're in an amazing city obviously uh you seem to have things things together uh generally don't judge yourself too harshly uh and and i'm gonna throw it over to david now what do you think well I I think uh, one thing you're when you talk about your family is that that's your passion now, you know, like mm -hmm. that's what's really important to you so that music will come back because your your daughter will grow up and will, you know, rely less on you and you'll have more of yourself in your life. But for now, you are heavily invested in, in this little girl, you know, and in your family. And that's where your heart is right now. You know, and so it's hard for you to see, you know, outside of, you know, your day to day things that you have to get done you know, much else that's important to you. And that's fine. You know, and this will last for a while and it it will change because that's what life, like Ian said, that's life. Life is change, you know, and you might go back to music or you might find something else that interests you a lot. You just, you don't know. And that's what's great about life too is that you don't know what's around the corner. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we yeah. We love things now that we would never have thought about, you know, yeah. when we were 30. Of course. You know. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, like, like Ian said, if you are feeling a uh, certain kind of sadness or, or you apathy know, a lack of apathy, or, yeah, yeah, or despair. 
Yeah, lack of connection to things that uh, for sure go and talk to someone about it. And there's nothing embarrassing about that either. It's uh, it's such a such a wonderful experience if you need therapy to go through go through therapy. Uh you know, it's so it's so nice to feel better. Yeah, and Dave's you know? a guy who won't go to the doctor when his legs bleeding. <laughs> So if he's yes. saying this, you know that it's true. Take this, take <laughs> this right. as strong advice. Take, take this as strong advice. Yes, yeah. it is. Well, you know, when you need to go, you should go. If you don't need to go, you shouldn't go. Yeah, That's but sometimes feeling. you don't know that you need to go. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, yeah. Was, a lack of a lack of mm-hmm. uh, a lack of caring about things that you cared about before could be growth or it could be other things. So it's yeah. it is worth checking that. Yeah, and and, and just be. Try to be open to new things mm-hmm. as well. You're going to be exposed to a lot of new things, you know, For as sure. your as your daughter gets older, and uh, you know, the natural reaction is to dismiss it as like, ugh. But uh, maybe you know, maybe there might be something. Dave's gone to many concerts, you know, with his daughters that he would not have gone to on his own. That's, well, you know, would you say how many New Direction concerts? <laughs> I did to? not go to. I just picked them up. Oh, okay, very good. I didn't actually go to the concerts. Thank goodness. Although I don't mind the band, but um, I listen to a lot of. Of uh, One Direction that I that I you know I wouldn't necessarily necessarily have listened to on my own. That's for sure. Yeah, and you've watched a lot of shows with your uh, with your daughters that you know oh, it's, a, it's yeah. a nice it's a nice thing to do, and you know you bond yeah, over that for sure. Yeah, I mean you are you have new you have a new person in your life to share your interests with too. You know, so eventually you will start to find ways to introduce those those interests back into your life, and uh, and and see them in new ways as well, and that's also exciting. Yeah. It is exciting, but by the way, mid thirties is a hard time for me. That's when I realized I was I was going to die, and uh, that was a depressing moment <laughs> in your life when you have that sudden awareness. You know, it happens to everyone. You reach that point in your life where you're just kind of like, "Oh my goodness, this ends." Fuck, it's a hard thing to. Damn it, I didn't think about that. Should have thought of that when I was younger. I was wasting all that time. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's an interesting moment in your life. Now it doesn't happen for everyone. I was talking to a guy at work, and it hit him as he's hitting forty eight. Okay. That's when you realize. So that's a long time to go in your life without hmm. without mortality cre- creeping into the rearview mirror. But yeah, that's uh, part of growing up too. There you go. And if we are in in Japan, yeah, it would be very nice to say hi. I'd like yeah. I'd like to actually be go visit Japan soon. My uh, you know what? my wife really wants to go, and uh, I I want to more than I ever did when I was uh, when so I was younger. So there you go. There that's you go. how things, a, change. Yeah, so things, things change. Thank you so sure. much. Uh, I, by the way, when we saw your email in our uh, email folder. Uh, and you were from Japan. We went like people in Japan listen to our show. Yeah, we both exactly. looked at each other. It's like this well, is not something. just not just people in Japan, but someone who's Japanese. Yeah, like I can understand. Like maybe there's a guy who, there who teaches English as a second language or something like that who listens to our show because he's it's you know it's hard living over there and you kind of want yeah. this taste of home or whatever. But what do by the way what do we have a- to offer? Anytime I get a, a big letter or something from someone who uh, you know uh, writes a wonderful letter and then goes apologizes for their English and the yeah. English has been fine the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of people when you walk into a house and the house is spotlessly clean mm-hmm. and they go excuse the mess and you want to say to them shut up. <laughs> and I don't want to make the last thing I'm saying to you shut up, <laughs> shut up. Anyway, hope I hope we actually do get to meet you at some point. Yeah. Hope, uh, who is our the, next questionnaire? And I hope our answers helped you. Very good. This is from a little woman, a little nice, beautiful woman yeah. named Lisa Williamson. Okay. Uh, well, what I want you to do is do this in that wife. hilarious impression of hers that you do all the time when the mics are off. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> she listens to the show. This will certainly help my ratings at home. Uh, this is a question for Ian. Oh, as the that's res- got a burn for you, huh? Yeah, it does kind of hurt me. <laughs> hurts my feelings. As the resident expert on cats. Oh, very good. 
Could you please? That's going to burn as well. We have the same amount of cats. Yeah. <laughs> That's no good. All right, continue. But you've had more. I have had more. Could you please explain to us why mm. it is that cats always want to sit on the most recent edition of the newspaper? Mm-hmm. I have conducted experiments on my kitchen table with my cat and various editions of the newspaper, and she will unfailingly choose the latest edition, right. which is coincidentally the one I want to read. Right. Please explain to me why it is that her butt can recognize fresh newsprint. Thank you. Okay, there's two reasons for this. Okay. One is uh, cats do this as a protest to the new Garfield and Heathcliff comics. <laughs> okay. uh, they find both are insulting caricatures of cats. Yeah. In fact, Get Fuzzy as well. There's so many wow. unflattering cartoon cats yeah. that yeah. Uh, their first uh, their first response is to, as soon as they see a fresh paper, to just rub their butts on it yeah. to make it unappealing to you so you will not want to turn it and see this sure. disparity disparaging yeah. uh, caricature of, of yeah. their sacredness. They're the spreading are unpheromones. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, you might have a more advanced cat, uh, and, and at which point uh, their ass acts as a scanner. And they may just be scanning the, the, the basic news articles okay. and retaining them for later on so they can just uh, uh, process them. Oh. Yeah. Cat's I, asses work as scanners. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And uh, dogs' mouths are fax machines, but those are useless now. <laughs> Says you. All right. You don't send off show uh, show uh, show entry forms, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um. Thank you for that answer. Thank you for that question. That thank question. you. Thank you very much. This is the second one. Is a question for Dave. Oh, okay. It's weird. She would just ask this at home later. Yeah, it's true. As the resident expert on horses. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's true. Did you hear my farrier answer, dear? Please tell us about the most fascinating. And my personal favorite, equine organ, the spleen. Okay. Thank you. Are you going to answer this one? No. no oh, is this what you, you said no, that? It's time like you're preparing. Spleen, uh, spleen talk. All right. Well, actually, the spleen is an interesting organ and one that I'm fascinated by myself. Sure. It is big. Of course, everything in a horse is big, but it is, it is a huge thing. So here's the thing. The equine spleen is a part of the cardiovascular system that helps horses to be athletic. And the way it does this uh, is by storing... It stores blood cells in it. It stores okay. You get different. You get different percentages depending what which book you look at. But it can store like forty percent up to sixty percent of the blood in a horse will slowly make its way through the spleen. It doesn't keep it in there, but it keeps a large amount of it in there, and it kind of slowly passes through it. Is this different than a human spleen? Yeah. Very good. So human spleen is mostly like a bile duct. That's what I thought. But for a horse, I know people who have had their spleens removed and lived uh, good long lives. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, other organs can take over that That's function. Right. Not so much with the horse. A horse actually can, but uh, so when a okay, so when a horse is relaxed, the spleen is also relaxed and expanded to its largest size. Okay. So it extends from the ninth rib all the way back to the point of the hip, covering most of the left side of the abdomen. So making it about three to four feet long, eight inches wide, and four inches thick. Mm. It can hold about thirty liters of blood, which slowly moves through the spleen, then re-enters circulation. When the horse is at rest, the spleen contains about one-third to approximately two-thirds, depends on what you read, of its trillions of red blood cells, which are called erythrocytes. These, this blood, of course, carries oxygen, which is necessary to power the muscles. So what happens is when the horse starts to gallop, the spleen contracts when prompted by chemicals called alpha agonists. These are released during the flight-or-fight response or strenuous exercise. So when the horse starts to gallop, the surrounding muscles clamp down on the spleen expelling up to 25 liters of the stored blood into the blood vessels. Mm. Fortunately, a horse's heart is larger relative to its body mass than most animals, so it can process this thicker blood, because the blood actually gets thicker with all this extra red blood cells pouring into it. 
So the average horse's heart is about 1% of its body weight. And thoroughbreds, which are kind of the running horse, have even larger hearts than, than the average. So I think like draft horses' hearts are 0.6% of, of a body mass size, but a thoroughbred is larger than 1% of a body. So the average is 1%. Uh, the spleen pumps its reserve of oxygen-carrying red blood cells into the bloodstream, which enhances the horse's aerobic capacity. So it has all this extra oxygen it can use to run. And uh, so this can actually double the oxygen-carrying capacity of the bloodstream, improving the aerobic capabilities. And uh, and also the spleen also helps, because the blood moves through it slowly, it also acts as a filter and helps clean the bloodstream of damaged or diseased white and red blood cells from circulation, which improves the immune system. And as we were talking before, a horse can live without a spleen, but it just will never be a, a great athlete. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And if you look at horse at racehorse breeds, um, you can actually see the very first dam who had a, a, a had a, an abnormally large heart yeah. that is carried down through a successful uh, lines like yeah, like yeah. Seattle Slough, like um, War Admiral, like um, Secretariat, all kind of are horses that came out of this line of, of horses. So they all had abnormally larger hearts, which allowed them to also pump blood faster and make make them into these super athletes. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing organ, really cool. what it does. Yeah. So yeah. what happens with the centaur? How does that work? <laughs> yes, its power lies in its... What is yeah yeah what would happen because it doesn't have a spleen in the way that it, yeah oh or does it I always think that centaurs have double the organs oh so they have two hearts two lungs and or two. four lungs you know. yeah what? there we go thanks for thanks for and, con- and contributing of course, two two buttholes if only we could read if only we could understand Morse code we could have known what they were telling we could. us we went by. and, and two buttholes there we go. <laughs> well, they got to poop twice as much time. <laughs> they do. They have a lot of. I was of. wondering why you had more pages than I did, and it was like, oh, you had all your horse facts. I had to put some horse facts down. Yeah, cause Dave's she, horse she, sense. She asked me this, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do some research on this. I'm not just going to yeah. make it up because I do know a little bit about it because Lisa's told me about it. And yeah, it's like, like there's oh, a lot of people who are like starting at the beginning of this episode, and they were like enjoying the questions. But I know there's a certain amount of people going, get to the spleen talk, <laughs> and so we did. I can't blame them. All right, we got a couple more. Couple more. We what got- do we got? Uh, this is from Mike. Thank you very much, Lisa. Yes, dear. Thank you very much for that. This is from Mike Davidson. Hi, Mike. My request is you talk about your wives. Okay. Well, she, yours. I just have a did wonderful. A question. I have a wonderful wife of twenty-seven years. Oh, we're talking about his wife now. Yeah. All who right, is my good. soulmate, and I'm I, I'm always interested in hearing about others who have the same. You have both said on one episode that your spouses saved your lives. Yep. Can you elaborate and tell us what you admire most about Pia and Lisa and your tips for a successful marriage? Okay. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? You go first. I would answer the last one. With All right. Very good. Fast. And I'll say your wife uh, last last question. I wish my wife asked questions on the show. That'd be nice. <laughs> uh, where, where my life... Uh, I, I think my wife made my life much, much better. I think I'm much more empathetic. Uh, I think her uh, just... She's just such a good person that it makes me want to be a better, a better person as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And just amazingly uh, committed to her work uh, in a way that makes me want to work harder and be better. And I'm so curious every day. Here's the best part to me is like every time I wake up, I, uh, I, I get to talk to her every day. And I always want to share what's going on. I want to find out what she thinks about what's going on. And I'm never bored around her. I'm never, never, never bored. Uh, it's always like interesting getting her take, seeing where she's going, seeing what she's doing. 
you know, and I get to be a part of that, and that's amazing, and uh, and that she's just branched out and and uh, and blossomed in so many ways. You know, when uh, when I first started going out with her, she was wanting to get into comics, and then she ends up co-creating one of the greatest comics of all time, Why the Last Man. You enjoyed it so much. I never really read it. Um, <laughs> I really didn't. Because, I understand. You know, it has too, it has an I'm emotional too, element. I'm too cl- I'm too close to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it it's definitely is like whenever anyone makes a list of like you know the twenty best comics of all time. Oh yeah, it's a great comic. I've read it. It's yeah, a great comic. They uh they they bring that up, and then you know it's gone on for there to do these incredible editorial cartoons. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen like how she cares so much about things and like how would you express that? She's got to just make art out of it, and then that it gets recognized and gets this international acclaim. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and because I've known her, you know, the two of us have gotten to travel all around the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, with our with our art, it's it's just been amazing. And yeah, she's just this this incredibly good person who I am delighted to be in the company of uh, at all times. And uh, she's got a wonderful family that you know uh, got I now have to have in my life as well. So that's been like a double blessing. Yeah. And uh, you know, the good times are better with her, and uh, the bad times I've got her with me. And you know, going through a stressful time right now with this like moving thing that was mm-hmm. a surprise. But you know we're getting through it together, and I know it's going to be uh, it's going to be okay. So yeah, and I never thought I would ever get married huh. ever like that. In no way crossed my mind. Huh. And then at a certain point with her, it was like, of course I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, back to you. Top that. <laughs> yeah, that was very good, very eloquent. Thank you, Thank you for that. Me like my wife. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I when I said Lisa saved my life, Lisa. I'm going to sound a bit like a leech, but Lisa is this sort of wonderful, wonderful organizing principle principle in my life. For someone like me who is a, you know, dunderheaded dreamer, uh, impractical, uh, forgetful, absent-minded. You know, the absent-minded professor was invented to describe me. Uh, and of course, it's frustrating to Lisa, but she loves me so much that she will forgive me all my, all my mistakes of that sort of thing. Uh, meeting her, like... I fell in love with her. I didn't. I didn't get to talk to her right away. Like we we met each other in a class, and then we weren't in the class together anymore. And I didn't really see her that much. And then we were in another class together. And then I was like, okay, I cannot miss this opportunity. And I made like, for me, bold steps to get to know her. I.e., talking to her in the library <laughs> for long periods of time. That was all. Just talking to her, so she could think to herself, is he gay? Like I just, what is his intentions here? I don't understand this person, but I really did like her. I was just so shy. Like I couldn't. You know, but it did it did work out somehow. Um, but yeah, when I met her, I felt like I had met the perfect person for me, and I still feel like that with her. That we can be together, despite how I seem in the show. I'm actually a fairly quiet person in real life, uh, and she's okay with us just driving quietly with what I think to myself about things, and she doesn't get mad at me for being quiet. She likes, she loves to just be with me, you know, and she just wants to go places with me. She doesn't doesn't care what it is. She just wants to go there. Yeah, just so we're together. And I really love that. I love that she'll just go with me somewhere and be with me, just be near me to experience that thing that I'm doing. She can share in it, you know, and share in my happiness and stuff. That's very important to me. And she's such a, and she's such a loving person. That's what I really like about her so much. Like I can be harsh. Like I am a sympathetic person. I can be empathetic, but I can also be strangely harsh in a male way, you know, like kind of callous in that kind of way, like deal with it. You know what I mean? You're growing up. Deal with it. You know, that's not her answer to things. That's my answer. Uh, her answer is, how can I help you? You know, what can I do to make this better? Yeah. You know, how can I make this chicken better? 
how can I, you know, how can I love this thing even more than it than I do? How can I love these horses? How can I love these dogs? You know, uh, and I am not as much that way. I'm, you know, I grew up with a father who was not a animal lover. We could have animals, but we weren't allowed to love them. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was no, there was no, um, you didn't spoil them. There was no, there was no uh, extra, you know, no, no kind treatment for them. The dogs slept downstairs because that's where dogs sleep, right? Uh, I also got to sleep downstairs later on, so the dogs slept near me. But, uh, but that was, yeah, it was just a weird. And I still have that a little bit in me though. That yeah. uh, there's places where dogs belong and not and not, you know. But Lisa doesn't have that, you know. If she could, the dogs would sleep on top of our bed, and that, that she'd be perfectly fine with that. I wouldn't be fine with it, but she would be fine with it. She just has that. Yeah, it's weird. Like, and you know, we've been together for a long time. We've been together over thirty years. Um, and uh, I, I feel like that I love her more than I did when I first met her. Yeah. You know, I've never. I don't. The idea. I always like what you said one time when you're talking about cheating on Pia was would I punch my wife in the face. And I feel like that exactly. Like, why would I hurt my best friend? This person that means so much to me. It's so important to me. Like, our what we have together is beyond whatever momentary pleasure I could gain from someone comfortable squishing with someone you know like it's just it doesn't even make sense to me like uh it's not something i even think about yeah it's pl- again it's pleasure versus joy yeah it's nothing i think about it's just it's not know, a good trade i uh and i'm really you know we're older now but the girls are older now and they're not at home as much so we're actually having a lot like quality a lot of nice quality time together lisa and i there's something we didn't have for a while because the girls were always around and you know so it's really it's pretty nice yay Hooray for wives. Yeah, hooray for people who, you know, like when I went through cancer, Lisa was there the whole time. I mean, my parents were like, acted like they were surprised that she hung around through it. Like, I don't know why that would be surprising to them. Like, why would they think someone would wander off? You're sick? Well, so long. But, you know, I I still have a home. I have like notes that she would write to me because she was going to school then and also doing her job, which was teaching writing. And then she would drive into Vancouver to see me. So she'd leave me these notes and be like, you know, I have school on Monday. And then I'm working from this time to this time, but I'll come and see you this time. And on this day, I'll be here from this time to this time, but I have to work at this. Da, da, da. And she so gave me her whole thing. And it's when she could come and see me. And then she would always pick me up on Fridays to drive me home. You know, she was always there every time. So she came every day almost as much as she could, yeah. you know, and she was always there. She would just lay in bed with me. We wouldn't talk or anything because I was, I was so tired out, you know, I just didn't have much to, to say or do. But, but, uh, she just was with me through the whole thing, you know, and just, you know, it's so important to me that she was there and, you know, and she was the concerned one who read all the books about cancer yeah. and what you do and this and that. And, and I was the unconcerned person who had cancer, who, you know, just kind of patiently listened to her, insist that I eat a lot of carrots and things like that, you know. <laughs> Before the internet, so it wasn't an easy... Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You had to, go, had to go to bookstores and find books that tell, yeah. told you these things. Yeah, it was, you know, like, there's not, there's not many people that you'll have in your life that share so many of your experiences together. And those are those. That's a vital thing to me, you know. Like I, I don't. It's just so important. Yes. Did that make sense of why she saved my life? Because I went through in, in, incredible post-traumatic stress syndrome after cancer that was very devastating, and she walked with me through it. You know, she walked beside me and helped me through it. Yeah. There's not all. Okay. It's also like when we say saved your life. It's not necessarily yeah. It's you not, know, stopped you, grabbed you from a cliff. <laughs> yeah, that's but right. But like gave you a life. Gave, gave me a life. Made my life. Made it better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Yeah, with her and the girls, my life has meaning, you know. Yay. It's uh, very important. Very important. Okay, so we're going on to Andy Hudson. Yeah, do you want to read these ones? Sure. Let me pass this to you. Okay, sure. What's up? 
What's up with the flat earthers? <laughs> okay, let's go with that one first. What's up with the flat earthers? Uh, people like to think their perspective uh, overrules uh, what other people tell them. They like to be independent. They like the, that kind of thing. And like, my eyes are telling me this, yeah. and that's what yeah. it is. That's right. Yeah, and if uh, if if the outside world is lying about that, it means it's going to be lying about everything else. And they're safer because they can mm-hmm. make up their own minds, and it's a safe place to be. It's not a million miles away from conspiracy theorists. Who, you For know, sure. uh, well, this is how everything's linked together. It is a form of cons- conspiracy yeah. theory, actually. Flatter. It makes you, yeah. it makes, it, it, it shows that you know why the world is fucked up. Yeah. And, and, and once you know, then yeah. you don't have to deal with the other thing that's fucked up. Sure. I think, uh, I, I don't want to equate them as the same thing, but I feel like it's sort of the same as your sort of your, your typical village atheist of the past who, you know, the flat earther and conspiracy theorists, they all have, they're the smart ones. And the rest, everyone else are dummies. You fools. Yeah, yes. you you idiots. Can't you see the truth? Yeah. But I also think there's an element to Flat Earthers now that's prankishness. There's a prank oh, sure. part of it. There's people who have glommed onto this thing as a as a kind of running gag and are having a lot of fun with it. Much to the much to the consternation of people who is making angry, you know, these sort of you know people who are, you know, the world isn't made like that. Don't you understand how it really should work? I mean, that that, that you know that kind of yeah. sanctimonious seriousness is just the perfect target for people who want to be pranks pranksters. And this whole flat earth thing has has uh, yeah, that written all mad. over it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, why do they think Australia doesn't exist? I've never heard of that. It's a comfortable thought, I think, to to not have Australia. Well, in the I world. don't think they're being yeah, who's serious? Uh, also, I live in the U.S. under the rule of President Dum Dum. Come on now. There's no need for that kind of language about that piece of fucking shit. Uh, due to his juvenile, knee-jerk style of working with other countries, yeah. I was wondering if Canadians currently dislike Americans or or maybe feel sorry for us. Uh, we sure could use some sympathy and a Canadian shoulder to lean on. I don't think uh, people need sympathy as much as empathy. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm married to uh, an American dual citizen. Oh, well, I empathize I with do you. A, I do a podcast with an American uh, here as well. That's so, true. you know, I don't mind letting them touch my stuff. Mia culpa. Um, it's a tough one. Yeah, like there's there there was definitely some anger when Trump was elected. That was like, oh, yeah. I thought we could trust you, and now and now we can't. Yeah. I feel that is a thing. I feel I feel Europe. like it's a pendulum. They yeah. kind of go between the two poles. Like at first you're like, oh, it's so terrible what's happening in there, and then you read something like, U.S. enacts laws to ban LGBT, you know, or trans people from this or that, and you're like fucking idiots what are you guys doing like so you just yeah, kind of and i realize the people and making the rules aren't necessarily the people i know but the people need to vote to get these people that's right. out that's right and there you go and 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 this is this is definitely a thing with uh okay bottom line we feel for you okay yeah and 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 trust me we've been setting up little things with friends of ours in america if they need to get out <laughs> and that's not even a joke because they're legitimately worried hmm. about certain things certain people so yeah. we're, we're, we're 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 trying to help you but I remember when Europeans uh, kind of realized that America was taking Trump seriously. Yeah. And it was like, oh, well, then America can't be what America was. They yeah. can't be the country we rely on. You're oh, now, right. you're yeah. unstable. Yeah. We, we're on our own. Yeah. And I think Canada feels that way too. It's like, yeah. okay, well, we can't rely on you for nothing. Like, mm-hmm. if someone does attack us, yeah. I don't necessarily think you're going to jump in and help unless it comes to your better interest or I might see you there going, well, cut, give us some money and we'll do it. Like, it yeah. feels like yeah. there's really hardly anything that could be off the table at this point. Sure. So, yeah, it's, it, it's thrown things into an unstable situation. And, uh, and again, yeah, when you have ha- trade agreements and things like that, they're just t- torn up unilaterally. 
unilaterally. Yeah. And then throw them back in your face. You're kind of. Well, or when, you know, a off? prime minister is treated as an enemy and then a dictator yeah. is treated as a friend. Yeah. And you're like, well, there's only so much of this you can take before you go. This is really wrong and you've got to take care of this. Yeah. Like now uh which i'm sure you also find i'm so sorry that you guys have to be in the middle of it i'm going to be going to new york uh, next next week and again every time i go to the states now dave goes like every weekend to see a movie but uh <laughs> but it's always a little bit off-putting going like oh i know who's in charge i was across the border last night getting gas feels uh, shaky and then you talk to people and especially people i know who are people of color and women are like yeah yeah you know this clinic might be shutting down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I say the wrong thing to a cop and I get shot. And that's not yeah. half a joke. That's not like a joke. Sin sincerely. So and then awful. And then everyone would go, yeah, that's the way it is. Hand shrug up. Yeah. So uh, I we, I, I do yeah. empathize with you and I just, I just hope people uh, vote. I yeah. just hope people vote. Please vote. Uh, yeah, please vote. There's a really, there's a interestingly and sad, sad video on Facebook. It was, Ask talking to black parents, asking them when they tell children that they can't trust policemen. Yeah, it's the talk. And I was so I oh, was so to, emotional. I was crying them, watching oh, that. Yeah, you've got to give tears. them the talk. Yeah, or they won't survive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my that's gosh. that's the states. Something I didn't didn't even occur to me that that, that would have oh, to happen at sure. some point where you could have to talk to children and say, you know, these people that you're told in media in all sorts of ways to talk talk to them and trust them. Don't talk to them and don't yeah. trust them. Yeah. What's it going to be like for the kids that are growing up uh, under Trump? Who, who just don't trust the president yeah. like at all. Like, I yeah. know that Nixon, that was a situation as well, and it really mm -hmm. did color things But there was a, a feeling like if he elected someone else, we could fix it. That's right. And yeah. also, he quit when it was time to quit. Yeah. You know, he left. You know, it was like, oh, well, for the good of the country, better get out of here. We're yeah, going to yeah. wrap it all up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, it feels like the for the good of the country doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's just everyone's everyone's out for their own. Like, yeah. Boy, that's rough. That's so rough. Uh, we love you. We hope the best for you. We got a couple of bonus questions near the end. What? Well, right? we did the lane ones already because I kind of folded okay, them Okay, so in are together. we done? Nope. Are we we have one? one more set of questions. We have one more question. One one more question or a set of questions? One more question. All right. One more question. Let's uh, drum roll it. This is from Mark. Hi, Mark. Dobrovolsky. Hi. hi. I'll just say Mark. Uh, he says, this is his question. How thirsty are you right now, Dave? Really thirsty. Very thirsty as well. Yeah. Okay. I've, I finished my, my two drinks. Yep, you've you got two drinks. I've only Thank had one. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for those two drinks. Oh, my I gosh. I finished them long ago. Okay, let me so just Mark, also so say. Just know we're both very thirsty. Let me just also say that those two drinks are sitting very heavily in my bladder for the last little while. Very well. good. We're going to uh, make quick work of them shortly. We have, not, right. we have not taken a break during this show, everyone. No, we have this not. This has been All a right. long Even though long it sounded slug. like Dave took a break and that would have been a good uh, opportunity for us to uh, pee, we did not. No, that's right. Okay. This is from Mark. Hi, Mark. Mark asked this question. This is the question Mark asks. Mark's he is the question? questionnaire. We are the answerees. Sounds good. He says, if now, at this age, you could live in any specific place in the world, where and why? Then he says... Aside from where I live currently? doesn't say that. I would take Stockholm, Sweden for scenery, quality of life, and good seafood. Okay. Uh, aside, I would live here uh, in Vancouver. If not Vancouver, I would live in London. I would live in London uh, because I think there's opportunities to do comedy. Yeah. There's opportunities to see really good theater. Yeah. Uh, you easily can fly to all these places in Europe and, mm. and see That's so true. much culture there. That's true. Um, uh, we got healthcare. That's that's good. 
uh, that queen. Boy, we love that queen. <laughs> um, and yeah, I really like uh, I really like England. So I would say like uh, living living in London or just outside of London. Also good transit system. Get around easy. Yeah. So nice. I would go I would go that. After that, Hawaii. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I think if I could live anywhere in the world, I would live in Paris. Uh, so one of my one of the my favorite cities I've ever visited. I love it there. It is very beautiful. And uh, I I'd would... visit you from London. Yes, welcome to. And we I have would... to meet each other like every week. It would have podcast to. Still. <laughs> That's right. We'd have to take the channel. Uh, Sneaky now, channel. Now, in this, in your scenario, I'm going to put in the pr- proviso that I have enough money to live comfortably in Paris, okay. in a nice part of Paris. Sure. In one of the classier arrondissements, you know, so, right. you know, near whatever, like maybe near, um, uh, in that, uh, area near, uh, Sacre Coeur, you know, yeah. like podcasts that kind of become very valuable and we sell off our episodes, uh, at a rate that <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin yeah. wouldn't. That's believe. right. Yeah. That's right. It's like, it's like the new Bitcoin. And, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that would be very appealing to me to live, live in, uh, in Paris. I really do like that city and I would love to learn, uh, better french than i speak now yeah i'd like to visit paris a lot more i also like to visit japan visit uh, listeners there we go and we got to go to belgium of course and go to the yes i would love to Virginia and of course i'd be very close to belgium by train so i'd love to go there and because i don't yeah i mean i've never been to belgium so i can't say that i want to live there i mean if i visited it and i loved it as much as i love paris and yes that would be i a, had a pen pal when option. i was a kid uh, it was uh, in my family and she had the exact same birthday as my sister oh interesting yeah and uh, it was fun i was writing yeah. Uh, so there we go. We have answered all of your questions. Gosh, bless it. The only thing left is to draw a name from the question pants and see who is going away with uh, this. I didn't bring a Sparks book, but I will get you a Sparks book. Uh, we'll throw it in the mix. We'll throw other things in the mix. David is okay. shuffling his pants. I'm go. reaching into David's pants right now. <laughs> well, that I'm, feels nice. I am pulling out a thing, and I'm saying that uh, we're going to be giving it all away to Jonathan Bampton. Oh, congratulations. So congratulations, Mr. Bampton. I believe Jonathan is from Australia. Oh, so that's going to be thank very you, pricey. Introducing that one you know what, me. David? I do not believe that exists, so let's draw again. <laughs> that's right. Ian is a flat earther, sir. You do not exist. Jonathan. You'll be can... getting tote bags and shirts and mugs. Because nothing can ha- exist underneath the earth. That is just a, pl- a flat plane that has nothing there. That's right. It's all darkness there. There's no sun or moon. Nothing can exist there. I'm sorry to tell you that. So, Jonathan, you do not exist. And there Otherwise, you are. we would send you a tote bag, a mug, and Jonathan. Here's the thing. Now, this is on. This is on your. On you. If you don't want to do this stuff, I don't, I don't have to spend any money sending it to you. But you need to choose a sheet, a shirt, a sheet. You need to choose a sheet and a shirt for us. You need to choose a shirt for us to make into a shirt for you. And give us the size. And give us the size and your address. So, what you need to do is uh, email me at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. And uh, what you what you can do is you can look at our uh, title cards on the website. If you go to to art and go down to title cards, you can look through there, find one that you like, or just choose one from our store that you like, and uh, and we will send you the appropriate size and the tote bag and the mug and a Sparks book and our eternal gratitude for taking part in the show. And if anyone else wants to write to us for any other reason, we are so are at yes. sneakyd at sneakydragon.com, or you can leave us a message under our message board. Uh, episodes at uh, sneakydragon.com. We're also sneaky underscore dragon on Twitter and sneakydragon.tumblr.com. We have plugs to do. What are the plugs? Let me tell you. Um, David and I worked on a book called Sparks. It is from Graphics. That is from Scholastic. It is a book. They say it's for kids. I say it's for all ages. It 
hurts two cats they want to be heroes no one takes cat heroes seriously they dress up as a dog they save the world it's a good book dave colored it i wrote it nina matsumoto drew it hey you can get it on uh your amazons you can get it from your local bookstore you can order it uh, go to your comic store you can buy it but just buy it it's back on the uh canadian kids top 10 charts this week uh it, it went off for a week it came back it's fine Everything's good. We're good. Uh, I also have a book coming out from Image uh, Comic Book in October, but you can pre-order that at your local comic book stores. It's called Extra Sisters. I'm doing that with Giselle Legacy. And pre-ordering is so good to do. By the way, if you're thinking of pre-ordering books, why not get my wife uh, Pia Guerra's book, uh, Me the People, which is her editorial cartoons. Uh, just so good and also available for pre-order now. Or pre-order from, like, again, Amazon, wherever you get your local books or whatever. You can just go and go, can I have uh, Me the People? Like, it's coming out in October. Good, I will get it. And if you're in a comic store, get Exorcisters as well. Anything you want to plug, Dave? No, but I just want to say one last thing before we sure wrap up. Are you ready to wrap up? Sure. I just want to thank everyone for taking part in the show. Very much so. Thank I want you. to thank Lane, Brent, Louise, Pierce, Nettie, Greg, Thomas, Robert, Jonathan. Congratulations, Jonathan. Philip, Ken, Chris, Carlin, Chris, Yuya, Nigel, Thomas, Hayden. Laurel, Lisa, Mike, Andy, and uh, the last one was Mark. Thank all, thanks all of you for taking part in the show. That's what makes really it fun. Makes it fun for us. Does make yeah. a difference, and we will be back in a hundred episodes to do this one more time. One more time. And I've got one final question to ask you, Mister Dedrick. Yes. Do you want to go get a drink of water? Drink of water or whatever. Yeah, let's okay. go get a drink. Let's go drink. Thanks so much, <laughs> folks. It's been 3.50. We'll see you again next time. And also listen to Full Marks if you want to. It's up to you. Your yeah. call. All right. It's a lot of fun. Bye. Bye, everyone. This is David here. Just I just uh, popping into the end of the show just to let everyone know that there will be a musical segment to this episode. Uh, I recorded it earlier tonight with Mary. Unfortunately, it's two hours long, so I am not going to put it on the end of a four-hour show and turn it into a six-hour show because that would just be insane. So what I have decided to do is do it as a supplementary 350th episode. It'll be 350B, the musical, or maybe I'll make it into the actual uh, first episode of Sneaky Dragging Listening Party. That would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Who knows? I'll decide as I do this thing. But anyway, it's going to show up uh, hopefully tomorrow. I'm pretty sure it will be tomorrow. And you guys can all enjoy it then. Wouldn't that be awesome? That will be great. Won't it? Yay! Music! More music! 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 Oh, and just one more thing. Uh, I I just want to apologize for the sound sound quality of the musical episode. It kind of stinks. And I'm sorry about that. I didn't realize it, but a couple of dials on my mixing board had been uh, twisted and turned in ways that were detrimental to sound. And you will notice that because we are really hot. Even though I tried to turn it down, we were hot, hot, hot. That means our voices were really loud and it was hard to understand us because we were so loud and it was kind of staticky and I apologize. It's a little annoying to listen to, but the show, the talk was so nice. The talk was so sweet with my daughter that uh, Mary and I did it together that it, uh, I just didn't want to 
do it again. So that's what you get. You get what you get, everybody. Anyway, I think you're all swell. And I'll, I'll uh, listen to you later. Bye!